you you talk about you know philosophy on this podcast. You talk about all this yeah, stuff, psychology, and, and it's like what? Why are you watching this? Was the question I was asked. Yeah. When I when I turned it on, <laughs> like, why are you doing this for your podcast? It's like, believe me, yeah, <laughs> believe me. There's way more to this movie than you think. Hello, welcome, patrons and subscribe stars, to our mm-hmm. monthly uh, exclusive podcast. Um, this month, Jurassic Park one yeah. barely. barely. I mean, it was, it, and it was like. Not winning for the longest time. Really? I, I remember checking it and it was like, okay, Cowboy Bebop's going to win. Yeah. Moving on to the next thing or whatever. And then I come back and check it just to make sure it was Cowboy Bebop. It's like, what the fetch? What happened? <laughs> Jurassic Park won? How? <clears throat> wow. But it won by like 1%. It was like oh, wow. 33% of the, of the vote was Jurassic Park. 32% of the vote Ooh. was Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. So barely lost. And I'm, th- I'm thinking it's it's probably true that most people who watch us would would want our thoughts on more Cowboy Bebop. We already did five episodes. Plus, wow. it's an anime, which is like you know sort of adjacent to JRPGs, which is what we talk a lot yeah. about. Yeah. Well, maybe we should switch to more of an electoral college style <laughs> voting system. <laughs> no, I'm glad it worked this way. This movie is sweet because this movie is amazing, and yeah, you must hear. How good it is because I noticed so many things on this rewatch with subtitles that I never freaking heard or understood as a kid growing up watching this. That's so funny that you watched it with subtitles because I did too. Yeah. And that's hilarious that like we've never done this before. No. And we both, <laughs> but it, it really does help when analyzing a film yeah. to have the subtitles The on. words on the screen. It really does. Uh, I picked up on all kinds of things. Oh yeah, um, me too. and and I guess I'll just get this out of the way now because I don't want to like keep bringing it up every time it comes up. Um, it it actually is hilarious to me mm. how much I missed, like context wise, of like or just didn't even didn't even understand the words that were being said. Yeah. Yet it didn't seem to affect in any way my viewing of this movie. Your enjoyment as a kid. Yeah, that's it's like crazy. You That's still, the mark of a well-made film. I know. It's like different levels, you know, people who want like a deeper philosophy or whatever it is, like it's there. And yes. then people who just want to chill and like go on the roller coaster dinosaur ride and then watch the movie without paying attention, it's there. Yes. Like it meets you at your level, yes. wherever you're at. And, and there's there's this thought that I had. I need to pull up the quote. Okay, mm-hmm. so so there's this quote kind of recently from George Lucas. Um because, you know, one of the things that people criticize the prequel trilogy for the most is its dialogue. Well, even the original trilogy oh, Star Wars, gets yeah. criticized for its its dialogue being either just like, yeah. like Mark Hamill kind of pokes fun at it when he's like, yeah. what are these lines you're having me read? It was you know, written too much towards like younger kids or something like that. Yeah, or just like, it, it's just techno babble or who would uh, talk like this? Like right. who would say <laughs> something like this? As an actor, you're trying to like sell it. You're trying to like yeah. say it in a, in a believable way. And it's like, how can I sell that line? That line's crazy. And George Lucas would famously, when he directed films, just come back and say, more energy, say it quicker, say it faster. Okay. He's not even seemingly at all concerned mm. with like the words, the perf- but just the how words. the words flow. Mm. Like say it in this very specific way with a very specific rhythm in mind that I have in my head. Hmm. I don't care that the words sound convincing 
as like language. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you to say it like this. And I want to say it with faster and with more energy. And, and so anyway, he, he spoke on this, um, in an interview, uh, a little while ago, and he says something really interesting. I'm not known for my dialogue. I think of it as a sound effect, hmm. a rhythm, a vocal chorus in the overall soundtrack. Wow. And for the longest time, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what does he mean? What the heck? Like, yeah. But I feel like I got it really for the first yeah. time as I watched this mm. movie with subtitles on and realized what they were actually fetching saying <laughs> in certain parts. Because there's certain parts where it's like, I had literally not, I didn't pick up one word of that. Mm. It, it, I think it's when. Uh, well, there's a lot of thick accents. There's a lot of different kinds of people, yeah. you know, from all around the world. Well, like there's um, Alan Grant when he first is walking up to the the brachiosaur, and he's just oh, yeah. he's just like freak kind of freaking out. And he's just saying all this stuff, and I never actually knew the words he says, not one word of it. That's right. I, when it's a when I technical. saw, yeah, yeah. He, he was saying something. We can Ooh. throw out the whole idea yeah, because they're about them being cold blooded. Yeah, they're obviously warm blooded. That's right. what he's talking about. I had. For my entire 35 fetching years of being alive, I did not know that's what he said. That's great. Me neither. Because growing up, like I didn't pick out those words. Those words didn't mean anything to me as a right. child, probably anyways. And so it was just the rhythm yeah. of the words with the beat and the pacing of the shot and the music was, it, it worked. Right. It, it, it communicated something to me musically. Right. Almost, yeah. Rather than with language, and this was this takes me back to that whole video I made about how there's this theory that language was preceded by music, music or by yes. rhythm yeah. in terms of human communication, yeah. and that there's an intuitive sort of like way of communicating through music that is even more effective, particularly with emotions, yeah. than languages. And so mm. it didn't matter what they were saying; I felt what he was feeling through the tone of voice, through the rhythm of how he was speaking, through everything like that. And so I, even though I didn't know the words, I still got the idea oh, of totally. the movie. It was still yes. perfectly communicated. Because you got the the tone, the way, the speed at yes. which he was talking, the yes. tone of his voice, yes. the, the, you know, like the, the volume, like all the different ways of him talking, everything but the words. And the words are important too, I suppose, yes. but it all yes. depends on like, but you'll you'll get it either way, whether you know what he's talking about or not. Yes. It almost just doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah, and so like cool. this sort of solidified to me how this is probably of any movie I've ever seen the closest to a perfect film. Hmm. I feel like this is the perfect summer blockbuster film, like yeah. Hollywood blockbuster <clears throat> that has ever been made. It's it's like literally perfect. It's just the the formula of it. The, the way it's performed, the way it's written, the pacing, the editing, everything. The only thing I could possibly criticize it for, which is not even really a big deal, no. is continuity errors, yeah. of which there are several. Yeah. But that being said, like I don't know that I've seen a more perfect film than this. And it was just totally yeah. just validated on this watching, yeah. where there was so much context I had never even knew, because I didn't yeah. know what they were saying. And I see it now and I go, oh my gosh, like I never picked up on that. 
So there's going to be a lot of that. So I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way and say, I finally get you now, George <laughs> Lucas. I finally understand what you're saying. Because yeah. he was a part of that same mold of filmmakers. Yes, he and Steven Spielberg did Spielberg a lot of movies together. We're yeah. friends. And I think that they probably approached yeah. dialogue in a similar way. This makes me want to uh, watch Indiana Jones or something similar yes. that they worked on together. Yes. And to see if the similar thing kind of applies. Yes. I'll bet you it does. There's probably like all, all of their movies. I would go watch it. E.T., like yeah, whatever, yeah. with subtitles and probably like, I never knew that. I never heard that. I never, I didn't know what they were talking about, but it didn't matter. I still got it. I still yeah. understood the movie yeah. as a child. I still understood it. And I think mm. it has something to do with this idea of the dialogue is a sound effect. It's a rhythm. It's a vocal chorus. It's musical in its delivery. Wow. And, and he it's wants, to, part of he wants it to be heard. Yeah. He wants you to say it a specific way, even though Mark Hamill's complaining about how that doesn't make any sense to right. say it like that. He, they're just thinking about it on totally different wavelengths. And there's almost oh, an intuition crazy. that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg had for dialogue yeah. that is communicating it in this way that's just probably more effective even in certain ways than, you know, sort of like the, the linguistic sense right. that other people are maybe looking for. So, Very well put. I, I totally agree. It's fantastic stuff. So, okay. That being said, the uh, first scene okay. here. Well, before that, I did have a couple notes I wanted to bring up just on the people oh, who made it. Yes. Um, at least Good in idea. part. Um, I did not know this. Did you know that Steven Spielberg finalized the edit or he actually, he like signed off on the final version of Jurassic Park while he was shooting Schindler's List. Yes. <laughs> in yes. Po in it's Poland. Crazy. It's crazy. It's <laughs> absolutely mad. The, the, how busy this man was in the nineties is just, this is like the most famous filmmaker of all time, right? Steven yes. Spielberg. He's like the most famous one and how busy he was and how tightly packed his schedule was and how he was running things was it's it's crazy like this was a workaholic yes this is somebody who really really loved what he did yes um i thought that was fascinating also there was a person this is very cool there was a person named robert bucker who was the paleontologist advisor on the yeah. movie and, and they, his, reference, they reference his book they reference yeah. his book in the film yeah and he was the one who um was the advisor to it right tim so, talks about how his book was way fatter yeah, than Becker, yours it was his like book this was huge. <laughs> And he's the one who has the warm-blooded um, reptile hypothesis yes. for the ancient dinosaurs, right? right? Um, and then also, um, well, just the screenplay was written by some beasts who've written a thousand things. I don't even know where to start with them. They've written mm -hmm. like every good movie you've ever watched. Um, and then uh, Gerald, Gerald Mullen, we met him once. Do you remember this? Well, not, not in person. I don't it was over this. video. We, I can't remember if you were there. Maybe it, I was. Do you remember when we went to that thing? We actually organized this whole thing with with Gerald Mullen. He was the the producer on this film. Um, we organized a thing at where was it called? Gig. Do you remember Gig? Oh, Gig. And there was the guy who spoke. Oh yeah. That was Gerald Mullen. I had no idea who Park. that was. And that's where we met like the the man, the band manager for Kiss and like oh my all, gosh, all those crazy. people that day. It was Gerald Mullen is the guy who we got wait, to wait, talk wait, to. Wait, us. Is that where we went to like the barbecue place? Or am I thinking of something else? Was it a barbie? It might have been. Yeah, I thought yeah. we went to like no, a, we all got food. shirts. Yes, yes, yeah and, yeah. and we went into that uh, that place in Provo where they got the barbie the the famous I, barbecue Bam spot. Bams? Yeah, I think that <laughs> okay, was it. Okay, okay, that would have been it. That yeah. was that him. Been it. Yeah, that, that was, was Gerald Mullen. Yeah. What the fetch, dude? I didn't even it's know so, that. And what's even crazier is <laughs> that we're fetch? we're the ones <laughs> that put that whole thing together along with the guys um, the guy um, the guy who was working at Gig at the time. Holy crap! And like. I didn't even realize, like I, I knew at the time, but I had completely forgotten wow. that um, we have uh, we have interacted Actually with this man before. Met this person. 
Yeah, he's oh, a beast. Fat. He's he's getting pretty old now. Um, but yeah, he was he he produced all of Spielberg's stuff for like a decade or two. Yeah. Um, and then of course Kathleen Kennedy was the Kathleen other Kennedy. producer who yeah. has also gone on to do big stuff. She's basically runs the Star Wars franchise now. And then the cinematographer is Dean Cundy. You guys, he did every movie that you liked in the eighties. He mm-hmm. did all of them. Every he did Back to the Future. He did yep. all of them. Every big yep. movie you've ever seen. Yep. And then of course John Williams. My gosh, did that guy was such a beast. And I also came across this stat after talking over it with you. I think this was adjusted, adjusted. for inflation. Yeah. But this movie cost over uh, it cost sixty three million dollars to make and it made over one billion dollars at the box office. Yeah adjusted. that's like yeah. a eighteen times return yeah. on investment. This is why this movie was huge. This is why, even huge. though it's lamentable, this became a movie franchise. Yeah, like six movies. And it now. should have just been one movie. It should have just it should been have one. just ended right there. Yeah. But you can't you don't turn down a billion dollars. It's like it's just I'll bet you the inevitable. lost world made just as much. Inevitable at that point. Yeah. It's just gonna happen when there's that much money on the table. Which is something they satirize in the movie. That's they didn't right. even get it. I know they didn't they even get their, their own, own movie. Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> um also Michael Crichton, um, we read Jurassic Park. I read it back in junior high. I you read it too, a right? long time ago, and yeah. I remember very little about it. I was I, tempted to kind of try it, but I was reading so much other stuff for, yeah. um, for oh, Nier for that I didn't have time. But I, I wanted to go through and, and try to remember some of the differences between the book and the film, but I just I have no memory, really. Other Gosh, than there was a dome. years ago? There was a dome where they kept the... Um, the flying dinosaurs, oh, the pterodactyls, the pterodactyls right. yeah, yeah. and they got out of there. Then uh, right. they were like on a river. That's mm. like the only the only part of that book that is in my mind, and that was kind of towards the end of the movie, I think. But I think they tried to recreate that in Jurassic Park three. Yeah, to some they they ended up adding yeah. some of that stuff on later on. But anyway, but it's a really good book, um, and they followed it pretty well in this one. Um, I think the movie's better than the book. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But this is one of the few times yeah. where I feel that. And and I, I always wonder if it's because I saw the movie first, because I feel the same yeah, way about... Yeah, probably. Not the same way, actually. I don't feel the same way about um, about Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Because oh, I saw right. the movie first, and then I read the books. But the other movie. movies. But right. I, I feel at least that the first book um, carries the spirit of the... Or the first movie carries mm. the spirit of the film. Totally agree. The first film carries the spirit of the book. And I didn't feel that totally way agree. necessarily about the sequels. But yeah. I've always wondered, is that just because you saw that movie first? You'll never know because right. there it can never be a control group for your right. own experiences. But I, I, find, I, I hold those two on equal grounds. I think they're yeah. both equally great, the film and the book. And cool. this, I think the movie is better than yeah. the book. Um, uh, I'm not true of the second one. The Lost World is way better than the movie The Lost World. That's true. Oh, absolutely. 100% true. Yeah. But... Anyway. Yeah, dude, I love these. This is the first book I ever read with swear words. A lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them, yes. Particularly um, the second I one. Was Lost World 12. was full of Yeah, the Lost World. Lost World, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> my mom knew I was reading that, she would not have been happy. Makes me wonder what my daughter's going to be reading. All right. So is that covered? That's the, it. Okay. So I am into the beginning. My first note is nature sounds. Yeah, dude, that's the such trees, a good way to start the rustling. movie. I, w- I was I was thinking about that. I was like, usually, you know, you'll get your universal logo, the bum 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 bum. You get yeah. that huge musical bum 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 bum. See how famous, right? How famous do you have to be to like 
not have that happen yeah. in your movie? Do yeah. you have to be Spielberg? I have no idea. Or can you be like a little no-name filmmaker and like, oh, can you take off your little sound for Universal before my yeah, movie? Right. Would that have the same impact? Or I would know. they just be like, screw you, we play this before every movie? Right, no. this is our branding. But some movies, they do different things. Yeah. I, I think you got to really be someone yeah. in order for them to do that. And it's it's just such a perfect tone setter. Yeah. Because you see that what's usually a bombastic yep. musical crescendo for that logo, and it's just an unsettling jungle ambience. You hear some crickets. It's just crickets. You hear the nature. And wind. And, yeah, and wind, and, but it's, right. it, it's I don't even know how, because those things aren't so like- good. They aren't like just in and of themselves unsettling. No, it's within the context of every other movie you've seen up to this point yes. doesn't have this. Yes. And whoa, something's this different. feels weird. Something's off, yeah. Something feels off about this. Yeah. And it just That's immediately crazy. creates that feeling somehow. And because, yeah. you know, it could be peaceful, like the wind and the sounds sure, of the leaves it doesn't blowing, have to be. the crickets. That can be a very peaceful thing. People can go to sleep yeah, to that. Yeah, that's right. But in this particular instance, that sound makes me go, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like right away. Yeah. It's crazy how that's perfectly true. they set that tone, like right from the start. And then, you know, they have some titles that go on and it's just that real sort of like soft choir, mysterious Sort yeah. of, again, sort of almost uh, unsettling underneath it. And it's just that percussion. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Another oh, title. It's... And it's just like, oh, dude, like, this is going to be kind of a scary movie. Yeah. Now, story for me. I was seven years old when this movie came out. I cannot believe that. I cannot believe that. <laughs> I was seven years old when this movie came out. And it's, yeah. it's the first movie I ever went to a movie theater to watch. Wow. It was my seventh birthday. Hmm. My father, my mom wasn't there. I can't remember why. She had some function she had to be at, some, okay. something she was obligated to go to. So my father took me out to my birthday dinner. And while we were there, he was like, you want to go see Jurassic Park? This new movie came out, Dinosaurs. It's freaking awesome. Dinosaur. My dad had already seen the movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh my gosh. He had already seen it. Jeez. And he was like, let's go see this movie. I was like, yeah. And we left uh, right after the Dilophosaurus eats Ted Nedry. Or <laughs> Dennis Nedry. <laughs> Dennis Nedry. I, I couldn't handle it. It was so scary. <laughs> oh <my> so, <laughs> that was my first wow, experience dude. with this film. Uh, I, and then I, of course, watched it later, probably a couple of years later on video or whatever and loved it. But yeah, that's how I had to watch it. My parents didn't, uh, weren't like your parents. <laughs> I was <laughs> well, not mom allowed was to watch it. Was she? My mom was furious because, because he had to tell her the story. Yeah. He was too scary. And he like was crying and begged me to leave the theater <laughs> and she was so mad, but like, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, anyway. it was on TV and we taped it. We taped it on TV. And nice. we'd pause the we tape recording for the commercials. Yep. Yep. And then we'd hit record. <laughs> we'd try to be there as soon as the commercials are over, hit record. Yep. Right. And so we had it on tape. Yep. Uh, and then it's a little bit more edited <laughs> back then. Mix is saying my first movie. In, oh, no, sorry. This is Hopeless Romantic saying my first movie in the theaters was Spy Kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Great, great. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so anyway. Uh, no, but this first scene is just phenomenal tone setting. Um, so yeah, very good. And then like the, it, it's everything. It's everything working together. It's that like subtle music, sound effects, sound effects in movies of this time were just dude masterclass sound design. Yeah. On oh, these films. very unbelievable. Uh, uh, 
whoever it's probably the same guy that worked on Star Wars and stuff. I forget his oh, name. Oh, the dude who did Wally. I can't remember his name. Yeah, but, but the sound like, designer, very he, good. He's so good at creating new sounds by combining yeah. things that yeah. you just wouldn't think about. Yeah. So like all the dinosaur roars and yeah, sounds. Yeah, it was like a mix of like elephants combinations and combinations of all kinds of and so like just when you it's almost like you hear well, it's mm. the same thing with like Star Wars ships. You can hear That's right. a rev or a, or a flyby, and yeah. you know what ship that is. Right. You know what a lightsaber sounds like. That's you right. know There's like that a these signature. lasers. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the the DNA mm. is in the is in the the sound design. Yeah, that's um, so and it's the same for this movie too. Like you know what dinosaur that is. You know what a, Vero- a Velociraptor sounds like. I went to a museum here in Utah um, over at Thanksgiving Point where they, they had a thing uh, where they do the botanical gardens and they had all these oh, yeah, animatronic yeah, that's right. um, dinosaurs. Yeah. And they use Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park dinosaurs <laughs> of course they for do. the sounds. This is like because the gold that's, standard. Yeah, that, that's what these dinosaurs sound yeah. like to people now. That's how influential yep. this movie was. And it's how good the sound design is. So and it's, it's, it's a mixture of that. The cinematography, the music. I, I love the shot where they're bringing in the crate. They're they, they're sort of bringing it in oh, with so like good. a with like a like a tractor or like whatever. A big forklift thing. Forklift. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I was looking for. And you just have that push on Robert Muldoon. They are yeah, heavily man. backlit, and they're all just holding those like they tasers now, and guns. And it's just like the look on their face. It's just like. Dude, something is about to go very, very yes, wrong. This is this, this <laughs> it's presented like a war movie. Yes. It's like it's these are the soldiers on the front lines awaiting like the enemy like full attack or assault, the yes. frontal assault. And they're just like waiting. They all have like their guns, their um tasers, right? These prods, yes. like cattle prods. But they're all like armed as though this is war. And mm. Robert Muldoon is there as though he's like their their yes. uh, their leader. And yeah, it's crazy. It's really, really well done. But that hero shot on Robert yes, Muldoon. Yes, it's so cool. So good. <laughs> so that good. guy is such a be. I had a little action figure of him. Yeah. And he was my absolute favorite He's. He character. might be the best character in the movie just because his lines are so freaking beastly and They hardcore. are. Every line is like <laughs> he, he and a lot of characters will serve as kind of like foil characters to yeah, John Hammond sure. and what he's trying to do. But only one of them works for him. Right. Yes. All the people that work for John Hammond are like patting him on the back and telling him he's doing the right thing, except Robert Muldoon. Yeah. Right. And he's the one that's just like, this is not. We should not be doing this. Yes. But if anyone is going, if as long as it's going to happen anyways, then I'll be the one yeah. to be here to make sure everything goes right. Yeah. But it's it's going to go wrong. Yes. Horribly wrong. He is so good. And also, there's tons of, um, I didn't notice this when I was a kid, but there's tons of Spanish yes. being spoken here, yes, too. Yes, a lot. I, it makes perfect sense now. Like, I haven't a, seen this movie in a long time. It's an island off the coast of Costa Rica. Of Costa Rica. Yeah. Which, anyways, names of things are going to be very uh, important yes. um, pretty soon here. But yeah, it's a lot of Spanish, but he's always speaking in English. Yeah. And at every section of the, the crate, like, all right, pushers, push it in. Yep. Stop. Gatekeeper, raise the gate. Yeah. Like, it's so good, but it's so tense. It's so tense. And yeah. he says, I want tasers on full charge. <laughs> yep. Okay. And then they show the close up. Okay, this is good too, because I, I, I always, this is kind of a way that I analyze like stuff nowadays, but I look for like an ancient myth that's like similar to whatever's happening here. Yep. And this is Pandora's box, 100%. Sure. sure. Yes. Not just in the general like, colloquial sense but it's like this is a box it's going in it's it's like they're opening a box and as soon as the box opens 
it, it like goes it kills awry. people and yeah. it ruin and everything is like messed up and i think that's the 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 myth that this intro sequence is like trying to explain right there's a box of a thing everyone's afraid of it everyone knows that if this thing gets out it's trouble and what do they do they open it first off they make the thing right then they open it and then powers beyond their control force the the whole crate moves and then the guy who was opening the gate i think falls down mm-hmm. and he dies and that's the end of that right, right. but what was really good was the shots of, you get a shot of Robert Muldoon's eyes while he's holding the guy's arm, and then a shot of the Velociraptor's eyes yes. as it's like pulling yes, the guy in. right. That is really, really good juxtaposing, not only because the, and, and Robert Muldoon mentions this, he says that the Velociraptors have like some intelligence about them, right? They yeah. seem like they're smart, like they know like what's what. You can see that in the animatronic, like you yeah. really can. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because it was juxtaposed against um, Robert Muldoon's eye that by comparison, that eye, you know, seeing it going the other way, it's like, oh, these are two people locked in a fight. Yes. And like they're equal level kind of people. Yes. Um, but it really looked, I mean, it was a short shot. You don't even really see the whole dinosaur here. You just see its eyes, mm. but it looks intent. It does not look like an animatronic. It yes. looks real. It looks and real. And it looks like intelligent in some ways. Yes. Really, really well done. It's unbelievable. These animatronics were so good. And, and we'll get into this later too, but like the combination between incredible oh animatronics, but then the use of CGI Seamless. for the first time on yeah. a scale of this this kind. Yeah, full, yeah. It's still perhaps one of the most convincing mm. uh, uses of CGI in film I've ever seen. All these years later, even with all these new Jurassic films coming out, the dinosaurs never look as real to me in those as they do here. And we'll we'll talk about why. This was done so well. Yeah. But what I loved about this, and and this was something, again, the the genius of this film, which I think flies under so many people's radar. They just think of it as a fun summer blockbuster. What do you possibly... So, yeah, like, what are you possibly going to talk about? With Jurassic Park, why are you Dude, watching this? There's so much. <laughs> you, you 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 talk about you know philosophy on this podcast. You talk about all this yeah, stuff, psychology, and, and it's like what? Why are you watching this? Was the question I was asked. Yeah. When I when I turned it on, <laughs> like why are you doing this for your podcast? It's like, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> believe me. There's way more to this movie than you think. Yeah. And so, thematically. This is, again, another perfect example of how to write your movie to theme. Mm. This movie knows exactly what it's trying to Every say. Every scene is reinforcing Every the central single theme. one. Yep. There's not one wasted second yeah, yeah. in the dialogue, in yeah. scene structure, in editing that does not move towards that theme, towards mm. pointing you to it and reinforcing it somehow. It's in this scene, we have... Tons of dudes with guns and technology. Yes, yep. Trying yep. to control a situation. Yep. And none of them have control and they know nope, it. Nope, nope. They know it. They know it. They know it. They know it. And the one guy who seems like he's in control, he knows it too. Yes. And he's met his match, which yes. is this Velociraptor. Yes. A thing I didn't bring up too. This box comes out of the trees, right? As though the Pandora's box emerges from nature itself, right? Yes. It, it's like born from the trees and then delivered here. And then these humans are like, we're going to control this, you know? Yes. Like we know exactly what we're doing. Yes. And it is so obvious that they do not. Yes. But also the struggle between Robert Muldoon and the Velociraptor that they're both fighting for survival. Yes. Like in a way. Yes. Right? The, the, the Velociraptor is just as intent at doing what it was programmed to do instinctively. And Robert Muldoon is trying as hard as he can to ensure that nobody dies. And he can't do it. Like nature wins. Yes. 
maybe a little hint as to yes. how this movie's going to yes. go. Yes. Life <laughs> but they're like head found to head. a way there in the know. very first scene. Right away. Even though the odds are stacked against it. And he was we saying, have, shoot her, shoot her. They were doing their thing. It wasn't working. Nothing no, was working. No. Life found a way yeah. to break out of that situation and yep. get the meal or whatever it, it needed to survive. And you know what it had to overcome to do it was the technology. Remember those lights turned green as soon as they push the thing in and then yep. it locks in place. And yep. he's like, good, it's locked. Our technology locks. Our technology is not going to fail, right? Yep. It, it's technology. It always works. And then boom, as soon as they open the gate, oh, well, our technology failed. And now the box is open. And now... Um, this disaster is unleashed on yes. on humanity. Yes. <laughs> so it's, good. It's freaking so amazing. It's I love so it, well done. And I love particularly that this was the first scene because your first scene, as we talk about all the time, is your hook, right? Yeah. You're trying to, you're not only trying to show something exciting so that you're giving a promise for what's to come and so That's that you, people true, will yeah. sit through all the exposition and That's everything right. like that, right? Because so they know we're going to get more of that. But it's also one yeah. that is basically presenting the entire movie's premise mm -hmm. in one short, yes. concise scene. And they do it because with so quickly. So it's, it's a really short scene. I know, and you would miss it. And you would think, whoa, so what? It didn't need to be there or this, uh, you know, it didn't need to have been done that well because nobody noticed it anyways. Well, yeah, it did. You you do notice your brain registers a lot more stuff than you realize, right? Yes. Like your brain understands, like at least in part, some of what's going on here. Just like with the dialogue, right? Yeah. Like yeah, it's all about the tone that he says it in, and it's all about the music. But also, if he was talking about like getting drunk at a bar last night, you would have noticed. Yes. So the words are still important, yes, right? Sure. Your mind is, you're, it's just not rising to the conscious level of understanding exactly the specifics of what he's saying. Yeah. But your subconscious mind is still registering it, right? right? All this stuff is registering. And another thing right here is that these people do not realize that they do not have the equipment to do this safely. No. They don't realize it. If they realized it, they wouldn't be there. Yes. They don't realize how outmatched they are. Yes. They don't get it. Yes. Right? And that is and all that, in this scene right I, here. And that, again, is the theme of the movie. The, the control is the illusion. Yeah, they never right. had control in the first place. And that's, that's what is Ellie, the illusion. That's what Ellie says. Right? Yep, you never so had control. they are acting under this illusion that this can be controlled, yeah. that they that they can build this theme park and like create, play yeah. God and create dinosaurs yes. yep, yep, yep. And, and make money on it, right? But they don't. Right. <laughs> and they never did. Yeah. And that's the reality of Jurassic Park. And he's showing you in the very, very first scene of the movie that that's the reality of Jurassic Park. Yep. And then from here, we're going to allow John Hammond to try to convince you otherwise that's for right. about an hour. For Yeah, for about an hour. And yep. you're going to believe it because he's so charismatic yeah, and in the way nice that he goes guy. about it. He's smart, yeah. And then there's a very specific moment yeah. where that turns. Yeah, and everyone right. realizes, oh, wait a minute, no. Even though... They're just so eager to see these things they yeah. care about that they've been studying that they go into it anyway. It's a dream. But they they realized it before the disaster even happens. Yeah. But it's every scene works towards this theme, enforces this theme. And I love how concisely they do it. It, it, there's, uh, the, that's, the, that's the sign to me of brilliant writing is being able to say something in the fewest amount of words and in the shortest space you possibly can. And it doesn't, it, it, no more need be said. Yeah. That that scene needed to be absolutely no longer than it was. Right. You get everything you need from it. It's, it's filled with interesting content. Yeah. And you get it whether you're thinking about it deeply or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can be totally it's, passive. It is beautiful. So, how so perfect well it is.
It's unbelievable. So that's just the first scene of the movie. That's the first scene. <laughs> so then we open up uh, on the next scene, which is the encased mosquito. So this is uh, Juanito and and Donald Gennaro, oh, the right. the uh, Gennaro, yeah, the yeah. lawyer who represents the investors. Yeah. for Jurassic Park. Yep. So there are a board of investors, I would yep. assume, along with John Hammond, who are funding yep. this place. The the, the disaster uh, that happened, the, the worker who was killed the by the, the yeah. dinosaur, this is getting out and people are worried about the cons- the safety of this thing and it's a whole big thing and now there's a yep. $20 million lawsuit. $20 million, which this is 1993. So $20 yeah. million in today's, <laughs> today's dollars would be more like $50 million. Yeah. So it's a pretty hefty lawsuit, right? And so these investors are like, hey, man, what do you have to show for this? Yeah. Like people are dying, like we're being sued and you don't, you haven't even done anything yet. Yeah. The, the, the investors are getting really yeah. concerned about this because the, all this money they've invested could be very quickly wiped away and the yeah. whole project scrapped if they can't prove that they have this thing under control. Yeah. So this is the MO of John Hammond, right. not only because- he wants his park to go through, but because he has to convince the money, the money people yeah. that he has control. Yeah. And so his entire plan is to invite experts in. And, and this is something, uh, Juanito talks about, right. Um, that they're going to do inspections. Oh, he hates inspections. They slow everything, they slow down. everything down. Yeah. Um, but he says, uh, Gennaro says, if two experts sign off on the Island, the insurance guys will back off. I've already got Ian Malcolm, but they think he's too trendy. Right. They want Alan Grant. So they want experts to be experts able to go in, in and say, fields. yes, yeah. this is safe and people can come here and you can bring your kids or whatever and mm-hmm. everything's fine. The, the dinosaur experts have passed off on this. That's what they need, right, right. in order to proceed. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what he's really at. I never got any of this, by the way. When I was, <laughs> As a kid, yeah. When I was younger, like the $20 million lawsuit, this is the first time I remember ever hearing about that, yeah. right? And that's it's, just right here. It's crazy how many times I said that to myself watching this. Yeah. Where I was just like, like I don't remember that. I don't what? remember that. I don't, and I watched this movie hundreds of times as a child. Oh, tons, <laughs> tons. And I even watched it with my wife just uh, ooh, six or seven years ago. And I, it was just a fun horror film. Like, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't paying I attention. So I missed all of this stuff. But what's funny about it, and this reinforces the whole idea of what we're just talking about. One one really funny story, uh, when we were junior high, high school age, after yeah. the first uh, first Lord of the Rings movie came out. So oh, I would have been, sure. been freshman high school. Yeah. I think we were staying over at your house, having a sleepover or whatever, and we started to recite the Fellowship of the That's Ring. That's right, yes. Every single line like of dialogue. We got through, halfway through yeah. the movie before we started falling asleep. Yeah, But yeah. we were just reciting the movie from memory. It wasn't even out on video yet. We had just That's seen right. it in the movie theater a yeah, ton of times. at least a dozen times. Probably yeah. 12 times. Yeah. And we had memorized it, right? Yeah. And I, I had similarly memorized every line from this movie. Mm. And I could I could musically recreate exact pitch, the exact <laughs> tone, the yeah, exact way it was said. Right. But it's amazing to me. I didn't really know the words I was saying. That's <laughs> that just reinforces the idea that yeah. the musicality of the delivery right. is what communicated to right. me and the part that I remembered. So I could recreate. I could mimic the intonation of the line and say it, but I didn't really know what I was saying. That's and that's right. crazy. So anyways. That's great. By the way, where they're at here with the lawyer is a place called Manos de Dios. 
Amber, yes. the Amber Mine. It's called yes. Manos de Dios. Manos de Dios. So the I'm, hands of God. I'm just going to play with this for a little <laughs> bit, right? The hands of God. Also, it's in the Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic means the people of the Lord, right? Or the Republic, Res Publica. So like of the people, and then Dominican means of belonging to the Lord or pertaining yes. to the Lord, right? Yes. So the Republic belonging to the Lord in the hands of God. Yes. And that's where they find this like amber thing that's mm-hmm. got the mosquito, right? Yep. And then I don't remember, I guess this would have happened sooner. Um, I, I'm going to assume that what he finds there is then used for John Hammond and all that. Because this lawyer guy's here, it's all part of the thing that they're doing, right? right. Their whole process. Right. But John Hammond has on his cane a mosquito stuck in amber. Yes. Right? right. It's there. Mm-hmm. And so John Hammond took a mosquito stuck in amber. He took this like nugget from the hands of God. Yes. From the, literally, literally from the from hands, the hands of, God, of God. He took in it. In the land of the people of the Lord and then took it to Costa Rica, means the rich coast. He yep. took it to the place of riches, yep. right? To yep. um, the island off the coast of, of Costa Rica. So anyways, he took it from the hand of God. He keeps it. It's in his own hands. And he now has it uh, for the purpose of, of making money. Yes. Oh, it's crazy, man. I is, never this got this. all comes around <laughs> with uh, Jeff Goldblum's eyes later about God creates dinosaurs. That's right. Yes. Yeah. God kills dinosaurs, destroys yes. dinosaurs. God, God creates, creates man. man. Man destroys God. God. This is John I missed Hammond. that step, by the way. Yes. Man uh, man destroys no. God, man creates dinosaurs. Man creates dinosaurs. That's exactly what is happening in yes. that scene. That's right. It's amazing. But you have to understand Spanish. You have to know like what's... And it's like, no, most people are not going to pick up on this. But, yeah. but the text is there. Like, it's, yes. And it's, you know, it's no freaking accident. So they're about to take something out of the hands of God and place it directly into the hands of man, a passing of the torch, if you will. Yes. Now we've got the myth of Prometheus coming yes. up here, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we've got a few Greek myths happening here all at once. And, oh, it's just really, really good. Yep. Oh, one of the interesting things here is that John Hammond's being sued for $20 million for the death of the worker, but John Hammond isn't there. They say, no. well, where is he? Oh, his daughter's getting a divorce, yep. so he's going there to get his grandchildren, yes, right? Like, right. He, he isn't being bothered by this massive lawsuit. They can't, eat, like, he's somewhere else. Yep. Like, he's not taking care of it, right? Yep. Instead, he's concerned with his family. Yes. This is a slightly different John Hammond than you get in the book. In the book, right. Yeah. The book's John Hammond's, like, kind of a bit of a jerk, and spoiler alert, the book is 30 years old, so skip ahead 10 seconds. <laughs> John Hammond dies in the book. In the book. Yeah. Okay. Um, but in the movie, you know, John Hammond really cares about other people. Yeah. Like he really genuinely cares about other people. I really like this nuance. To and that so character. he's going to have this like split, right? Yeah. Because it's obviously he cares about these, the dinosaurs. He cares about his creation. He cares about his island, the theme park, the ideas, even the money. But he really, in the movie, he really cares about his kids and the yeah. humans as well. And that makes him such a more interesting character. Yeah, I absolutely I, I, love him. John Hammond is the most complex character in the film. I think so. For yeah. a lot of reasons, but mostly for what you're touching on. The fact that they gave him this grandfatherly, warm, yeah. Father Christmas-like, sort <laughs> of like right. side to him. Yeah. And but also this visionary side to him mm-hmm. that is is clearly like passionate do, do what about he needs to do about the progress and the the science behind yeah. it and the uh, and all that. But also there really is the money grubbing side of him. There is the corporate like yeah. I'm in this for the money part too. That is there and that comes with a line later that right, that right. we'll touch on. But he's a very complex character because he's not just. They could have easily just painted him as a, you know, this, this, uh, 
uh, greedy, you know, person who's just in it for the money and he's like yeah. quite obviously evil. Yeah. That could have been yeah. very easy to do and that was more what he was like in the And the book, book was more like that, yeah. Yeah. But in this movie, they give him a totally another side that just makes it way more complicated to form yeah. an opinion of the man, whether he's it. good or evil. Um, and, and the, the, you know, where he comes to in his character arc by the end, you know, it kind of, for me, leans to more, he, he's, he's a good person who was very yes. severely misguided. And I really I liked that a movie lot. Does. What's really good too, they, they keep going, um, you know, talking about, oh, Alan Grant, like uh, the line that you just read, well, they want Alan Grant, right? And, uh, the guy says, Ooh, you're not going to get Grant. Yeah. He says, well, why not? He's like me. He's a digger. Yeah. Right? He, he, now, he's a digger. You don't know exactly what that line means until a couple of scenes later, or yeah, of course now scene. we're going to yeah. Alan Grant. Right. Um, but it's it's just really good. For some reason, that line really stuck out because he's looking at the amber. Yes. And it's almost like he can appreciate the fossil more than the idea of what technology can do with the fossil. Yes. Right. And that, you know, what, what can happen from that. Yeah. But like the act of digging, physically digging. Okay. So the, that's really important. This is another thing that this movie does really, really, really well. And that is set up for transitions to scenes. So they'll oh, leave yes. off on one scene. Yes, really and good. Then, and then cut away to another and connect them in a way yes. that keeps this momentum just flowing forward. It's so good. And, and you feel it. It's, it's, so he says, he's a digger. And we cut to Alan Grant. At a dig. At a dig. They yes. just found a skeleton. Now, the question is, why won't Alan Grant go if he's a digger? Yes. And that's, that's the question that's going to be answered a little bit later. Yes. But you're right. Now we see him. He's digging, right? Physically yep. digging. Yes. But this is, this is the difference. This is the disconnect, right? Yes. He's, he's, he's physically digging. Right. There's that guy, the technician dude, who's like working at the computer and he's like, oh, a few more years, we're not even gonna have to dig anymore. Yeah. And Alan Grant's like, was the fun in that? Where's the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he wants to dig. Right. Yeah. And this is good. He hates stuff. computers. Because now this is a, a new scene, a new myth. Right. So we're going to be introducing more stuff here. We're in a place called the Badlands mm -hmm. near Snake Water. That's what mm -hmm. it says, near the snake water. And I imagine that's a river, but it's named after a snake. Right. Yeah. Because rivers can kind of be like snakes. Well, a snake. And like the wilderness where people have to work by the sweat of their own brow, mm -hmm. you know, they have to physically manual labor. Anyways, we're getting a little bit of some like Adam and Eve kind of story here. Sure. Um, so we're there in the wilderness. We've left the Republic of the Lord, the cave of the hands of God, in order to come to a place that seems like just a desert, a wilderness with harsh conditions called the Badlands. It's near a place named after a snake, but the name Montana means mountain. So there's that. Everything here is something like an allegory. Each scene, we're getting something like that. But Alan finds meaning in the manual work, yes. right? Because it's what connects him with his humanity, at least mm. in part. Because as soon as the technician is like, well, you don't need to dig anymore, well, we'll let the machine do all the work. That takes a lot away from the humans, mm. right? And then, sure, yeah, the machines are doing stuff. That's great. But like humans find meaning in like physical labor, yeah. right? And in actually doing, like, doing something stuff. with your own hands. And uh, isn't it great? You don't have to work anymore. Like, like kind of, but also like working's important. And, yeah. uh, you know, people, people need to be physically doing stuff in order to keep their spirits high and all that. So, yeah. And I love how he says this a few more, cause that was in 1993. Right. right? <laughs> so a few more years and we won't even have to dig anymore. I'm pretty sure it's 30 years later. They're I'm still digging. Sure they're still digging. <laughs> There's always this like assumption that as soon as a new technology happens and people's minds are open to the possibilities of a novel like way of doing things that, oh, this is going to parabolically, gonna this is going to take, take over. It's, it's going to take over. That's kind of what AI and is it, right now. That's what AI yeah. is right now. And yeah. it, it never does, yeah. right? There's always 
something that's like, oh, well, we didn't think of that. You know? yeah. There's always something that stops it from, yeah. from completely. Fully it seems like it will, yeah. but it never really goes all the way. Yeah. Right? So maybe that's a little message of hope. We're going to bring up the AI <laughs> thing um, For sure. more th- as we talk about this, because yeah. the idea of playing God with technology in order to, um, you know. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and this sets up Alan Grant as like the antithesis to this idea of embracing technology because technology sort of represents control. Yeah, that's right. right. It that's represents right. control, the yes. technology in the park, like everything fails. And and that's what we were so reliant on to keep this thing under control. And he hates computers. Anytime he touches it, anything, I know. it goes around, well, it's just something Ellie, goes wrong. What it's is just, Ellie? Ellie says, oh, he's... Um, not machine compatible. Doctor Grant's not machine compatible. <laughs> yeah, is what right. she says. Yeah, and, that's so. And funny, so he man. he sort of represents that sort of like in a in a character in, in an archetype, I guess. Yeah, the person who's remaining human Maybe, in the traditional yeah, yeah. sense, not yep. becoming God. Yes, exactly. in the way that's that right. Hammond's trying to be. Sure. Right. Yes. And so he he's going to be the hero. That represents yeah. no, like we cannot be God. We have to be a man like I am. You know what's right. so good about that is that who could resist the allure yes. to become like God? And sure. then you see this character that's like, no thanks. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That's an unexpected. He, right? he just that's does, a different he, thing. he wants nothing to do with it. Nothing. He wants he, nothing to do with being God. He's perfectly content. <laughs> yes. God's got a lot of responsibility, man. I don't know. Yeah. But um, this is so good because Alan Grant is a human separated from technology, right? Yeah. Like, like there's this big divide there. And the idea is it will be tough to tear someone away from digging with promises of technological advancements. Yeah. That's what that guy was saying in the previous scene, yeah. right? But, you know, you, get, you have to wait five minutes or so, and then you, you get, like, the more complete idea right there. But it's not so long to where you forgot what that guy said, right? It all kind of connects. Yeah. Yeah, he's not machine compatible. They're, That's a they're, <laughs> and I wrote here, they're really hammering it home, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the third scene now, but once again, we're getting this whole idea that, like, you know, humans, technology, doing things out of their control, things are going to turn around to bite them in the butt later on. Like, this is the third scene where basically that is really being hammered in again. Yes. I think it's really funny. But again, again, we're getting the theme of the movie in this scene. Right, we're mm. three. We're three scenes in, and That's every right. single one of them has been reinforced. It's reinforcing. I love the, yeah. what the man on the computer says. It's a little distorted, but I don't think it's the computer. Mm. The illusion that of the control that the technology That's gives right. you. No, I, it's not the computer that's at yes. fault. Yes. Oh, something else. Something else. Uh, we have this gives yeah. us control over Technology's the situation. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Right. We we <laughs> in a few years we won't need to dig anymore. Right. They, this con- all of this mm. is the I, the illusion. They are locked into this illusion that that this technology gives them control over what they're doing, and right. it just doesn't. And it just doesn't. Grant just rejects that whole premise. Right. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> No, it doesn't. And like, this is, there's no fun in this. Like, I want no part of this. So great stuff. Also, the whole scene with the kid. Oh, it's so good, man. This is all about his respect for nature. That's right. No, that's right. right. That's right. That's that's kind of the whole point of this is to build his. Now, of course, you can't have a hero without any flaws. So his Mm. flaw is that he He hates hates children and he needs to soften up on this and he needs to learn to love children. He's going to learn that. That's going to be the thing he overcomes in the movie. Well, but children, I love this about Alan Grant. I really got to explain this. Children represent the future. Yes. Alan Grant 
is an archaeologist. Yes. He, he, <laughs> he's, he's looking at the past. He's looking back. Yeah. yeah. He's not looking forward. Yeah. He's not actually concerned at all much about the future yes. of humanity. Right. He's more concerned about the past. So yeah. kids, not really his thing. Yes. Right? It's just a lot of trouble for something that he's just not interested in. Right. That's very good. Um, very good symbolism there. Right. Uh, for sure. What's the name of the two-faced God that looks into the future and the past? <sighs> Jan- Janus. Janus. That's There you name. go. So yeah, transitions past future. Yeah. This this and we, I mean this is just a freaking at this point like a running theme. We always talk about it. Yeah. But you know the, the yin yang, the the ah, two of sides of the coin thing. Yeah, of if you, you have the John Hammond uh, being one side and the Alan Grant being the other. Yeah. Go to Alan Grant looking into the past. John Hammond looking into looking the future. Looking to the future. And yeah. you need kind of a balance of these two things, right. right? You can't be too much one way. Or else you hate children and children of the future and you're ignoring exactly raise you know, rearing for the future. Yeah. But if you're only looking that when you don't take any notice of the past, you don't You're gonna make mistakes that yeah. have been made a thousand times right. before. Yeah. And and it's obvious. Obvious and you're yeah. not seeing it. Yeah. So they're they're kind of the, the yin the yang, the two the they two are, faces of the god Janus. But I love right. how they both grow and kind of like learn to yes. see the opposite yes. ways. It's, they, they, it's so they, good. They basically do that for each other. Yeah. Right. And, and, and this all goes back to the same <laughs> thousand, thousand, thousands of year old philosophy, Eastern yeah. philosophy, which has been intuitively sort of just yeah. right all people, along. People just right? dug it out of their unconscious minds <laughs> and it's held fast ever since. But it's, it's, it's all there. Yeah. Um, but this anyway, is, this is good too, though. So Grant explains how raptors lure you in with their eyes as he's talking to the yeah. kid, right? Mm. Uh, you freeze thinking that that's the best way to understand such a beast, right? Thinking that, oh, oh, I freeze. I shouldn't move, right? Yeah. That's the idea. Now it's instinctual, is but either way. Visual acuity. The, yes. Yeah. However, due to you not understanding the nature of the animal that you are looking at, you don't realize that there are other raptors because they hunt in packs. Yeah. And that there are two other raptors about to attack you from the side, but you don't know that mm-hmm. because you don't know what you're looking at. Yep. You think you know, oh, yep. a raptor, oh, I better freeze. No, if you knew what you were looking at, you would maybe react a little differently or you'd be aware they hunt in packs. I'm going to get blindsided. Yes. That's the theme of this whole movie. Yes. <laughs> yes, so it is. And with this, this kid, is not just kid. this is not just a funny scene to, you know, put a, a, a no. snot-nosed kid, it's not nosed kid in his place, which we've all wanted to do with someone's kid. I know I hated this kid. I hated right? him when I was a kid. It's not just that it's a setup for Robert Muldoon exactly. later in the movie. Yep. Because he sees... Gosh, it's a perfect movie, dude. It's a perfect movie. Everything is purposeful. There's no wasted second of this movie. It's all for a reason. And that's what makes it so good. Even if you didn't think you got it It's so fetching good. Yeah, it's so there. And then I wrote here, you are blindsided by forces you you didn't even think were possible. It's amazing. There you go. So great. And and an iconic scene too, you know, getting out the claw and he slashes at you here and here. (laughs) And she's just like, oh, but you're alive when they start, when they start to eat you. And and that, that's, that's a tone setting thing too. It's like, oh yeah. And and that's another thing I love about this movie. They, I, I feel like they didn't set out to make a monster movie. These are animals. They, they make a really big distinction between them being monsters or animals. Right. But yeah, that's true. They are but they are a powerful force that should be respected. Should be respected. And and that is yeah. gotten across in that line. You are alive when they start to eat you. This is something to be feared and respected. Yes. I but think it's he says not that. a monster. 
Yeah, that's right. Right. And, Lexi, and, I think Lexi calls it a monster. Yes. So what's this monster's name? And Grant's like, it's not a monster. It's an animal. It's a brachiosaurus. Right? Yeah. And, and I never got the feeling watching this that they were monsters. Right. They're just animals that were were created to be controlled and they won't be controlled. Right, there you go. That's yeah. against their nature Which to be controlled. And that's life is finding a way yeah. to to uh, get out and and live the life it's uh, live to its purpose or its essence, which is a whole new thing, <laughs> right? Yes. A whole f- other philosophical thing. Of course. The point being that uh, they're not evil. Yeah. And I love that that is gotten across. Even in a scene like this where he's describing it like a monster yeah. to scare the kid, it's it's not what they are. And uh, it's just about respecting this power. Yes. That, and it also harkens back to two scenes earlier where that guy gets taken into the box with the raptor and then the guy dies, right? Yes. And it's like, if they had immediately after that said, he was alive when the thing started eating him, that lands differently. They let enough time pass yes. before they then let you yes. realize that, whoa, that was, That's the what thing, that, the thing that was scary is even scarier than I thought it was. Yes. Right? That that's really cool because they're yes. they're veiling the threat, right? You mm. didn't get to see the full raptor very much. You got yeah. to see its eye a little bit, just a piece of just it, just a piece, right? And they're slowly going to build you the picture now. Like that was scary enough; you didn't need, but now they're going to start giving you the picture of what these things are, and it's like it's even scarier than you realize, yeah, than anyone realizes, yeah. And so then we get our introduction yep. to John Hammond. No respect for the past. No, no respect for that the past. guy. Helicopters on top yep. of the dig <laughs> covers all their stuff back up with dust. Yep. He does not care. He even takes their aged champagne. Their old. We were saving that. Right? Yes. This old. You know, typically if someone's saving something or if it's an expensive champagne, it's usually not, it wasn't like bought at the store last week, right? Well, well, or, or if it was, it wasn't made and bottled then. It's been, it's aged. Like it's an old fine wine, you know? And what's his first line? His but, first line is, yeah. we were saving that. But today, I guarantee it. For today. Yep. I'm in control. Everything right. he does is about yes. being in control. And he knows <laughs> what you want. Yes. He knows what you want. Today, I guarantee it. I am the one yep. in control here, right? He immediately takes control of the situation. Yep. And then he turns it into a present slash future anyways. Yeah, it's oh, it's it's, it's so good. Um, yep. We, we kind of glazed over a little bit the conversation oh, between Ellie and, and Alan as they were walking oh, away. Oh, the children. And she's like, yeah. you know... What's wrong with kids? Uh, and he's like, you want to have one of those? She's like, I don't want that kid. <laughs> Not that kid. But a breed of child Dr. Grant could be intriguing. <laughs> it's. It, I love. I love her. She's a. She's, she's a great actress. Ellie. Oh, um, what's her name? Leah. Um, Lea, Lea. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yes. She's a she's fantastic actress. I like her too. I have to comment on that real quick too. Yeah. The actors are all phenomenal. Very good. And yeah. But they're also in Even other kids Jurassic movies uh, where yeah. those movies aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> but so th- th- it, there's a combination of writing, directing, editing, and performance that kind of all have to come together in this collaborative effort to give something that works, yeah. right? But something I was struck by so much in this watching of the film was how realistically these characters speak to one another. Oh yeah. They yeah, cut totally. each other off. They stumble and stammer. Yeah, yeah. They, 
um, are talking over each other. They, their mannerisms are just so believable, so convincing. It is, you can just get lost in this story immediately and in the characters. The characters are so fun and their charisma and their, um, like, their, what's the word, uh, connection with each other. Um, what chemistry? Chemistry with each other is just, it's lightning in a bottle level fantastic. Especially it's with incredible as Ian Malcolm enters the whole thing. Yes. Like it's really good. And they all, especially that like helicopter ride. Oh, it all, that's exactly the part so I was thinking of where it's like, yeah. this is the, some of the most phenomenal acting I've ever seen Yeah, in this silly blockbuster action film. Yeah. From 30 years. But ago. it's so, so I mean, you could study this as a, a serious actor and mm. learn some really, really good mm. uh, uh, things about how to bounce off of your scene partner. Um, the way that uh, that Hammond and and um, I always forget his name, uh, Goldblum. Um, oh, Ian Malcolm. Ian Malcolm. Ian Malcolm. Yeah. And and Hammond bounce off each other yeah. is just some of the best parts of the movie. It's honestly. really good because they. It's great. You can't get at Ian. But Ian is really good at getting to He's John. so good at it. Right, but he, everything bounces off of him. You yeah. Know? It's so funny. So we'll get to the, the helicopter ride in a second. But yeah. um, anyway, the, the, even just these moments between Ellie and Alan are just so convincing they're as a couple. Good. They're very good. And, and you know, they're, they're not necessarily agreeing on the future that they're trying to set up with each other. And she's trying to convince him to come over here, but she's doing it in this really loving way. Yeah. And, and, yes, and, and in a way true. of banter back and forth. And he takes yeah. himself way too seriously. And she kind of pokes him a yep, little bit yep. about it. Gets him out and, of his own comfort zone. Yeah, tries to push him out of his comfort zone, which yeah. is what a good partner does. Yes, exactly. It's it's yeah. it's just so good. And, and so yeah, they beautiful. go into... The little camper here. Yep. And John Hammond. John Hammond's at. He's dressed all in white, head to toe, yep. white clothes. Yep. He's, he's God. got a white he's beard. God. <laughs> he thinks he's God. It's crazy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is exactly where he I'm going. He thinks he's God. And he opens a bottle of, now it's probably champagne, but it could be wine. I don't yeah. know what it is, yeah. but if it's wine, that's more interesting. Yeah. Um, anyways, he is... He thinks he's God, and that's exactly what's happening. And guess what? What Alan? What does Alan ask him? Who in God's name do you think you are? That's what I'm talking dude, about, dude. Everything even <laughs> in this movie reinforces the theme. Everything. It's it's, it's so one good. of the best examples I can think of of yeah. this being done. And, and it's all the time. We're like twelve minutes it's into the movie. It's all the time. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's so good. And who in God's name does he think he is? Well, John Hammond, of course. <laughs> John Hammond, so, God. So, so it's good. Great. He is John Hammond here in God's name. Ah, I love it. It's so good. So it turns out Hammond is their investor. He owns an island. He owns yeah. land. Um, he's, he talks about, he, he explains the, the specifics of it, which is something I never understood. Yeah. He actually is leasing this island. He doesn't, yes. He doesn't technically own it. Right, from the now, government. Yeah. A lot of my, uh, that's probably true of just a lot of countries. You can't just like buy a whole island. Some Sometimes you can. In this case, he couldn't. Um, I will speak as though he owns the island for the purposes of the an- analysis of this film. Mm-hmm. But technically, it's a five-year lease. I get it. That's what's yeah, happening here. Right. Um, but they don't want to go. And he says, I'll fund your dig. 
Yeah. So I'll fully fund your dig because he, yeah. currently he's just a, a minor investor. It's like yeah. fifty. Grand, he said something about 50, 000, uh, my fifty thousand dollars well spent. Yeah, or something like that. That'll pay like a sal- maybe two salaries. Archaeologists don't get a ton they don't, of money, especially Paleon, back then. In, in that time, no, they, their salaries um, would have been lower. so. Yeah. It probably would have paid for like two people, you know. Yeah. But it's like that's not the whole thing. So it's partial. He's saying I will fully fund your dig for the next year, and they still won't go. Yes, and this is what that guy was talking it's about. Just, like it's really Alan Grant bad likes, timing. He's we a just digger. found the skeleton yeah. for a full further three years. Three years. And that's what's like, okay, awesome. Because, I mean, finding funding as an archaeologist is like oh, part of the most, not easy. most stressful part of the whole job. Not easy. Oh, it's absolutely. just being able to find the funding to actually go out and do your job. Yeah, totally. And so when you, someone comes around and says, for three years, you don't have to worry about money anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, yeah. It it's <laughs> almost has to be benevolent too, because yeah. I guess a paleontologist will be able to sell the bones maybe to a museum. Sure. Right. But that's if you find them. Exactly. But that's not guaranteed. And also often I think most um, funders of this would consider this, um, what, what's the word? Um, to just be a generous yeah, donation. Yeah, it's, it's not something you, it's not something you're investing in There's a word, to get phil- a return. Phil- philanthropy. Yeah, 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 exactly. And they may get a return, fine, but like you can't expect. Yes, that. most digs turn up with nothing. A lot of scientific research is kind of that way, where yeah. it's like you're not necessarily funding something that's going to. Oh, I'm going to get a return on this investment. I'm going to make money on it. It's well, I'm just passionate about the progress of this field. And I have money to spend, right? That, and I'm going to give it to that because I'm yeah, passionate a lot of about that cause. Because you can't sell the discoveries. You just, no. oh, I'm the one that funded it. Like you just get right. to kind of brag if something cool happens. Right. Otherwise, you're just helping further the cause of humanity. Right. right? Exactly. So that's all so, I have for that scene. Yeah. So that wraps up that scene. Let's do the helicopter scene, and then we're gonna have to wrap well, up. Well, I've there. got Dennis Nedry first. <laughs> oh, that's right. That scene comes first, doesn't and it? Dodson. Yeah. That's right. We got Dodson here. We got Dodson here. Yeah, we're gonna have to wrap up soon. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to get through the rest. Let's of get it through. Next let's get month. through. Um, yeah. Let's get but through Dennis, Dennis Nedry. This is so good. So we have two scheming people, right? They are giving lots of money for specimens. I think he gives them like seven hundred and fifty thousand, like yes. right up front in yeah. the suitcase, like yeah. right then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to be all secret about it, and the guy's like, "What are you? What are you doing with your sunglasses? Like, take those <laughs> off." That nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares. cares. Nobody um, cares. See, nobody cares. That shaving cream instrument nice is hat. so cool. Yeah, hey, nice hat. <laughs> that shaving cream instrument is so cool, and I never noticed. Or maybe I did notice this when he p- puts. Um, you know, squirts out the shaving cream into his hand and it's like, whoa, it works. He puts it on someone else's plate. He puts it on top of someone else's food and it looks like whipping cream. Yes. So somebody else is going to come back to their food and yes. eat shaving yes. cream yes. on yes. their food. Yes. I, that's I, so funny. That's, it, it, it's such a great way of, again, telling us something about a character without expositing about it. Yeah. Dennis yeah. Nedry is just kind of an a-hole. He's just, yeah. he just doesn't care about anyone other than himself. So he's sitting there laughing. He's he's going to make all this money yeah. for um, you know stealing these dinosaur embryos and yeah, giving them to some com- competitor or something. And he he just sprays this uh, shaving cream in his hand. And someone else's table with mm-hmm. a pie sitting there, their dessert. He just puts it on there. That's and perfect. He, he intro doesn't to his care character. No. about anyone else other than himself. Right. Yep. And, th- and that's that's gotten across so well in just a there small you. act. Just one thing right yeah. there. And it's funny too. It's like really. And funny. it's hilarious. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um. But then he says, this is so good, because this is, I don't have many notes here. It's just these yeah. people are scheming. They're going to do something. Dennis Nedry is something of a snake, right? He's going to yeah. kind of screw things up from the inside. He says, 
Don't get cheap on me, Dodson. Uh, yeah. That right. was Hammond's mistake. Yes. I never heard that line me before. Neither. I had never me heard neither. that that was Hammond's mistake line before. Because that was the part, I, here, uh, that whole scene that was like the most important part is the, the setup for the whole fetching character. <laughs> and I never heard that line before. Well, I heard it, no. but I had never understood what it what he was saying. Exactly. Yeah. Now, if you can say, what is John Hammond's like catchphrase? What does he always say? I guarantee it. Or, I or do that, but or um uh, I spared no expense. Yes. I spared no expense. So he did. He spared one expense. Exactly. No. Well, <laughs> it, it was, turns it was out Nedry. it turns out he probably spared many expenses, <laughs> yeah. but he can't see them. Yes. He doesn't know where yes. his funding has been lacking in. Yes. And so Dennis Nedry is saying he got cheap on me. Yes. But then John Hammond is like, I don't spare any expense. I pay yes. as much as is needed for any job that's required. Yes, no, right. he does not. Yes. So we're introduced to the fact that he got cheap on somebody before we ever hear John Hammond make that that classic line, we spared no expense. Yeah, before the claim. Which which essentially makes John Hammond's claim into a lie. Yep. But he doesn't know it because he can't see past his own, you know, yeah. what's right in front of him. Yeah. Now we're going into... Isla Nublar itself yeah. is, you have a helicopter flight scene where the characters are speaking as they're approaching yeah. the island. And this is one of my favorite scenes from just a, an acting perspective. Oh, I think too. there's some the, the really dynamics, good, yes. So good. Really good, natural, uh, convincing performances here. Yeah. But particularly between Ian Malcolm and John Hammond. I think oh, that yes. there's yep. like, so much mm-hmm. that need not be said that they don't say that is expressed in how they interact with each other. These people yeah. have a history and <laughs> obviously they don't they're, love each other. they're friends to, of a sort yeah. because why would he be here otherwise? Right. But Ian Malcolm knows how to get on John Hammond's nerves. Oh yeah. He knows exactly oh, yeah. which buttons to push. Yeah. And John <laughs> Hammond doesn't quite know how to get back at Ian because Ian, yeah. Ian doesn't seem like he's preparing for something. Ian seems to be open to all possibilities, yes. which is part of his job as a not mathematician, yes. chaotician. Chaotician. He is a chaotician. <laughs> Means he is immersed in this chaotic world, and John Hammond can do nothing that he that surprises him. Basically, yes. I mean the dinosaurs sure surprise him, but yes. Oh, it's so funny. It's good stuff. So I've got a note on their clothing real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Ian Malcolm is dressed all in black, yep. and he's got that laugh. Well, <laughs> in, in, that that's. That's um, in opposition John to Hammond's Hammond. all white. So Hammond is all white, Malcolm yeah. is all black. We talked and about how that game of God complex, yep. and, and uh, Ian is the chaos. Ian's the chaos. Yeah. So the yin-yang sign, Ian, yeah. is chaos. That's great observation. And not only does he represent chaos literally, he's wearing the black, yep. and Hammond's wearing the orderly white. It's, yep. it's very good. That's you can see it visually. Really, really, really good observation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, is there other clothing options? Oh, tons, but we're not going to work about this. Oh, okay. not, not on the clothing. We okay. can keep going. Um, so, you know, we're getting an introduction to Malcolm here, and uh, that's mostly what this scene is for. Yep. But um, the part that I really wanted to actually touch on uh, was this in- very particular interaction here. So Ian Malcolm is explaining his... Because ca- uh, John Hammond says... Especially for a mathematician, and Ian he suffers from a deplorable excess of personality. <laughs> yes, a, a deplorable excess of personality, especially yeah. for a mathematician. Yep. Ian Malcolm oh. says, "Chaotician, yep. chaotician." Actually, John doesn't subscribe to chaos. The chaos, particularly theory. what I had to say about his little science project mm-hmm. here. 
Um, so John, they have met before, yeah. and they didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> so John says, Codswallop, Ian, you've never been able to sufficiently explain your concerns. And then Ian cuts in, oh, no, John, John, because of the behavioral system of the face space. So he's like, <laughs> they're, they're having an argument. They're kind of talking above <laughs> everyone's understanding yeah. here, yeah. And so John's like, a load, if I may say so, a fashionable number of crunching. And then Malcolm grabs his knee. He, it's just kind of like a little grab on yeah. his knee and it, mm. it, it surprises him. And he's just like, I told you not to do that. I do wish <laughs> you would not do that. Yeah. <laughs> There's this really just <clears throat> very natural flow between them where they've had this argument before. Yep. Uh, there's history between them, and you can really feel like they know each other really well. They're <laughs> well, and this is funny. It's a complex because relationship. despite this relationship, he, um, John Hammond could not have predicted that Ian Malcolm was going to grab him in that moment. Yes, and that's what Ian Malcolm is trying to get yes, convey it to him. Mm-hmm. Is like you can't predict what's going to happen. Yeah, you think you understand the situation, and then boom, somebody grabs your leg, and you're like, "Stop doing that!" <laughs> you can't stop the chaos from doing what it does. Yeah. 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 And then he starts doing, and this is, we'll continue through some other scenes, his, his subtle sort of hitting on uh, Sattler. Yeah, Ellie. Dr. Ellen, Sattler, Ellie. Dr. Grant, you, you've heard of chaos theory. No, uh, no, nonlinear equations, strange. He just goes on and on. <laughs> uh, Dr. Sattler, I refuse to believe that you aren't familiar with the concept of attraction. Oh, geez. <laughs> he thinks there's sparks flying. Yeah, and, and what, what is surprising is, to me is that it takes so long for Grant to like, yeah. like step in and be like, okay, cut it out. It's it, like, not his personality. Really long time. <laughs> yeah, he just, he lets it go. Just lets it go. It's so much so that Ian Malcolm is like, so are you dating? Yeah. <laughs> like, right, he doesn't even know. Are you her together? And right. Yeah, it's so funny. You it's, can't tell. It's funny. Um, but anyways, this is where they see the island. Now, yeah. the last time... I had talked about how I think literally the only critique I have of this film is um, that it has some mistakes with continuity. Oh, That's sure. about it. Like <laughs> literally everything else is perfect about the yeah, movie. Sure, but yeah, sure. But they're flying in a certain direction where uh, John Hammond's back, <clears throat> he's facing behind the helicopter. Uh, so they're flying this way. John Hammond would not see the island, but he points that way and says, there it is. There it is. But he's, that's in the opposite direction of where that they're you flying. Would not have actually been able to see. <laughs> so there are some continuity mistakes of this kind. Yeah. They're obviously on a green screen when they're filming this. They didn't. Oh, fly probably in a helicopter, in an actual helicopter. Yeah. or a blue screen or whatever it was. But anyway. Um, yeah, but this is a good scene because they hover over the face of the waters, and then from upon the horizon, land appears as though it's rising up out of the water. And then they go onto the dry land that is owned by John Hammond. This is his land, yep. right? And uh, full of vegetation and the life that he created. Yep. So, and the music, the yep. music that the plays here. Amazing. So good, so good. <laughs> I absolutely theme, love theme it. theme of the movie, kind of in its full uh, <clears throat> crescendo moment. Like yeah. the, the beauty of nature and the appreciation of it, the respect for it, uh, which will be followed by, of course, the horrors of that come later. Yeah, but yeah. like, this is like the sort of the triumphant, like most it seems, yeah, the, the peak for the characters, the peak mm-hmm. moment of like the appreciation of what has been accomplished here. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, and they very quickly, they end up doubting this. Yes. It doesn't take long. <laughs> doesn't take long. <laughs> um, I also like the bit with Alan Grant not being able to buckle the seatbelt and he has to tie it 
It's very good. <laughs> I'm going to get into that, actually. I'm going to get okay, into that. Okay, so Costa Rica, first of all, means rich coast, right? Yeah. So they took things from the land of God, right, mm. in the cave, the cave of... Yeah, what was that land called? Oh, it was, it was I'd in, have to scroll. It was, it was in, in Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic. Which is the land of God. And yeah. then, or the, the land of the people of God. And then he takes something from the land of God to the land of riches, the rich yes. coast. Right. An island off the coast of Costa Rica. And it's like, oh my gosh. That's really good symbolism right there, right? So it's mm. the Promethean, you know, yeah. capturing the flame for yourself and then to make money off of it. Um, but this is so good. Everyone buckles their seatbelts. However, and this is so good. <laughs> I can't believe the symbolism level of this movie. I can, yeah. I've never noticed this ever in my I life. I know, right? Kay. It's crazy. Alan Grant has two female connectors. Yes. They are yes. females. Yes. They can't mate, they can't so mate, to speak. Right. Yep. That is is the dinosaurs of yes, the island. They're right. all female. But Alan Grant finds, finds a, a way, way to tie it. <laughs> ties it so that he doesn't crash and that life was able to still perform its function yeah. even though the technical um, ability did not exist, right. that it was still able to work around that. Right. Oh my gosh. The whole movie basically summed up in this like helicopter ride. Yep. It's yep. so good. I just cannot believe it. And the thing is, as Alan, as Ian Malcolm explains later on, life finds a way. So it's it's just unbelievable. It's it's awesome. And <laughs> and that this was sort of the epiphany of this particular viewing of the film. Looking at it and like analyzing it yeah. was all these little things that I had only seen as a child on a surface level. Yeah, but that I didn't really see. You didn't see. need the depth. Yes. You don't need it, you but still, it's there. Yeah, it's- And it's, it's valuable. And it's in every scene. And, and your mind somehow, I, I feel like your mind still subconsciously yeah. understands at least a little bit of it. on some level. Yeah. yeah, otherwise the symbolism wouldn't be as important, but, right. it, but it is. So when they land, they're at this beautiful waterfall, which mm-hmm. is just super cool. Um, and then the cars pull up to take you to the land towards the park, and they you enter what can be described as a walled garden. Yep. Nothing can go wrong here. It's perfectly <laughs> ordered. It's a garden, yes, but yeah. it's got walls around it. The yeah. walls keep things out and in, and there's no there's no way a snake could possibly get inside of this walled <laughs> garden. It's not possible. Well, that's what Dr. Hammond thinks. Okay, yeah. let's keep going. Now we get the best shot of the entire movie. And you know what? I love it when I take notes like that because I can't remember. Remember which it was? It's probably them driving under the the... What you got in there, King Kong? Or no, that's a that's later. later in the movie. It's probably just them entering the park. Uh, anyway, well, apparently may, there's maybe a sweet it, shot. Was there. it the helicopter descending, or was it after that? <clears throat> no, it was after that. Uh, oh no, sorry, because my next note says they stand up to see the Brachiosauruses. Yes. Okay. I love so that shot. Now we get the best shot of the whole movie, which is the first time you see the dinosaurs. And what did you think about? What do you think about the the idea to introduce dinosaurs at this part? Like right as soon as you get in, you yeah. see some dinosaurs. It's real. It's not part of the tour. It's like a whole, yeah. but it's just like right there. Just boom. Yeah. I thought it was really important. Um, one, again, like when talking about like a storytelling structure on, on the level of technique, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um we talked about the intro scene and how good it was for as a promise of what this movie is bringing up, right? This yeah. is almost like the second drop of that where it's just like, yeah. okay, like we've, we've been building some character. Yeah. Here are some dinosaurs. This is what you came here for. You we're not going to hold it too long. We're not <laughs> right. going to, what, bury the lead, like yeah. dinosaurs right yeah, there. There they are. And yeah. you like, keep, stay with us. It's almost, it's almost like the storyteller being like, stay with me. We're almost there. That's right. Kind of leading yes. by the hand in a way. So that's one aspect of it. That's good. And um, it's all herbivores. Yes. 
we're not to the scary ones yet, not yet. but like we're still getting we're, the promises are being fulfilled. These, yeah. I, I promise you we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. So it's, that's the uh, almost beautiful. like on the meta storytelling level, kind of what this serves as. But also um, I, I feel like it's really important thematically to have that sort of gut punch revelation of the awe and the beauty of it. Yeah, I think so. And to be blown away because we were already told in the first scene that this isn't good. But yeah, now we're getting right. but now we're getting John Hammond's yeah. representation of this thing that is not good. We're we're believing his lie. We are. We're Even though we to. were already told that's right. it's not good. This isn't right? good. But once you see it, it's like, oh, that's powerful. Yes. It's so even just in movie format. There's almost an analogy too. The fact that to bring something to life, well, Steven Spielberg, yeah. playing God in his own little way, yeah. brought dinosaurs to life for the viewers yes. in a way that changed the world. I yeah. think the movie Jurassic Park changed the world, yeah. right? Nobody had seen anything like this before. Yep. And all, even though it's just a movie, all of a sudden it's like, wow, what else is possible? Like the, mm -hmm. the world of possibilities opens up starting in 1993. <laughs> yep. And it's, movies can change the world. Yeah. Once again, movies and the things they choose to portray and the way they choose to in entertain the audience can also make or break the world. Yeah. And I feel like this is almost like, th there's some meta text happening here that I don't even think is intentional. It's just a fact that Spielberg did what John Hammond, in the fictional John Hammond did, which is bring dinosaurs to life. What are the ramifications of CG, for instance, of just mm. computer-generated graphics on the film industry? Yeah. And therefore, it's then on the world. Yeah. And that, like, what has CG done? And now we're living in the, the time of mid-journey. Yeah. Have you heard of mid-journey? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And I've, I've used <clears throat> mid-journey once. The idea of <laughs> CG computer-generated imagery, yeah. right? CGI. It's going to start having a different flavor now. Yeah. But it starts with things like this. Yeah. This is what starts it. And who freaking knows where it's going to end. Mm -hmm. But Steven Spielberg opened the floodgates yeah. at 30 years ago, and he didn't even know. You know what I mentioned before in one of our podcasts? I mentioned um, that um, a system is best attuned to get the result that it got. But you, yes. may, you don't know what yes. the result's going to be. You right. think you did one thing, and it turns out what you did was something else. Yeah. Now, if Spielberg didn't do it, somebody else would. But either way... Um, that's a, that's a, an interesting analog. And I'm going to be talking about it more because a lot of this movie is a critique on technology in general and yeah. science, scientific advancement and what it can mean for the world. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that's happening right now in 2023. Sure. And so anyways, this is just probably happening up. all the time. Like whatever you're right. age you're, you're in, right. there's some kind of technological advancement. You may not be aware designed of it. Or meant to be designed to do one thing. Yeah. But we're not really sure what the ramifications for that are yet. Yeah. Whether that's yeah. the atomic bomb, whether right. that's yeah. uh, automobiles, airplanes, whether it's, I don't know. Freaking, the internet, yeah. Whether it's freaking fire, I don't know. Sure, yeah. But yeah. like, you, you, you figure out how to do something, or mankind, humankind does, yeah. and you go, wait a minute, we could use this. In all these different ways, and, the, and then all the bad ways in which it can be used start emerging that the, the creators didn't even think of. They had no and idea. This is kind of just like a constantly, it's always happening. It's always something we're dealing with. So it's a, a, a constantly relevant sort of point. Yeah. That, right? that might be why this movie has lasted so long. Yeah. Because as soon as 1993 shows up, then the internet shows up widely accessible to everybody. And it's like, oh, wow, this movie, like The Matrix. The Matrix yeah. is still relevant today, even yeah. though it's over 20 years old. Right. Because the story it tells is a story that you can connect with your own life and yeah. whatever's happening around you. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. So 
it's it's a this is an amazing scene though. So I love how they they wait to show it, and and they're just showing the reactions. Yes, like every character oh, and one by one to it. <laughs> as a as a, a viewer, it's just like show me the dinosaur, show it to me, show it to me. But yeah. they're suspense, yeah, right? They, they they're really, holding they on. They really hold off. Until like the exact right moment. Yes, and with I, the and music crescendos into that. Yes, oh, so good. And uh, I, I particularly love the acting again. Uh, the facial reactions yeah. of the characters. Sam Neil. Uh, Sam Neil's like fumbling yeah. with his glasses. That's like a meme now. Yeah, people will use that and as a reaction Laura gift Dern. to something. Like what the frick? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Laura Dern's just jaw drops open. Yeah. And even the lawyer character, what's his name again? Oh, uh, gosh, the blood-sucking uh, the blood, lawyer. I just call him that. <laughs> just call him the blood-sucking it's lawyer. It's like Joe Brino or something. Oh, weird yeah, we like got that. it earlier, but I can't anyway, remember. Anyway, the blood-sucking lawyer. His response to this is, we're going to make so much money off yep. of this place. We're going to make a fortune with this place. Yeah. Like, even he the rich was, coast was indeed. there. His assumption in being there was, I'm going to find a way... To that we can uh, bring this down or yep. maybe um, uh, win a lawsuit against John Hammond for my uh, right. clients yeah. and make a lot of money. And then he realizes, oh no, Ooh. we're going to make way more money off of this place yeah. than by taking it down. Right. And like his, his whole attitude changes at this point. So it's just like an absolute game-changing moment for every yep. character. And John is just reveling in seeing them react to this. He's just, yeah. he's just loving seeing them like almost, yep. Grant is almost throwing up. Like, like, like <laughs> put your head between your knees, just That's like right. blown away. That's and he's, right, just, yeah. he's just filled with this yep. welcome. To Jurassic, Jurassic, like the feeling of, so of accomplishment good. of what he has done yeah. is just like overwhelming him as well. Um, oh, but there was so one good. line here. Oh, Gennaro, that's his name, by the way. Oh, Gennaro. Um, there is one line here that I had never heard growing up. Again, we talked about how the, the, the dialogue in the film can kind of just be like a part of the soundtrack almost. Yeah, right? There's yeah. just a rhythm to it. I have some notes on that, and by the I way. I had never heard Grant say this. We could tear up all the books on cold-bloodedness. Yes. It doesn't apply. They're totally wrong. This is yes. a warm-blooded creature. Yeah. So he's talking about the theories about, yep. particularly at the time or before the time this movie came out. Right before. Especially even like in like, you go back to say, um, I don't know, King Kong, like the 1920s, the way that they built dinosaurs. With their dragging their tails on the yeah. ground. And, yeah, like, that, like the, the anatomy was totally off. Yeah, or, totally. Uh, like there was just a lot that we, we thought of them more as lizards. This whole movie is yeah. think, trying to shift that perspective away from yeah. lizards and cold-blooded animals to be more like birds, right? Mm, yeah, more like birds. Also, uh, just a little bit more like us. Yeah, yeah, well. exactly. So um, I, I just, that was a line that uh, no matter how many times I had seen the movie with others, which was a lot, I promise you, I had never actually... <laughs> heard the words me neither i hadn't either and i i got it this time as well um that i'm going to talk a little bit more about that later because you know that book that tim murphy holds up where he's like it's this thick like thicker than his book that's that's a real book yes and it's the book that the guy who um consulted on this movie that he wrote and it's his theory that dinosaurs were warm-blooded yeah right so that's yeah it's all like kind of interconnected here right so yeah, we're gonna make a fortune we're with this place, fortune. says Donald Gennaro. <laughs> um, and then you know, Alan Grant's asking a whole bunch of questions. How fast are they? He wants to like 
Yeah, he's yeah. been. These are things he's been speculating on his whole yes, life. Yes, exactly. And like now, you can see it happening. See uh, now we can actually know the answers to these questions. Uh, and then, like, wait, uh, he, he says something like, "We've clocked the T Rex at thirty-two miles per hour." 32, and he's like, huh? "Wait a minute, what? T-Rex? You have a T Rex here? Are you kidding me?" And that's like when he falls over, you're like, you "Can't yes. take it anymore." Says, so "Say it again." <laughs> We have a T-Rex. Oh, we have a T-Rex. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's like totally. And that's it. when he looks out and he sees all the other animals in the yes. lake and coming out of the lake. They move in herds. They move in herds. Right. You're like, they do move in herds. Right. And then, um, yeah. how did you do this? And he says, I'll show you. I'll show and you. And I love this. So they go to their visitor center. Yeah. Which looks a bit like a temple, yeah, if you ask does. me. Yeah. The door is kind of shaped like an egg with 12 rays of light emitting from it. <laughs> it's a bit of a fractal, kind of like an egg within an egg, the way that it looks with yeah. the handles and all that. looks really cool. But you're entering into you know, a new creation. It's really mm-hmm. cool. And uh, <clears throat> so the, basically, they go through this like little almost like amusement ride kind of thing, which is an educational thing. It it talks about how, in in layman's terms, like how they did what they did. Yeah. So there's a little video that plays. Yeah. It's supposed to be interactive. And so he's like, oh, he like gets his lines out. How he's supposed to respond to it. And he's supposed to let the thing prick his finger. It was was really clever the way they did it. it. It's it's super clever. It's almost kind of like in our Bioshock, um, in our Bioshock analysis, we talked about the Disney-like presentation ah, yes, yeah. of the City of Rapture. Right. Um, and how it's naive, almost the naivety of of the creator in thinking that this would work at all. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and presenting it in this Disney-esque way just mm-hmm. feels so like out of touch with what you're really dealing with. There's yeah. a little bit of that here with Hammond where he's like, he's just not respecting the what he's done, the power of what he's trying to control. Right. He he has way 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 too much. He's he's what's what's what I'm looking for. Well, I have a way of wording this. His wisdom, ahead. his wisdom is not to the level of his power. Yes, he's got this incredible power, but he doesn't yet have the wisdom to know yes. how and when to use it. And I mean, not to. Uh, think about this: if you had figured out how to bring a dinosaur to life, would your first thought have mm. been to make? A freaking Disney-like amusement park out of it. <laughs> I mean, well, would that be the first thing? No, no. But that was not. his first. That's the first thing he thought to do with it. Hmm. And that, to me, is just like <clears throat> that's like a, a teenager's attitude <laughs> behind. I can bring a dinosaur to life. I'm gonna make a theme park. That's be park. awesome. And, and get, all like, the people animation dinosaurs. Like, yeah. dude, these these animals are like, <laughs> holy crap, dude. Yeah. Mammals didn't That's stand a chance until they died out. Like they ruled the world. These were powerful, powerful, powerful yes. animals. Yeah. Like no, like you, you, you don't. Anyway, point being that Hammond has a, a little bit of naivety. He's, he's expressing that quite a lot in the level to which he thinks he has control over this. And yes, it becomes exactly. more and more he's obvious. Self-deceptive. Yeah. And it it doesn't take much longer past this point once they understand how he did it, which it explains the DNA and that ostrich for, eggs. For, yeah. yeah, for for the sequences in which they were missing, they mm. inserted amphibian DNA. Yes, uh, in order to complete the DNA sequences, yeah. so that they could uh, actually bring these creatures to life. Um, so they, as they're kind of going along the ride, they see a room where they're incubating. Uh, different dinosaur eggs. And like, yeah. oh, we want to see that. We want to get off of this thing. I know. Right. And something John Hammond did not nope. foresee 
people wanting to get, get off, off of his ride yep. and breaking theory. his system that he he designed the system <laughs> we're all going to sit politely and watch and halfway through it he's like everything went wrong yep. and they they got out and the his subjects the consumers the money the people who are you know he's showing this all to they escaped from yep. the cage that he had made for them yep <laughs> like but he can't ever take it to the next level and think well maybe the greater cage that I've built is also full of all sorts of loopholes and can mm-hmm. be broken. He, he won't do that. He keeps his mind small. For how big he's thinking, for how big his goals are, he keeps his um, limitations on how much can go wrong. He keeps that very small. He won't yeah. think big picture on that stuff. Yeah, and, and I mean, this also goes back to kind of uh, <clears throat> things we touched on in Bioshock, which is, you know, you get one person with sort of a, a, a huge ambition or yeah. like a, this vision Right. And they, they plan it all out and it really doesn't matter like how many contingencies you plan for. There's mm-hmm. always some unforeseen element always. that will enter in yep. to the picture that you couldn't have prepared for right. at all. You mm-hmm. just could never have thought that this would happen in that, in the case of Bioshock, it was the atom element that they discovered on the seabed. That's right, it yeah. was like he, he did, he planned this whole society yep. and had no way of predicting that this would enter the picture. Right. So it all goes wrong. This is what chaos theory is all about. So Hammond thinks he knows how this is going to go. And this is the whole problem with this level of ego or this level of like playing God. Mm-hmm. You are a human being and your foresight is very, very limited. Yep. You cannot predict what thing will happen. In this case, Dennis Nedry mm-hmm. <laughs> betraying them. Betraying everyone. And, Stop and, betraying me. Right? Yeah. So... This is the problem with thinking you've got it all figured out, whether you are a, a political, uh, uh, you know, you're leading some sort of, or it doesn't have to be political, any kind of movement that you're leading, but it, maybe it's an extremist movement or something like that. Oh, sure. it, and you think about how things should be and you're trying to build things a certain way and you're a visionary or have people looking up to you, you're the one setting it up. You can get into this mode where you think you've got everything figured out. You think you're right about yeah. everything you think you know. Because you've done something no one else has done. Yes. So you must be this great genius who can, who has no flaws in their processes. Just as fallible yep. as everyone else and something is going to go wrong. That's Always. what chaos theory Always. is. Yes, <laughs> I love. Oh, so. <clears throat> and even, and this is so good. This is a line. I think you're on it right here. Um, Ellie Sattler is talking to Alan Grant right as they get into this building. Mm-hmm. And she says, so what are you thinking now? And they're just blown away, right? Alan yeah. Grant says that we're out of a job. Yeah. Like who's going to be digging up old dinosaur bones when you got brand new ones right there in front of you? You don't need to do that at work anymore. Yeah. But then Ian Malcolm kind of listening in on their conversation, he said, because Alan Grant says we're out of a job. Ian Malcolm says, don't you mean extinct? Yep. And like he's thinking big picture. Yeah. Um, Ian Malcolm is thinking in the, within chaos theory. It's like the universe, right? Just everything. This is the one thing that permeates everything that nobody can ever get a handle on. And it's chaos. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if something, it's almost like Murphy's law. If something can go wrong, it, it's going to happen. It's yeah. going to go wrong. And he has in his mind all the ways this can go wrong. Yep. And, and Alan Grant is quibbling with, you know, Ellie Sattler about whether or not he can work in the future. And Ian Malcolm is like, you won't even be alive. If yeah. this continues, yeah. you're not even alive anymore. Right. And I don't even think he's just talking about like, oh, T-Rexes are going to kill all the humans. Yeah. He's talking about technology in general. Yeah. The advances of this nature, the ability for mankind to become like God, just like with the atom bomb, it's like, it just, it, it foretells the end of the world yeah. because humans aren't 
so wise. Yeah. And we will kill each other. <laughs> we will. <laughs> like, uh, we will weaponize. I'll bet you the military would start building T-Rex armor and like, we're going to send these things into battle. <laughs> like, they'll find a way to turn whatever it is into a weapon of mass destruction that will end up resulting in mankind's extinction. And Ian Malcolm knows this, right? Chaos is always right there on the border, knocking yeah. at the door. And humans have to be very careful at what they let in from the outside. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, right. Such a good line. That's it's also awesome. a line that I never got when I was a kid. Nope. I never understood the extinct. Like, I didn't yeah. know what he was I talking about. I thought it was about. more of a joke. Yeah, exactly. About, I thought it was funny. Oh, it's a funny joke. Because dinosaurs, dinosaurs were extinct. extinct and we're yeah. talking about dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, but your job is now no longer needed anymore. It's an extinct job. No, that's not it. Yeah. It's deeper than that, right? <clears throat> it is. It's movies filled with stuff like that. And also, I've got to bring up <clears throat> at this point, John Hammond carries with him a staff. The staff has something like what was found in the cave of oh, the, the hands the of God. Ember yeah, the ember. With the mosquito in it. It's funny because what was taken from the hands of God and the land of the Lord's people has been placed into John's hands. The, the hands of God are now, in, are now his hands as he has achieved somewhat of a godlike status, as we shall see. Yeah. So yeah, that made this part now. They break the ride. John Hammond has a nice orderly tour. The people leave. They ruin his perfect presentation, totally unforeseen. Yeah. And then John Hammond insists on being there when do new dinosaurs are born. Because that's yes. kind of what, I think this is where, um, why do I want to call him that? Sam Neill. It's uh, Alan Grant. This is where Alan Grant is like, oh my gosh, there's new babies hatching. I want to see it. Like, I'm done yeah, with this tour. I, I want to go there. Yeah. And John Hammond, who insists on being there when dinosaurs are born, would not have been there. Yes. Anyways, it's just kind of funny. But if it weren't for Alan Grant breaking it, he would yes. not have been here to see this. Um, but this is so good because... It, these they're they're treating this this movie kind of takes the the theory that dinosaurs eventually meant some of them eventually evolved into birds like really seriously um and with the turkey line and all of that mm-hmm. stuff right like the birds used to be something like dinosaurs a long time ago um but birds have this imprinting thing right where yes, they, they look the at something and they're like you're my mother you're my father usually mother the but first thing they see First thing they see yeah. that looks like a thing that can move, they're like, that's what I belong to. I belong to you. Got to follow it. And, so and when, when I was just uh, uh, on vacation, I was, and I was watching, there's a lot of birds. So oh, I was yeah. watching chickens and ducks. And, and I'm watching these little, they just, I mean, right at the feet. They're just constantly so following. The little babies. And staying close. Yep, yep, yep. And like not getting left behind. And just like, yeah. just like huddling around all the time. Yep. And that's part of this imprinting is like, yeah. I have to be close to you all the time yep. to survive. They and kind of whatever they, they see attached. first. And, and so there's this, these videos that have been kind of getting popular, I think on like Instagram or something that keeps popping up. These little chicks that this guy has and they just follow him around the house. No, he's yeah. not. A, he's not a chicken. They imprinted on him. They imprinted on him. Yeah, and he'll pick them up and put them in his pocket, oh, that's like so his funny. jacket pocket, and carry them out. He'll put them down and walk away, and they'll just like run after him. <laughs> but that's what they do. Where you're walking. If yeah, you're that's what chicks. birds do. They imprint. Yeah. And so, the whole bird analogy for dinosaurs here: the dinosaurs are like birds. Yeah, Hammond insists on mm-hmm. being present every time a dinosaur is born, so that so that they will imprint on him. Him. So that he is their father, so yes. to speak. He is, essentially, he's, he is their God. Right. He wants them all to know that he is their creator. This is another way in which he is asserting yeah. his control over this situation. Yep. The dinosaurs won't harm me yes. because they imprinted on they me. They all know me, yeah. So I'm their father. Now, this is the maybe one other thing 
that they didn't really use again in the movie. Yeah. That I think could I have know. been great. I thought about that too. Um, yeah. And, and I think, I haven't seen the Jurassic World films because I, mean, I know they're not good and I don't do want to watch like them. They do something like that with the Velociraptors, yes, right? I think Chris Pratt's character. <sighs> yeah. I don't know if there's an imprinting that happened, but they, Seems like it they from the trailer. know him and yeah. they follow him almost in that way. Like he's a yeah. father character. So maybe they did something more with it in those movies. No. I just haven't seen them. Probably not going to see them. <laughs> but there's a part later in the movie where Ellie goes to turn the power back on and and we'll get to it later but Hammond says well I should go. Yes. And he, he the, the what they do they turn it into kind of like a misogynist thing where yeah, yeah. because I'm a man and you're a woman because you I'm should, a, you should yeah you shouldn't be put in danger because you're a woman and she's like oh come on but he's you know? this old guy with a cane it's yeah, like you're right? not the one like don't be stupid but that's not what he should have said no. he should have said I should go because the, the, the velociraptors <laughs> won't kill me because yeah. I'm their dad and I, they imprinted on me that. And then we could have had him going in there and seeing that that's not how it works. Right. Chaos theory, John Hammond dies, but that's and not you, the way they went with it. No, but. it's not, but he does die in the book. In the book. And so it would have been perfect, but, I know, really think oh well. they should have done that, but I think they were looking to give Ellie something more to do as a character. No, so sure. I'm not like, <clears throat> I'm not criticizing it necessarily, mm. um, because I, I do think they needed to give Ellie more to do in the movie and I'm glad they did. I th she's a great her character. Her in those scenes is very, it's very yeah, good. I can't imagine great. it any other way. It wouldn't have been as good a, an action scene to have yeah. John Hammond running away from Velociraptors. And then, <laughs> um, and then um, um, Arnold's hand falls yeah. on John Hammond and he's like, oh, oh. And like, it's not it's, the same. I'm imagining it. Somebody should deep fake that. that <laughs> <laughs> right. Wouldn't be the same. Uh, talking about technologies that could be used for great evil, deep fake, but. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's what I'm talking about. Anyways, CGI. Uh, there's, there's just an element to this imprinting that uh, it seemed to be a setup that they didn't really follow through on in any yeah. meaningful way later in the movie. Yeah. And there's a part of me that, that wishes to see the version of Jurassic Park where he believes the imprinting worked and it didn't. And is proven right. And he's, he, <clears throat> he suffers the consequence of his attempt to control these dinosaurs. Um, yeah. I think that thematically that would have been a great thing to yeah, add in there. So. It didn't necessarily have to be that part. Because yeah, he doesn't have to Ellie die. Part. They just have to attack him and then... You know, yeah, or something like that. Just, just a way to show the imprinting, his attempt, an, another attempt to control did not work. Um, and, you know, show a, a good reason for that. But anyway... Yeah. I, okay. I thought it was an interesting concept that I just wish they had done more with, but. Um, so this scientist who they're talking to, who's answering yeah, all the Henry, questions. <coughs> Henry, he's, Henry he's Wu. He's in Jurassic, Wu, uh, Jurassic World, apparently. Yes, he is. Um, which is great. I love that they brought him mm -hmm. back. Um, but he's answering the questions. They can't breed in the wild. Oh, because all of the animals in Jurassic Park are female. female. Yep. And as we saw with Alan Grant and his seatbelts. <clears throat> And frog DNA, really and all that anything. stuff. Yeah, it's like, hey, <laughs> life, life finds a way. Chaos finds its way into the cracks of your perfect garden. There's nothing you mm -hmm. can do about it. Right. Um, and this is so good because so many times throughout this scene, as the new Velociraptor is born, Ellie, she keeps saying, oh God, oh God, over mm -hmm. and over and over, almost... Gosh, you say that so enough times and it's kind of starts to sound like a prayer a little bit. Yeah, like it kind of right. starts to sound like you're worshiping or you're in awe or you're in yeah. this sit, you're beholding such beauty that can only exist in a divine realm, you know, yeah. and that's how she's acting. But that is how it would be like yeah. seeing a dinosaur. Oh my gosh, I can't even think about it. But she <clears> just <throat> keeps saying, oh God, over and over. And I wrote, this is not by accident. Even yeah. if it's a typical thing that people would say, given these circumstances, in this circumstance, it means something deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a couple <clears throat> key lines here. Uh, as Ian they begin Malcolm's. continuing to talk to 
Um, Henry Wu here. Henry. Uh, let's see. Alan Grant asks, blood temperature seemed like about high 80s maybe? And John defers to Wu. Wu, can you answer that question? He says 91. Mm, that's high. Uh, Ellie says uh, homeothermic. It holds that temperature. So again, this is going back to the little cold-blooded, yeah. warm-blooded thing. Right? The idea that what we thought we knew were, we were wrong about. Yes. And that even if that proves not to be right, for the theme of this movie, yeah. it builds towards the theme. Right. It's like what we thought we knew we were wrong about. Yeah. The scientists can be wrong. That technology, yeah. anyways. Yeah. yeah. So then Ian says, but uh, again, how do you know they're all female? Did someone go out in the park and lift up the dinosaur's skirts? <laughs> He's got this <laughs> clever way of yeah. saying the things he says. His we, excessive personality. And Henry Wu says, we control their chromosomes. Yeah. <laughs> that's just like, well, wait, what did you say? Hey, it's, that's coming for really humans soon. not that difficult. <sighs> All vertebrate embryos are inherently female anyway. This is something we talked, we about, talked about that in a previous near episode. Yeah, the embryo until it yeah, grows. Until it develops, uh, yeah. Uh, they just require an extra cr- uh, hormone given at the right developmental stage to make them male. We simply deny them that, mm. right? So that's kind of, yeah, we had talked about that, how the Adam and Eve story is that Eve came from Adam, but in reality, yeah. the embryo is actually is female, female and first. Then, yeah, phenotypically female. A hormone is introduced that then develops into a male, but, right. but we all start as female. Yeah, a male yeah. comes from a female. Uh-huh, so it's good, it's anyway. good stuff. Um, and then Ellie Sattler says, deny them that. Yeah. And when you're reading it, I don't know how she said it in the movie. I can't remember. But when you're reading it right now yeah. from the script is like, how dare you deny <laughs> them the ability to function naturally right. in whatever way. I mean, it just sounds like unbelievable yeah. that somebody would do that. Yeah. So Malcolm says, John, the, the kind of control you're attempting here is, uh, uh, it's not possible. If there's one thing that the history of evolution has taught us mm-hmm. is that life will not be contained. Life yep. breaks free, expands to new places and crashes through barriers, painfully, perhaps even dangerously, but, uh, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and John says, there it is. There it John, is. John almost just doesn't even understand what Ian's saying. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. No. And, and well, he has such a way of expressing it that you can almost laugh at him because yes. he's just kind of quirky and funny. Yeah. I, I really feel like, um, oh, who's the actor who plays Ian? Jeff uh, Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. He's this way in real life. I think so. He's kind All of just his playing himself. Like that. But um, yeah. he, there's just this quirkiness and, and fun sort yeah. of like way that the character talks that, where you can sort of like dismiss what's being said and how profound it might be because the messenger because the, seems the, the, too the, funny the delivery of it <laughs> yeah it doesn't quite jive with the urgency and the depth and the the real yes. like warning of of what the statement actually of what is he's actually he's, he's kind of saying it in this way and it's just like okay <laughs> but like no yeah. what he's saying is like hugely hugely important yeah and true um so you know their key kind of hand waves him away from that and Henry Wu is, as a scientist, a rational, you know, thinking in the boundaries of the little box, yeah. you're implying that a group composed of entirely females will breed? breed? Like, it's suggesting, <laughs> like, turning it into this rational, determined, like, the situation where it's like, are you stupid? Like, we, <laughs> we, uh, we, did, <laughs> we did the thing that keeps this from happening. Why are, who are you to so say? So how, how on earth? Scientifically prove happen? it. He's basically saying, prove it. Like, prove that it's, po- and Ian yes. Malcolm says, I don't have to prove it. Yeah. You just wait and watch. Yeah. Like, how often do these surprising things, oh, we didn't plan for that happen all the time. Yes. Um, 
And it's easy to be a little bit too rational, I think, and say that I can't conceive of a way that this could happen. Therefore, so therefore, therefore, I can't therefore it happen. won't happen. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, well, that's a, that's a logical fallacy. I'd yes, say. totally logical fallacy. And again, they didn't foresee <laughs> the atom on the bottom of the ocean floor. Yes, and exactly. So they couldn't have planned for that. So it's, if someone had brought up, what if we find this freaking element yes. that's never been discovered before? Then they'd say, and oh, it okay. ends up destroying our society. Like, uh-huh, okay. That's like possible, but no. Yeah. You know, what you're describing is ludicrous. It's unlikely, right? yeah. But that's exactly what happened. that's what happened. Ludicrous yes. things that no one expects yes. happen all the freaking time. This is great. So to <laughs> Ian Malcolm's point, so Henry Wu is saying, are you saying that females will breed? And what Ian Malcolm would say, uh, should have said, was uh, the fact that life exists at all yeah. is infinitely improbable, yeah. right? Maybe not infinite, but it's up Close there, right? to. <laughs> Close to infinitely improbable. So for you to tell me that, you know, this well, situation is completely contained, like, don't even. I, I just said close to infinite, but there's no such thing. I know, thing there's no such thing. People know. It's 10, 10 to the 83rd to 1. It's just like highly, highly unlikely. It's unbelievably <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> you can't get close to infinity. There's no such thing. But yes. um, might as well be in, in our ability to conceptualize a number that large. Yeah. Now, um, I'm simply saying that life finds a way. And that's all he could say in that moment. Yes. Uh, but, but a strictly rationalist scientist will just um, dismiss him mm -hmm. at that moment. And then Grant says, what species is this? Uh, it's a velociraptor. And he's like, and this, this is another moment this of scene, setup. Dude, I it, remember it's this real line. dark for a second. Yeah. You bred raptors. You bred raptors. And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> of course, they're dinosaurs. Of course I did. Yes, we did. <laughs> and now remember, the velociraptor is the dinosaur skeleton that Alan Grant was working Digging. on before coming out here. So right. he was very familiar with them and right. how they hunt and all of that stuff. Right. So then feeding time. I love this scene too. This is where everybody yep. has gotten over their awe of the place. Yep. And they are now understanding this isn't, this is not good. What you Yes. Found. It starts like this around is, here. This yeah. is going to be bad. And Robert Muldoon, what a perfect character <laughs> to show up and, and usher us into this new way of viewing this world yep. in which it is uh, not so great. Robert Muldoon, what is, what is his first line? They Let's should see. all be destroyed. Yes. That's his first, yes, the first sentence. Thing he says. They should all be destroyed. Ah. Other that. than shoot her, which yeah. was at the very beginning. Right? Yeah. That's the last thing he said. Now he's saying they should all be destroyed. They should all be destroyed. Wow. Um, coming on the back of the scene, and this is really good too, because you have, you have this baby raptor being born. Now we're seeing the full grown raptor, mm -hmm. like back to back. Like mm -hmm. you see the little baby. Oh, it's so harmless. It's little baby. He's got the little shell on his head. Yep. Dr. Hammond is taking it off. Oh, so cute. Boom, right on the back of that. Full-grown raptors tearing a cow to shreds because yep. it's feeding time. And yep. how Robert Muldoon's like, they're testing the fence for weaknesses. And all this stuff is like, yep. whoa, this isn't as fun. Like the idea is cute and cuddly and the reality of the situation is yes. nothing of the sort. I think that's-, that's Juxtaposing a, these scenes is yes, so the good. Juxta the juxtaposition between- the velociraptor hatching and then yeah, the velociraptor little in the cave is Ooh. the gulf of the difference between Hammond's vision of the place versus yes. what it actually is. And also Henry Wu being like, females can't breed. Like, look at this little baby. Do you think it can hurt somebody? Yeah. Like, are you stupid? And then the very next scene is, yeah, if, when it grows up, it will kill you. Yeah. Right? Like, but it looks so harmless at first. And what they're doing, the science that they're doing, this whole experiment on Ila Nublar it seems harmless. Yes. And that's how John Hammond thinks of it. That's it's it, that's harmless. Look at this baby. Yep. And then when it grows up, it's unwieldy and, and yes. incredibly harmful. Yes. Crazy. Um, 
So yeah, they basically just put a cow inside and then yep. it comes back up and all the, the harness that was in, it was just like made yeah. to pieces. Now I always wonder, <laughs> why is there no blood though? I've all, that, even, yeah, even from my question. first viewing, I was like, like why that is thing there no should blood? be soaked. Yeah, totally. But yeah, Robert Muldoon, they should all be, res- all be destroyed. destroyed. And then when he's talking about them testing the fence for weaknesses, and this is so funny because I think Ellie Sattler and um, Ian Malcolm kind of like are having their own conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's um, yeah, Alan split. Grant. Yes. I love how they did that. <clears throat> and it's Alan Grant and Robert Muldoon. And Alan Grant is like, hey, so... This isn't good, right? What's Robert their Muldoon's metabolism? Like, no. What's their growth rate? Again, lines I didn't pick up as a kid. Yeah. And I love Muldoon's um, response, word choice. They're lethal at lethal. eight months. Not they're full grown at eight months. They're lethal. Not they're adults at eight months. Yep. They're lethal. They can kill you. At eight months. Yeah. And I do mean lethal. I've hunted most things that can hunt you, but the way these things move... Mm. Fast for a biped. He's still trying to like get more information. Yeah, scientistically, yeah. Right. Cheetah speed, about 50 or 60 miles per hour. Cheetahs are actually a little faster than that. But mm. if they ever got out in the open and they're astonishing jumpers and, and then Hammond cuts in. Yes, yes, yes. That's why we're taking extreme precautions. Yep. It's under we spared control. no expense. Yeah, yeah. We're controlling it. Don't worry about yes, that. Of course. And, but Muldoon does. <laughs> Do they show intelligence, yeah. says Grant. They're extremely intelligent, even problem-solving intelligent, especially the big one. The big one. We bred eight originally, but when she came in, she took over the pride and killed all but two of the others. Jeez. That one, when she looks at you, you can see she's working things out. That The eye that we saw earlier in the film. Yeah. He was <laughs> looking right. at her. She was looking at him. And it was and they like, were like intelligence. A battle. There was an intelligence yeah. there. I, I remember that all of the shots of this movie that show dinosaurs being blown away by the CGI and how realistic it looks. Yeah. But the, actually, the most realistic dinosaur in the movie is the eye of the velociraptor yeah. in the first scene. It looks like a real animal. They did a good job it's with crazy. the eyes because you can see the eye of the T-Rex as well and they did this specifically. Yeah. They, it dilates. The, the pupil dilates. Yeah, and like, yeah. oh man, that is, uh, that's really good. Yeah. That's good, uh, like, and I think that was practical. Yeah. Right, that was a little yes. robot yes. that they built. Yes, so you can see she's working things out. They made eye contact earlier yeah. and he could see how intelligent she was. That's why we have to feed them like this. She had them all attacking the fences when the feeders came. But the fences are electrified though, right? Says Sattler. That's right, but they never attacked the same place twice. They were testing the fences for weaknesses systematically. They remember. They remember. <laughs> yep. Such a good line. So and then they jump. lift the crane out and it's all mangled. It would have been better if there was blood on it because what he says next is, Who's hungry? Who's hungry? Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> See, once again, he's just socially unaware of what's yeah. happening, right? He yep. thinks who these other guys, like, they're not hungry right now. Mm. But he is because he's like, oh, he's so confident everything's under control. Even something that would turn off most people's appetite, he just thinks nothing of it. Yep. Like, he's, he's pretty disconnected from yep. reality, For I'd sure. say, at this point. For sure. Okay, I think we're going to do one more scene, and then we're going to leave more Sounds for later because it, it's just... I'm having too much fun with this, and I know. there's just too much to talk we'll about. We'll have to finish this later. But it deserves it, and that's what's surprising me so freaking much. Yep. Okay, so I love this scene, too. This is where, at this point, Hammond's expecting the two people he brought here to defend him yes. against the other two people. Yep. They actually have a very different, and this all plays in the whole thing about nothing going the way he expected it to go. Yep. He expected <clears throat> the, law, the blood-sucking lawyer and Ian Malcolm <laughs> 
to oppose. Right. He expected Hammond, or not Hammond, uh, Grant and Sattler to defend yeah. him against them. Yes. And to persuade them that everything's under control. Because this is a dream come true for them. Yeah, he, he assumed that that would happen. That was part of his plan yeah. for this. And chaos theory worked its way, yeah, yeah, and they actually, only the blood-sucking lawyer yeah. has his back, and everyone else <laughs> is against it. <laughs> so it's just another example of something not going how expected. Then you have yeah. the thunderstorm not going as expected. Yep, that's the, right. The, the, the cars are not working the way they're supposed to. Another yep. thing not going as yep. expected. The electricity, si- he the has electricity control, system. He has control of literally nothing that's happening here. Totally. Well, even the later on with the triceratops eating the poisonous berries or whatever. Yeah. Actually, I don't think it was eating the poisonous something else must be no there was some other reason but yeah yeah. but like the animals are sick and they don't know why well what could it be and ellie's trying to figure it out and yeah anyways yeah all of this stuff that's happening later on is all just a result of not being able to foresee what's going to happen in the future and not building safeguards against whatever potential thing could happen yeah they just thought they knew what would maybe happen and they only only uh, accounted for those yeah so um Basically, they're they're having dinner here, and he's asking them to give him opinions about okay, what do you think about yep. you know everything you've seen so far, uh, you know. Also explaining about they're they're going to do more of this and more of that. There are plans that haven't been completely and figured out yet. We spared no expense. And he says many times, Gennaro keeps cutting in about <coughs> the ways in which they can build this business and how much money they can make, and uh, we yeah. can we can charge <coughs> this amount of money. And he says, we can charge whatever we want and people will pay it. Yes, yeah. exactly. And Hammond cuts him off originally and says, no, I did not build this place only for the super rich. Everyone should yes. be able to enjoy this. But, but the then, natural law of scarcity. But, but he says this, right? He, yeah. he like, he like play, pays lip service to that idea. Mm-hmm. But then Gennaro's response is, oh, sure. We'll, we'll have a, a coupon day. A coupon Or day. something. Yeah, yeah. And they both start <clears throat> laughing. So really, yes, he is interested in making tons of money off yes. the place. But He's he just, knows that he needs to say certain things for Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler to, to get yes, on board. Right. He can't pretend this is only for the rich people. Right. He, and he can't pretend that his entire... Uh, you know, endeavor here was altruistic in some way yeah. and that he's just trying to bring the experience of these dinosaurs to everyone in, in the world. Yeah. I mean, he, he, again, he wants to believe this about himself or he, he, he tells himself that story, Yeah. but like, it's not true. Mm-hmm. He is here to make money. Yep. And, and, and this disgusts Ian Malcolm and he's, and, uh, he says, see, I, uh, gee, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here, it staggers me. Mm-hmm. And Gennaro says, thank you, Dr. Malcolm, but I think things are a little bit different than both you and I feared. And he says, yeah, I know, they're a lot worse. <laughs> That's, oh, see, Malcolm gets it. He, he knows what he's talking about. Loved that comeback. It's just so good. Yep, they're worse. And then, and then Gennaro, oh, now, wait a second now, we haven't seen the park yet. There's no reason. He's like, you yep. know, Donald, 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 let him talk. There's no reason. There's no I want to hear every viewpoint. I really do. Mm-hmm. Again, he's paying lip service to that. I don't yeah, think he yeah. really does. No, he doesn't. Because he he doesn't even know what, what Ian Malcolm's saying. He yes. does not understand him one bit. No. He's like, let him make noises from the hole in his face for like a minute. <laughs> and then and then let's let the adults talk. Yes. You know? That's his that's his attitude. He's yes. trying to pretend like he's open-minded. <clears throat> he's not actually open-minded at I, all. I agree because, with that. because Malcolm's been telling him this the whole time. He's yep. been telling him this since the beginning of the project. He's been telling him this yep. all along. And And he hasn't listened at all. Not even a little. Yeah. uh, Don't you see the danger, John, inherent in what you're doing here? 
genetic powers, the most awesome force this planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid who's found his dad's gun. That's such a good analogy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of like what I was saying earlier, isn't this what, like a teenager's version uh, of what they would, the first thing they would think of? I can bring a dinosaur right. to life. I'm going to build a theme park. Yeah, around. it'll be like Six Flags. Won't that be cool? <laughs> but it's going to have dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> like a kid who's found his dad's guns. Exactly mm. what it's like. Yeah. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling accusations, says, says the lawyer. Yeah, if I may, if I may, like be quiet. I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that, that, you've, uh, that you're using here. You got to read it like him. Okay, I got to read it because he does have a lot of ums and uhs. <laughs> he and, does, and sort of like imperfections. And it's written into the script. I it don't know. Is. If, I doubt it was written. That I way, wonder though. if it was yeah. in the original script or I, if he just inserted it. I'll bet you that was him because that's me guessing. It's, it's another way in which the the, the performance is very convincing. Yeah. He talks like a real human being. Lots of totally. uhs and ums. Yep. If I may, if I may, uh, I'll tell you the problem with this scientific power that you're uh, that you're using here. It didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could. And before you knew it, you've, had, you've patented it and you've packaged it and you slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. And that's exactly right. Like it, it was all a rush to sell lunchboxes. Right, the merch. And merchandise. Think of the merch. Which is basically how all major franchises in the world make the most money. It's not the movie tickets. It's not, it's, yeah. it's the toys. It's the toys. Disney figured that out a long time ago. The shirts. Yep. That's where the real money is made yeah. in entertainment. Think so, about this. Think about this. What made more money? The Flintstones contract <laughs> or the little vitamins yeah. that every kid takes, the vitamin yeah. C Flintstones right. pills, 30 right. years later, they're still selling those. Kids don't even know what the Flintstones are, yeah. yet they're still buying vitamin C right. Flintstone yeah. like pills. Oh, yeah. so, good. so this is the push to franchise everything <clears throat> yep. and especially make it more family-friendly and kid-friendly is because you sell toys and merchandise that kids mm. wear. And that's where these mega like franchises make all their money. So that's what they're trying to do with Jurassic yeah. Park. They're trying once to again, franchise it. Once again, to step out of the movie for two seconds, Steven Spielberg, yeah. the producers of Jurassic Park, then participated they made in bank the very off thing. of merch. They, and they still make bank off of merch, yeah. and they refuse to let this franchise die. They're going to keep <laughs> making Jurassic Park movies forever, forever. Um, in a way that even if you didn't plan on it, market forces are such that this is what will happen. That was- It will be exploited. The note that I took on this scene yeah. is like- they didn't understand their own movie. Right. This whole scene nope, they didn't understand. exists to criticize this idea. Yeah. And yet this very franchise is on, I don't know what it's sixth movie or something that it <laughs> yeah. does not need. It, it totally need not exist at yeah. all that are just horrible and just completely like milking the living fetch out of this idea <laughs> yeah. that was a one movie yeah. idea in my opinion and right. should have been yes. one movie because yeah. it ends and like that's where as far as it should have gone for sure thematically <laughs> and they just yeah. have continued to milk that thing forever and this whole scene is a rejection of that yes and like uh, it's just it just really like struck me hard as i was watching yeah. it this time it's like that's exactly what jurassic park turned into yeah the the movie franchise exactly what they're what they're against in the scene there's another another line too that Ian Malcolm he says it didn't require any discipline to attain it. Yeah, that's uh, echoes a uh, sentiment from Carl Jung, 
where he said, uh, beware of unearned wisdom. Mm-hmm. That's essentially, this is essentially what that's talking about. If you're gaining something that you didn't work to to attain, the value of it will be perceived as a child who, yeah. who just is exactly given things. Right. Or who just found their dad's gun or something like that. Yeah. Um, Doesn't and, have any respect for the power yeah. behind it at all. So um, Hammond tries to, you know, hand wave this. I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody else has ever done before. And again, this this scene is full of great Malcolm quotes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied over whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think that they should. Such a good line. Yeah, that line is classic. One of the best lines in the movie. And once again, this is just, this is just life, but... As we live in the pivot point of artificial intelligence becoming, you know, the dominant force of the world, um, it's it, it's clear to me that people don't really think this, right? That yeah. it's almost like the market forces and something like competition, like the arms race, um, competition with other countries, mm-hmm. it it drives things forward in a way that even if people know, yeah, we shouldn't be opening this can of worms. But if we don't do it, they will. The Chinese, the Russians, the whoever, whatever it is, America, Canada, like somebody who's not us will do it and they're going to run the world. Yeah. So we have to do it. Yeah. Right. And so things that everyone in the world, I think, anyone who's seen Jurassic Park <laughs> or The Matrix should know that this is not something that will end well for humanity. But here it is and it's going forward at a faster clip than anybody could measure and it is it's approaching right something is approaching that's going to displace humanity from its current like existence and make things possibly possibly better possibly worse but the point is we don't know and the the question of you were so preoccupied with whether or not you could that you didn't seem stop to think about if you should is it's almost like scientists and politicians, uh, people, whoever it is, people making technology. Yeah. It's almost like they, they don't have time to think about if they should or not because if, in a race. if they don't, someone else will. And mm. that's just a fact. Like that's just true. Yeah. And I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. I don't know what to even think about that where it's like, do I hate you for doing this thing that if you didn't do it, somebody else would have, and maybe it's probably better that you did it than them or, or maybe not. I don't know. Well, but that's like, the folly of it. The folly of it is thinking, okay, <laughs> but if we do it, it won't be as bad because we can that. control. I've heard Mark it Zuckerberg say similar things. We can control this. Yes, and if we control no, it, no, then can't. the bad thing won't happen. Yeah, but that's like, wrong. But that's if wrong. they get it, then the bad thing will happen. But yes. if we get it, then we can control it. Won't happen. Yes. That's the I, whole folly of the situation. I see it's that everywhere. The whole Hammond problem. Yeah. You don't have control of it. That's the illusion. And what Ellie says, you never did. You never, you never had did. Control. It was an illusion. Yeah. Yes, and that's that's the issue. So, but, but it's a system, it's a thing, it's, it's there, it's there and it will be controlled one way or the other. Yeah. And like, you think that this technology disappears after the movie Jurassic Park, you think that once he he learns how to resurrect dinosaurs and then decides, oh, this wasn't a good idea. Okay. Let's go back to digging up bones in the ground. But (laughs) like, you know how to do it and you employed a hundred scientists and you had this whole thing. You think no one's going to like Dennis Nedry put some things in a vial and go do it somewhere else? Of course they're going to. InGen, the company, like this is how the books end up going. InGen yeah. just does it themselves. Yeah. Like they don't worry about John Hammond anymore. They're like, whatever, well, he died. Uh, but they're like, we're just going to make him ourselves then. And like that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. So anyways, I'm very critical about on, of, of science and scientists in general for things like this because they seem to rarely think about whether they should or should not do things. Um, but there's a reason for that. And yeah. the reason is, 
that we don't we aren't in control. The mm-hmm. one scientist who like is trying to decide whether or not he should ethically do a thing or not is not the one who's in control of this massive like invisible hand that seems to be driving everything towards like one specific place. Mm-hmm. You think any one person is going to make the decision now if they all did it, great. Um but the technology's there and someone's going to use it. Yeah. Like there's nothing you can do once the Pandora's box is open, you can't Close, Close it. it again. Once the genie's out of the lamp, you can't put him back. Once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back. There's a lot of analogies <laughs> for that. But the idea is um, that you you can't ever put it back. And I just I wonder if I'm being a little too hard on on people of my age who are propelling this thing forward um, that guaranteed will turn, as you've all know, Harari says, will turn humans into the useless a useless class yeah. of of meaningless um, biological meat sacks. Yeah, like uh. Can we not do that? <laughs> I don't think we can not do that. Well, and there's a whole, again, nature and nurture debate, right? This is one thing that kind of annoys yeah. me about people, you know, people who are like love animals and things like that, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, or, or people who love, want to protect the environment. They talk about how horrible human beings are and we, right. we ruined everything and we, everything mm-hmm. we touch, we destroy and we, we're horrible. Sure. There's a sentiment there that we're going against nature somehow. Right. But uh, yeah, nature, we arose out of nature. Nature fetching made us this way. <laughs> exactly. We this, we didn't we're, arise. We're, yeah. So it, it, it's very possible that mankind is a step on the ladder that nature is climbing to get AI. Like sure, you know, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that actually. That yeah. everything happens to be going in such a way. Now, of course, hindsight always says, "Oh, this was always what was going to happen." Yeah. But that's hindsight, right? You can never predict it in the, in right. the future. Um, but that I've heard that that people say, like, if there's an intelligence, which there seems to be something like uh, an, an invisible hand that directs things, like the economy. This is what Adam Smith talked about. Like, there's no evidence for. A, a being, but there is evidence that like the collection of all humans together kind of moves things in an unpredictable way yeah. and that it's going towards something. Where's it going? We don't know. Well, now we might have an idea of where it's going. And yes. even the movie Jurassic Park and the fake story Jurassic Park and everything about this was all building to this end. Yeah. This was the only, as soon as a man discovered fire a million years ago, this was going to happen. As yeah. soon as that happened, this was the inevitable end. Right. Like, there's something powerful about that way of thinking. I don't know if it's correct. It seems to be right because it's what's happening, right? So yeah. if, a, if a system is best attuned to get the results that it got, then fire, the first technology, was best suited to eventually lead to AI a million years later. Sure. Right? It's just, it follows that that's the case. Right. Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, just to finish off the scene here. Oh, he, he talks about condors. If I had made condors instead of dinosaurs, you wouldn't have any issue. Condors are uh, on the verge of extinction. If I had made a whole yep. island out of just that, see, animal. you find one little yep. edge fringe <clears throat> case that he would agree with in order yeah. to justify the whole ninety nine percent of your argument. Yeah, that's a common tactic. And, and Malcolm comes back with, "No, no, listen, this isn't some species that was obliterated by deforestation, mm, right? By Our humans, doing, yeah. or the building of a dam. Dinosaurs had their shot, and nature selected them for extinction." And, and then, John, I simply don't understand this kind of uh, uh, Luddite attitude. Luddite. Or Luddite attitude. They, they avoid all technology. Right. Uh, yeah. I actually looked up the term when I was oh, watching okay. the movie. That's what it means. It means the avoidance of technology. Yeah. Um, from a scientist, I mean, how can you stand in the light of discovery and not act? See, that's, that's the invisible hand right yes. there. That's the invisible mm. hand. And it's humans can't not do it. Yes. It's right there. 
and you can do it, and so you do it, and yes. you you just don't think about whether or not you should. How can how can you stand in that light and not act? Yeah. And and he's right in the darkest way. He's right. And and Malcolm says, "Oh, what's so great about discovery? It's a violent, penetrative act that scars what it explores. It does. What you call discovery, I call the rape of the natural world." And that's good too. Nietzsche even talks about things like this. What was it? Oh, there's a great line. I can't remember where. I read it recently. Um, philosophers, what? Nothing has ever left their hands alive. Like people, mm-hmm. people who analyze and dissect things and kind of what we do. Yep. <laughs> Basically, he's saying that, you know, people who critique and um, specifically philosophers, anytime that they have this new concept that they're going to explore, the whole goal is to kill it and dissect it to figure out why it's a meaningless thing that just exists of its constituent elements and doesn't have any intrinsic value. Mm. Right. And that's all, that's what philosophers do. That's what a lot of scientists do. That's what critics do. Right? Mm-hmm. We kind of take this thing that's alive and that everyone loves, and and we open it up and we show everyone its guts, and then <laughs> and then we close it back up and pretend that they can go back to treating it as it, as it, was. As it was. But before. after seeing all the intricacies and how the wheels work and everything, and realizing that oh, this was never a big thing to begin with. It's only it's only comprised of its constituent elements. There, there is a very very true element to that, in that I, I can barely watch movies anymore. And really believe them. It's difficult. Basically, yeah. when I don't I'm, watch many movies. When anymore. I'm watching a movie, I'm seeing the lighting behind yeah. this behind and, the camera, and in their eyes, the reflection mm-hmm. of their eyes, you can see where the key lights. I'm were. seeing all of the yeah. behind the scenes movie making stuff. It's no longer yeah. a living thing to me. After like it doing used to be um, VFX when I was a child. Yeah. Right. There's no magic in movies anymore. True, true. Uh, or I should say it's sparing it sparingly happens yeah. where I lose myself in a film like that. It'll happen more for me now for older movies. It yeah. doesn't happen for modern stuff. Yeah. It's like Jacob's Ladder will do that to me now. Right. Instead of like what, this new Avatar movie or anything right. like that. Like I don't care about that. Right. There's 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 <clears throat> such a truth to when you become this sort of like expert I'm not saying I am, but uh, on the path to that or trying to become one. Right. I, when I, when I read books, when I, anything revolving around storytelling, I'm breaking it down Yes. almost intuitively or and, against yeah, my like own will. You shouldn't, but you can't help it. I can't help it. Yeah. I know like stories no longer are magical in the way that they were when I was a child. What made me fall yeah. in love with them originally. Right. I don't feel that much anymore. Cause instead you're like, oh, they're using mm. this archetype. They're telling yep. this one of the seven stories. They're using yep. this character is going to lead to this end. And you, yep. you're, you're predicting you're, what's going to happen. Exactly. Most of the time you can do that yes. pretty accurately. Sometimes not, but whatever. And there's just no more, there's no more magic. And it's not a lot. Right. It's dead. That this is remember when we were reviewing um, Undertale, and I had this exact sentiment. Yes. I was like, I almost don't want to review this game <laughs> because it's so meaningful, and and the likelihood that I'm going to make it more meaningful by by dissecting it is low. And so this is true with poetry too, or if a, a joke, like there's a funny joke, and then we're like, all right, everyone, let's explain why that joke was funny. <laughs> Here, so you see the chicken wanted to cross the road but didn't know how to look, and you end up killing the joke. Yeah. You kill the joke when you yeah. explain it. Yep. You kill poetry it's when you explain funny. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the way we do it can result in deepening appreciation for it because I don't think, I like to think that we don't kill things. <laughs> I, I, like, I like to think that things leave our hands um, and this is why I tend to be maybe um, a little more on the, maybe a little more mystical, a little more on like the, the, um, what would you call it? Like, like love or, or uh, I, I often will talk about um, like 
what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, it's it's a meta, not metaphysical. Anyway, some it's like a higher reality that yes. is not necessarily understood. I often will try to allude towards a higher reality yeah. and that these movies, the truths and the beauty and the goodness that these movies convey to us is conveying something that is real, you know, and I often will try to, you know, bring up stuff like that. I don't know that I do it as much anymore. <laughs> a lot of people get upset about it back in the day. Cause I'd always bring things back to Carl Jung and like, Oh, but it is real. It is real. It's still real. Um, but it is, you know, like, as much as we try to dissect these movies and stuff and dissect these uh, stories and video games and all the stuff that we do, um, I, I hope that it's still alive for people. I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, we can help add to things behind it without, without killing it. But that's, I don't know, doing three, we're trying <laughs> many hours of reviewing Jurassic Park, oh which is gosh. longer than the movie itself. Oh, I don't know. Way longer than the we'll movie see itself. if that, uh, crazy. <laughs> bears out. And we're not out of this scene yet, but we're close. Okay. So okay. then Sattler cuts in. Question is, how can you know anything about an extinct ecosystem? And therefore, how could you ever assume that you can control it? Because that's her realm now. We're in her realm. How could you know anything? Ecosystems, yeah. right? You have I hear plants. people, all right, once, one more thing. I hear people like historians. And mm. I'm sorry, I love historians. I know history things. I took history classes. I've read history books. History's awesome. But you guys don't really know. You don't really know you what society You don't really know like. what you pretend to know. No. You history people. And you're awesome. I love you. I, I am sort of one of you. I love history, but when I read it, I'm not assuming that, that it's that's true. That's how it was. <laughs> I'm basically assuming that, oh, that's one way of looking at it. But a lot of people speak so authoritatively mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, these ancient people used to think this. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, really? I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt that you know how they thought. Yeah. I really do. Well, certainly they don't know how they thought. <laughs> no. We can know what they made because so, we can see it. <laughs> we, we know what some of the higher achieving among the people sure. made there you or go. wrote or artistically made. But, um, like I think our, I think that what we, you know, history is written by the victor, that whole thing. I think our actual understanding of history is it's like terrible. not at all accurate. It's like, like maybe 1%. Yes. Maybe 1%. Of the recorded part. That sounds about right. One of we the know recorded part of the recorded part, <laughs> not of the, the unrecorded part. We have no fetching clue. Yeah. I've noticed this with <laughs> history books. You're actually reading when you read a modern written history book, you're reading your own history. Yeah. Just told, um, they, the, when you, cause it's like you're selective, like, well, what part of the ancient Greek history do I talk about? Ooh, the one that I'm thinking of right now that I think is important. Yes. Like, oh, great. Well, you're just telling modern history then through the lens of like a historical event, but you're mm. just telling me like what modern people think. Anyways, I've thought about that a lot lately. Okay. I'm going to edit some of this out, by the okay. way. <laughs> uh, okay. Back to Sattler here. You have plants in this building that are poisonous. You pick them because they look good, but these are, are aggressive living things that have no idea what century they're in. That's right. And they'll defend themselves violently if necessary. Yep. And then Hammond turns to Grant. If there's one person here who can appreciate what I'm trying to do, <laughs> the world has just changed so radically yep. and we're all running to catch up. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look, dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution. That's a long time. It's, it's, it's unfathomable. Unfathom you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't even really understand yeah. how long that is. Yeah. You can try as hard as you can, but you've only been alive for yes. <laughs> this long. Yeah. And you, recorded you no history. concept of that amount of time. Yeah. Recorded history is what? 7,000 years tops. Yeah. Come on, dude. Like that's a long time. 
have suddenly been thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea what to expect? And that's all Hammond does is think that he knows what to expect. Yeah, yeah. He thinks he knows what to expect. And we're shown in almost every scene from <laughs> Almost here on every out scene. That he had no idea what to expect. He did not. He was wrong. He explained <laughs> wrong about everything. Were wrong. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You're meant to come here and defend me against these characters. And the only one I've got on my side is a blood-sucking lawyer. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, <laughs> says Donald Gennaro. He's like offended at first, but yeah. then he's like, Thank you. Yeah. We left off on this line from Ian Malcolm. D- discovery is a, a violent uh, penetrative act that uh, scars what is explored. What you call uh, uh, discovery, I call uh, the, the rape of the natural world. That's right. Uh, which was a great line. Very good line. <laughs> um, there was actually a comment. Friedrich Nietzsche talked about that, by the way. <laughs> uh, left by somebody on the unlisted video on YouTube. So somebody who came and watched it from Patreon, oh, right? Cool. Yeah. Uh, specifically about that those. line. I, I think I should probably address that right now that I'm thinking about it because it was mm. a good comment. It, it's worth um, discussing here. I, uh, this is from Wild Flux. I feel quite conflicted about the last scene and Ian Malcolm's point. I used to be very skeptical of science when I was young, but then developed a very positive attitude toward it. That has more recently given way again to more of a techno-pressionism. Malcolm's argument reminds me of the quote from Lord of the Rings where Sauron explains, or Sauron explains to Gandalf that he is making progress by leaving his old ways behind and not being Sauron the White anymore. White, he sneered. It serves as a beginning. White cloth may be dyed. The white page yes. can be overwritten right. and the white light can be broken. And Gandalf responds by saying, in which case it is no longer white and he that breaks a thing to find out what it has left uh, or what it has, has left, what it is. I mean, I butchered that. And he that breaks a thing to find out what it is has left the path of wisdom. Mm. This line uh, makes that's, essentially that's, that's the same point as the movie, I think, and it resonated yeah. with me a lot when I was when I read it as a kid. But at the same time, calling the entire notion of discovery a rape of the natural world, not just what's happening with Jurassic Park, seems like a ridiculous pendulum swing in the other direction. I think this attitude of the character came across even more strongly in the book. There are certainly insights into what the natural and physical world is like that are worth having and how... And how was it a rape of the natural world, for example, when Galileo looked through his telescope and discovered that there are so many more stars out there than the naked eye can see? I can explain that. Okay, go for it. At least a little bit. Um, Galileo did, he killed, he killed the heavens by penetrating them with his gaze. Um, Meaning that what the heavens were turned into meaningless balls of rock floating in space. That's not what the heavens were before Galileo. But after Galileo, what was an alive, vibrant universe became a cold, lifeless bunch of rocks. So that's, well, that's killing something. Yes. You know, in a sense. And I think in the sense that you, Malcolm's talking about. I have other things to say about that. It's, but. but he's right in saying it's not, discovery is not always bad. Like no 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 and but but, but bad is a point of view so <laughs> <laughs> that's a relative value judgment based on whatever your bedrock like religious like you know axioms are, um, but <clears throat> I, and I don't think the movie is trying to suggest that I case. don't think so either but it, it's worth saying that when you take something that's um, that's alive that's that moves and you solidify it 
you you in a way you have killed it. And and maybe a good way of putting this would be like let's say that, let's say there's this concept out in the world. Let's say there's a law. There's a law that is perceived amongst the community. And it's like, hey, people shouldn't do this thing. And then you write down the law. Oh yeah, thou shalt not kill. Whatever. Whatever yeah. it is. And it's like, sweet, we just set it into stone. That's it. That's more or less what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, people shouldn't do that thing, right? And you set it into stone, right? So you've taken the spirit that everybody kind of could perceive, and you, you gave it a body, right? And you solidified it into something that's stone, right? That's set in stone. <coughs> Specifically with thou shalt not kill, you know, and then like later on the Bible, Ecclesiastes says there is a time to kill. Yeah, so it's right. like, okay, well, obviously the... Ten Commandments is talking about murder specifically, but um, like, is there when you solidify something and you make it rigid and immovable, you 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 do kill it. Now you didn't destroy it completely, but you you took something that was movable and and morphable in the air between people in the minds, whatever in the idos concept, and you turned it into like this slab of stone that everyone has to obey and. Is the is the concept may still be alive somewhere, but in 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 um like narrowing it down to such a specific thing, uh, you what you have done is you have taken something that was morphable and not so certain, and you have made it certain, which takes what it was and essentially kills it and turns it into what is. Now, this is an idea that you can get from reading something like the Tao Te Ching. The old the old Tao talks about um that. As unnamed, the Tao is the mother of all things. But as named, the Tao is the mother of 10,000 things. Something mm. like that. So just by naming something, you, you limit its potential, right? So yeah. the Tao is the source of everything. It's the source of all life. It's the way of the world, right? But when you say, oh, that's the Tao, no. And this is the, this is the injunction in the Bible against graven images, right? Mm. Don't make graven images because like... Once you engrave something into stone, it's you're setting yourself up for future failure, right? You're like, let's say, in Russia, they drew Jesus as having white skin as white as snow, <laughs> and and everyone just is like, oh, this is what Jesus looked like. And then you come later on, and the church expands, and you realize that like, oh, maybe maybe we shouldn't have like drawn him this way and propagated him throughout the whole world in this specific manner, given that you know maybe that's not so accurate or maybe other people feel left out or whatever it is, right? It's like, well, maybe you should have let the idea, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't ever draw Jesus ever, um, but the idea is that once you engrave an image, you limit the infinite, basically. You take the infinity and you turn it into a limited thing and that kills it. Hmm. But is that always bad? Oh, why well, does Ian Malcolm saying it's bad? Um, I, I don't Let's think read it is. again. Let's read that, it. I, that, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because it scars the, what is explored, and that is true. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm talking and, about oh, the gone hold on. not about Ian. Malcolm. No, you're right. But Ian Malcolm does say what you call discovery. I call the rape of, of the, the natural, natural world. world. Yes, that it, and rape is bad. <laughs> yes, right, <laughs> right. So okay, <clears throat> well, so but, but what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to say is I'm I'm not sure that that's even what Ian Malcolm is meaning by that. No, he's like he what just means you that, call discovery. Yes, meaning what you're doing, what you're doing, what you yeah. call discovery. What's happening here? What you're doing here? is what I call the rape in the natural world. Yeah. I don't think he's saying all discovery is wrong. But he does say that all discovery is a, 
violent penetrative act that Scarswood has explored. I don't know. Maybe that not, is maybe. true, though, it in is, the ways that you're saying, what in I the just sense said, of what yes. you're saying it is. And with the Tao, the ancient, the most but ancient Chinese wisdom that exists, you know, that is what it, that's what discovery is. Discovery is limiting yes. what we know about, well, not, not limiting, narrowing, limiting the concept of a thing and narrowing it down to what it is versus what yes. it could be. Sure, and sure. That you is, take the potential and you turn it into- can be a penetrative- violent act Very that so. scars what is explored that doesn't mean it's always bad that you should it, never he's, do he's it. speaking sort of in more of a generality here yeah. in that there are consequences to discovery oh very much um so. yes and often unforeseen consequences of discovery and while there are going to be good things that come about it obviously and sometimes there's many more good things that come than bad things it's just that discovery should not be viewed as always this, the thing we should be pursuing. Yes. Like to, for its own sake, because yeah. this is always a, a, a positive thing. And that's the question. You didn't stop to think about whether or not you should. Yes. And the idea of should, the word should, is basically, a, it's an ethical injunction, right? Yes. It's like, you've got your science, but you didn't realize that your science is actually nested within a greater framework that takes precedence. Yes. It's more important to protect the ethical nature of science than it is to just discovery for discovery's sake. Yes. Right. And if you forsake the ethical and make science the top, then you're going to start doing unethical experiments. Yes. And, right. and so it, science has to be subdued by ethics. It, yes. By nature, it has to be, yes. which means that there is something above science. Yes. And as soon as you lose sight of that, and this is so funny because would you consider Ian Malcolm to be like religious? No. No, not even close. Yet he has deduced like, no. So, it, it, you know, this could be a religious argument in some ways, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying that like, I can't prove it, but there's something above science and you're not respecting it. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> th I think that that's, that's right. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he's, I mean, he's a scientist himself. I don't think yeah. he's trying to say that all discovery is wrong. He's just saying right. that you need to, you need to be more careful about the consequences of your discoveries. Yeah. And, and this is why they have ethics boards. Exactly. Before they approve any study. Yes. They, well, you have to come to an ethics board and sit down and be like, this is the, the study we want to do. Yeah. And they all deliberate about what are the consequences of this? How could this actually harm our subjects? Sure. Blah, 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 blah. Especially like health or, yeah. well, there was like the AI companies that are making AI. I'm pretty sure Microsoft just fired their entire ethics board so that they could get it out quicker, <laughs> so which is faster. exactly what Ian Malcolm's warning about. Yes. Uh, but the other companies, like whoever yeah. released ChatGPT and stuff, they have an ethics board that yes. is like, hey, you know, maybe do some work on your AI before you release it into the wild. Right. right. So that's that's what that scene's all about. Yeah, very good all stuff. Right. We're Next. not we're not going to get through this. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, the tour begins. So yes, and the kids um, are here. Yeah, so <laughs> and the kids this is so good. The kids, up. the kids love their grandpa, and he seems to be really good to them. Yeah, right. So it's a little bit of a reversal because you would assume he'd be this crotchety old man who, but yeah. the kids are really good. I liked this characterization of John Hammond in the movie versus yeah, the, the book, book where yeah. he was. Yeah, he was. They, 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 there's <laughs> there's uh, there's more nuance to the character here. Yeah, and and you do sort of see him as this grandfatherly warm person that you yeah, kind of root yeah. for, even though, you know, he's doing something wrong, even though, yeah. And it makes it, you feel more conflicted about what should John Hammond's consequences be after this all goes down. I mean, obviously 
the park should be closed and he probably will be sued for all the deaths of the people and all this stuff. But like that there, there's just an element to it where you're not just like rooting against John Hammond. Yep. You know, and I like that. It's easy to see him as, as just as a person. Yeah. As a human being like all of us. Right. Um, so I like that. And so he's got this, this sort of deep connection with his grandchildren. He loves them. They love him. Um, and I really like how they're tackling him. He's like, go away! Go away! <laughs> As they're like tackling him and they're laughing. It's just, <laughs> it's so uh, relatable. And then it all is, the acting yeah. in the movie. It's phenomenal. Is done in such a way to where you can really relate to the characters, feel what they're feeling. It's yeah. so natural. Even the kids. Every line. The kids are really, their kids they're, are really they're wonderful. Good. They're really good. So anyways, he's talking to them and this is a problem because like we talked about, this was, this is the character arc of, of Alan Grant. He doesn't oh, like right. kids. Yeah, now kids a... are here. Oh, great. And, great. and this is Ellie looking at him immediately thinking about how can I make him yep. interact with these children? So then she goes to tell Lex, <laughs> she says, Hey, it'll be good for Alan if you sat next to him. Yep. Oh, that was so good. Yep. So she's, there's two different. <laughs> vehicles that they're gonna they're on like a rail yeah driverless electric cars yeah Yeah, so everything is run by the technology yeah everything yeah so even if they wanted to they could not drive away no yep so uh everything everything is under the control of john hammond even the vehicles yeah uh until they're not but (laughs) yeah there's two vehicles and she's trying to get alan to go in one car with the kids this does not end up happening. <laughs> I know he and kind of a- <laughs> tricks Tim. This is so funny. Tim's following him through and showing him his little, like his books of dinosaur knowledge. And he walks him into the other, which car are you going to be in? Whichever when one you, you are. Got, yep. Okay. And he just walks around, shuts <laughs> him in. That was so good. And then turns that. around and, and Lex is there. Yep. Anyway, he ends up, Alan ends up going with Ellie and Malcolm. And Gennaro ends up going with the kids. Which in the was front car. a big mistake. Yeah. Not smart, yeah. <laughs> as it turns out. So anyway, uh, they they, act, they set up here that Lex is sort of savvy with technology. She's looking at the screen that's in the car. Oh, look at this. That's right. Um, you can, yeah. you can, it's a touch screen. You can touch part and it talks about whatever you want. So she's yeah. very techy. Yep. Uh, she prefers hackers. Yeah, she's a, <laughs> she's a hacker, not yeah. uh, a nerd or whatever <laughs> not it a was nerd, yeah. that <clears throat> Timmy calls her. Um, anyway. Oh, oh, I also, I read your book. We've already talked about this. This book is referencing the real yeah. uh, dinosaur expert, right? Yep. Who yep. was a consultant on the movie. Yep. Um, his book was this fat. This Yours thick, was yeah. This. <clears throat> and so, no, I can't remember his name, but we'll talk about him. So I don't have much to talk about here, but well, they basically, there's there's a couple, that they, they are going from sort of like paddock to paddock, yeah. and they're not seeing anything. No, None of the no. dinosaurs are coming the out. Nothing is going yeah. right. Yeah, Nothing yeah. is going according to John Hammond's plan. Yeah, just like his little tour, people <laughs> aren't happy. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't have the control. He never did. Then At no point in this movie, even at one point ever, did he have control no. of anything. And it, it's starting to go this way, right? Like yeah. nothing. And he's trying to, t- you know, Disneyland, when it first opened, nothing worked. And That's uh, right. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah, trying yes. to play it off like they're going to get it under control. Yeah. Um, so, but there's two kind of important scenes here. One is in the vehicles, the the chaos theory explanation where uh, Malcolm puts the drop of water on Ellie's yeah. hand and it rolls off, and he's all being it's like, "Which way do you think her. it'll float, or which way will it go this time?" 
Yes. And then she says the same way because you would assume water would take the same path. Right. But no, it goes nope. the other way. Tiny you variations. You can't predict. Yeah. In the hands, the in hair, the skins. The fine hairs of your skin. <laughs> yeah. And he's rubbing your hand. Oh, Alan is just rolling his eyes. Right. Um, so, so there's that whole scene that leads yeah. to them jumping out of the vehicle, which I love leaves him by himself. This leaves me yeah. here. What is, I'm going uh, to actually talking to myself. Talking to myself. Yes, That's read it. That's chaos. Read it. Read it. Because so it's like good. no one could have predicted that, right? <laughs> There's uh, another example. <laughs> See, here I'm now by myself uh, uh, talking to myself. That's, that's chaos there. <laughs> so good. That's so funny, man. It's and his great. Character's so it's perfect. fantastic. It's fantastic. But they find a, a one of the park rangers or whatever out working with the sick triceratops. Yes. Um, the park. They ranger, can't find yeah. out what's wrong with her. This is again playing into the fact they can't actually control any. Yes, of this. they don't know. They don't know what's wrong. Well, could it be eating a the poisonous berries. plant? Yeah. Let me go look in the dinosaur dung to see if there's any yeah. evidence that it's been eating these poisonous plants. No, there's no, not. not. It's what something is it? else. What it could be? It's probably that freaking frog DNA you injected <laughs> them all with. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. So this there's is not compatible. That's all one scene. That's also building up to the idea that there's yeah. a big storm coming, like a hurricane. Well, that scene is really good for multiple reasons. You get that. Yeah that hurricane coming also <laughs> the actor um the actor who plays the worker is gerald yes, mullen gerald mullen it's jerry mullen yeah, yeah right which is just wonderful anyways yeah. he's the guy we talked about earlier yeah um but also and this is so good because i never got this before um but it's because i had the subtitles on when watching it this time and you can hear the sirens going off on the island and you can hear a voice on a speaker saying the last boat leaves in 1900 yes today like don't miss the boat like because we're not waiting any boat. longer yeah. yeah and it's like whoa this it's really good because it's it's just passive it's just noise like you mentioned before um it's just background noise that's happening in the movie but your brain would be registering like oh there's a time first off it puts a time limit on yep. it second off it lets you know there's a storm coming mm-hmm. in more ways than one yep once again the hermetic yep. idea as above so below yep. right yep. Yep. the storm is coming above and the storm is coming, coming below, below as, well. as well that's right um so i thought that was really good and it's just this background reminder that like yep. things are gonna get rough and things aren't predictable and because once again we're talking about predictability you see john hammond with uh, ray arnold in the computer and they're tracking the storm yep. and ray's like oh it took the, the storm just took an unexpected an deviation, unexpected deviation. Uh, like to this Pacific, you yep. know, and now it's coming right to the island and John Hammond's like, darn it. And it's like, you didn't, you, well, you could not have expected this. control this stuff. No. It's the chaos theory. But I love that everything in this I, movie. I, it's crazy because <laughs> as a child, I would not have connected no. the funny dialogue between Malcolm and Ellie <clears throat> in the vehicle to right. the fact that the storm is, is chaos theory. This is yeah. chaos theory as well. Right, Like exactly. we said, it's in every scene, man. Like every scene in the movie is reinforcing yeah. the thing. And mm-hmm. that to me is what it means to tell a good story. Me too, yeah. You have a, a theme. A purpose, an ethical something structure. Something you're trying to say. Yes. Well, I, I was I, thinking about okay, today. If I, I don't know why, even why I had this thought. It was almost random. If I were ever to teach like a, like a literacy or a, 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 like a media literacy class yeah. or, or um, a literary analysis class or something like that or a storytelling class. I think I would want to lead off that with asking the students, what is a story? Like what, mm. it, what is a story to you? Define what it. it. Yeah. And I'd which let them. Would, which would be to kill it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
True. Uh, and I'd let them give their answers. And I wouldn't do this to lead them into what I think is the right answer, but just Good. to give my philosophy on it, which is yeah. it's, a, it's an ethical question. It's right. a moral question. Yeah, yeah. A good story is a moral question. Perfect. An you, exploration of a moral topic. You yeah. are asking something of your audience. Yeah. And you're going to ask it through this artistic medium here of writing out and creating all these characters. And you're representing that moral question in every single piece. If you do it right. It, yeah. In the design of the characters, the black and the white between Malcolm and, uh, yeah, yeah. and Hammond. Yes. You do it and in- And black does not mean bad, by the way. Yes. Which is what I love about this. Yes. It's so yin-yang, but like equal opposites. Yes. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean bad and good. And Malcolm's not an evil character. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he's in many ways the like hero of the, the story. The hero and the next book. <laughs> yeah, right? So- yeah. But every, everything in the movie is asking that moral question. Every yeah. scene, every line of dialogue, every choice as far as uh, design, every part of it you is asking that question. You should assign a homework assignment. It's like, write me a 10-page <laughs> story, and every scene has to has relate to back to your theme. that question. Yeah. Because that's, that's why this is a perfect movie. Yeah. It's not because, oh, they were they were perfect with uh, continuity between every scene no, and the they technicalities <laughs> of it. That's not what we mean. Yeah. I mean that as far as a tight story, mm. as far as a story that you, that is both entertaining and exciting, yeah. but also is trying to tell you something. And that's something that is, you can actually think about deeply yeah. or you don't have to, and you or can not. still get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we've talked about this whole time. That's why I think this might be the best movie ever made because mm. I've never seen a movie do it so effectively. Yeah, like me this. neither. And I mean, like Nausicaa was up there. Nausicaa yeah, was like it was this. Close. Was just like this. Yeah. But this Jurassic Park is something. There's just there. nothing in here that is fluff. Nothing that yeah. is padding. Nothing that is doesn't belong. Nothing that sort of like meanders off of the point. Yeah. It's all so focused. And so off the back of Malcolm giving that explanation of chaos. We come into a scene called control troubles. Mm. Nice. <laughs> they cannot control the thing. There you go. And uh, Arnold's talking about the vehicle headlights are on, uh, but they're not responding. <gasps> they yeah. shouldn't be running off the car's batteries. Item 151 on today's glitch list. <laughs> <laughs> there have, you go. Yeah. We have yeah. all the problems of a major theme park and a major zoo and the computers aren't even on their feet yet. Mm. And Hammond turns to Nedry, Dennis. Our lives are in your hands and you've got butterfingers. You've got butterfingers? Because he couldn't he's foresee eating that, a apparently. ton of candy on yeah, the Yeah, his desk is a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's so gross. I'm totally unappreciated in my time. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's like Isaac Newton. Yeah, he goes on and on and on about how everything depends on yeah, him. You think you can debug two, 10 million yeah. lines of code? Do you in, know anyone who hours? can network yeah. eight machines and debug two million lines of code on my salary? If so, I'd love mm. to see them try. This is his whole problem, my salary, my yep, salary. He's negotiating that's, he's that's, trying to get more that's money that's the dig of that line my yeah. salary he's trying to get more money right i'm sorry about your financial problems but i really am but they are your problems. your problems he's sparing an expense yes i he know he's sparing an expense right now he's being cheap and <laughs> and this is so funny what a place to be cheap in i know our lives the are most in your important, hands the most important expense yes to have not spared, and i'm not spared. paying you enough <laughs> what 
if any of you ever start a business and your <laughs> lives are in someone's hands, make sure that person's compensated properly. Yes. You're right, John. You're absolutely right. Everything's my problem. I will not get drawn into another financial debate with you, Dennis. I really will not. I will it's not. hardly any been any debate at all. I don't blame people for the mistakes. But I do ask that they pay for them. Well, hold on, though. Hold on. Because <laughs> thanks, what, Dad. What, yeah, thanks, Dad. But no, but that's good. Dad. Okay, think about this. This yep. is so, I love this. <clears throat> Dennis calls him Dad. Okay, John Hammond says something here that could easily be summed up in something like the Bible. I do ask that they pay for their mistakes, right? Yep. Like, I could see like like in the New Testament. Okay, I couldn't really see this, but I could see some commentary being like God or um, Joel Osteen or somebody. Right? Oh, yeah. God doesn't ask us to, to not make mistakes, but he does expect that we pay for them, you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like that's so like clear to his character. Like he yeah. thinks he's God. Yes. And you think you're going to arbitrate who get, who has to pay for what <clears throat> yep. you demand that people pay for their mistakes. Who do you yeah. think you are? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You're going to, are you going to make sure, is that why you're not giving him a raise? Cause he yeah. made some mistakes and you're, you're, you're lording it over him. him. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Ooh, Ooh, you got to pay for your mistakes now. And I Total am in control of God your life. Complex. Total God Total complex. complex. Yeah. And then he calls him dad, which is like father, which is yeah. like Abba, which is like God, you know, <laughs> thanks, he, dad. he basically says, yeah, thanks God. As like in a mocking tone, like you, you just, you're way yeah, anyways, it's so good. And so, uh, you know, Arnold's saying, Dennis, the headlights, can you, you fix this problem? I'll debug the program when they get back, okay? Okay, they lead a lot of computing cycles, blah, 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 and he goes on and on. <laughs> and Muldoon has to finally cut in here and be like, be quiet, stop arguing. They're approaching They're the approaching. Tyrannosaur Paddock. The Tyrannosaur right? Paddock. And the, yeah. the, the first time- Quiet, they, all of you. The first time they come here, they don't see anything, but they set up something yeah. pretty cool where they, they try to get it to come <laughs> out. They try to entice it to come out by- putting a goat inside for it to eat. That's right, yes. And he doesn't show up to eat it. T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. It wants to hunt. He wants to hunt, yeah. So then they don't see it. They're like, damn. Like, they have to go on. They haven't seen anything yet. Nothing. Nothing's going right. That first day was so good. (laughs) They got the glimpse. They got a vision. They caught the, the, you know, the, the potential. But now that they're in it, it, because, but that was less structured, right? It was, it was the drive back uh, from the helicopters or whatever. There was a show in the park. It wasn't planned that the Apatosaurus had to be right then at that time. Yep. It just kind of happened. And when it happened, it was a beautiful moment. But when when John Hammond is now everything's behind a cage and it's like, here's your little tour and nothing's going right. Yeah. It's so interesting because you saw dinosaurs previously when things weren't planned that way. And now that they're planned, you're not seeing them, even yeah. though the plan is to see them. That's, that's, that's really good. Theory. That's, that's chaos that's theory. <laughs> So then Muldoon calls in, uh, the storm center hasn't dissipated or changed course. We'll have to cut the tour short. We'll pick it up tomorrow where we left off. Are you sure we have to? It's not worth taking the chance, John, says Arnold. Yeah. Muldoon sustained winds at 45 knots. So this is a freaking big storm. Yeah, it's a now, big storm. Now, when they were shooting the movie, they actually shot in Hawaii. And there was there an really actual was storm. There really was a hurricane. That's chaos theory. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. That's and crazy. so they all hunkered down. Yeah. Um, and, and were part of the relief efforts in the days after that. Oh, and that's it, cool. It really brought the cast together. They're talking <sighs> about in like a big way and they all sort of bonded and they actually yeah. felt like this helped the movie long that's term. That's cool, man. That's cool. Um, there's a whole great like behind the scenes thing. Also, hmm. we failed to bring up the, the, the line, um, uh, don't you mean extinct? 
Yes, uh, that, that, I no, I think I brought it up. Oh, did you about the? We're out. It looks like we're out of a job. Don't you mean extinct? Yes. Well, yeah. you brought up the line, but I'm saying in regards to the behind the scenes of the movie, oh. where they were originally going to do claymation for the dinosaurs. Ah, that's right. And uh, it, that's I right. forget his name. The guy who was famous for Star Wars and all these yeah, movies. Yeah, famous. Did, 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 he did animation, but yeah. you know, claymation animation, stop motion animation. Yeah, he was like the top. He was like the 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 guy in the industry yeah. to go to for this. And as soon as they had. CGI that could take over. It, he he basically said, "We are extinct. Our We're job extinct. is gone." Yep. and that's how that line kind of made it into. The I movie. haven't. Other than um, what's that funny guy that made Chicken Run and uh, Wallace Wallace and Gromit? Oh yeah. Other than that, yeah. There's you just the don't claymation see it a lot. is gone. It is yeah. dead as an art form. Yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah, I mean, CGI 3D animation is basically taken over. Even yeah. 2D animation, traditional 2D animation, you don't even yeah. see that very much anymore. No, not anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, anyway, that was another comment we got that I had forgotten to bring. That's up. good. That's good. Um, okay, so they're going to cut the the tour short. Uh, we got the the line: "God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God, God creates, creates man. Man, man destroys God. God. Man creates <laughs> dinosaurs. Yep. I Great love stuff. It. And then of course. Um, Women inherit the earth is Ellie's little quip. Yeah, so so there the the storm is approaching. They're out with the Triceratops, right? Um, Gen- there's a thunder strike. Gennaro says, "Doctors, if you please, I have to insist we get moving. The storm's getting close. You know, yeah. it's all right. I like to stay with Doctor Harding for a while. So Ellie stays behind, and the rest of them go back to the cars, yeah. and they're on their way back. This is how she's not with them when yeah. that's the T-Rex right. actually that's breaks right. out, right? So. Uh, By she, the way, not seeing the Harding. T-Rex was genius. It was yeah. genius to bring us to that point and, and not then, show yeah, it. Yeah, you delay the reveal. Yeah, so And even smart. in the scene itself, they delay it as long as yeah, possible. Yeah, it's true. So effective because And I love that. how the goat basically like lays down and it's like yep. going to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> like then nothing's happening, man. And yep. then of course, Ian Malcolm's like knocking on the the um, the camera. Like you do have uh, dinosaurs <laughs> at this dinosaur park, right? Hello? Hello? I freaking <sighs> loved it. <sighs> he's like breathing in the lens. <laughs> and he's just like, I really and hate John, that man. I really hate that man. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, man. So uh, good. Great. Okay, yeah, so then the, <laughs> the Triceratops and all that yeah. stuff. Um, Ellie is in tears looking at this Triceratops, yep. the living thing right in front of her because of just the miracle of, of life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because it's like you can look at John Hammond. She's not in tears because John Hammond created life. Yep. She's in tears because of something way beyond him, yeah, right? right? It's He's nothing compared to like... This animal, you know, like animal. you may have yeah. figured out a way to like bring it back, but f- but you didn't create it to begin with, right? Yeah. Like she's in awe, awe of just like the miracle of what it is, you know. It's miracle so cool. Of life. The respect. And that, that animatronic was yeah. really good. Oh, it's so good. It and was really they go, cool. They go into how they built these in the behind the scenes documentary yeah. as well. They're just so convincing. And, and the use between when they choose animatronic versus I, when perfect. they choose CGI. Yeah. It's seamless. It's there, just there's totally one, seamless. The only scene where I think it probably should have been CG is when there's that shot underneath uh, between the Velociraptor's feet as it starts oh, running. Oh, and it starts running. And I'm like, that thing doesn't look like it's That's actually true. putting weight on That's the ground. That's true. That's the one place where I agree. <laughs> That's the yeah, one it's not as shot. But everything else, super convincing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we get an, uh, a scene here where Nedry is calling into the shipmate, uh, trying to get them to hold on, That's wait right. a little longer to yeah. launch the boat. He's like, no, listen, you got to give me some time. I just, uh, I did a test run on this thing and it took me 20 minutes. I think I can push it to 18, but you got to give me at least 15 minutes. Just give me 15 minutes. He just needs to finish something really quick. Yeah. He's like, no promises. And so he's yeah. got to go. And it's raining. It's like happening. Right? Yeah. He's got to go get the embryos, 
put them in the little shaving cream shaving bottle cream, yeah. and make it all the way down to the dock yeah. to give this to them to take to, uh, what's his name? We got Dodson here. Money. Dodson. <laughs> uh, he's got to yeah. do this in like 15 minutes yeah, or else yeah. that boat's going to be gone. So he's, he's being pushed at this point. So he basically says, hey- um, you know, I, I've let the computer running some cycles. Some, yeah. some systems may go down for a minute. Don't worry about Not it. Not a big deal. Yeah. Because he, the reason is because he needs to shut down the, the security yeah, systems yeah. in order to get in to steal the embryos. Right. So he's trying to tell him, don't worry about it. I'm just going to go run to the vending machine real quick. If, if something goes down, <laughs> so he's set up. That's the perfect cover too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the perfect position to perform this heist. Yep. But problem is he goes and gets some, he drives away. The storm is way too strong. He he can't see where he's going. He runs into the sign that points to the dock. He doesn't know which way he's driving. Yeah, yeah. And eventually runs into the Dilophosaurus yeah, that ends up, ends up eating him. And so now there's nobody who can use his computer to turn the systems right. back on. And Ray Arnold was supposed to, uh, was also a programmer, but yeah. not to the level of Nedry. Yes. I would guess that Ray Arnold is more of like a front-end yes. programmer sure. type, whereas Dennis Nedry was back-end. He yeah. was doing all the like real deep stuff, yeah. you know? And that Ray Arnold's like, I can't do this. Like, yeah. I don't know how to handle this program. And so all the systems start shutting down, and yeah. Arnold's like, what is going on here? Like, well, Nedry did say a few... Systems yeah. would be coming offline, didn't he? He was like, well, the fences are going down. Like it's this, everything. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, he tries over and over to get into Nedry's system and, uh-uh-uh, he didn't say the magic word. Uh-uh-uh. Like he can't yeah. figure out the password, right? So they're all trying to figure that out. But simultaneously, these cars have stopped right in front of the Tyrannosaur paddock yep, yep. again. <laughs> the worst possible place. The, uh, worst the way that they place. lead into that is so great too. There was a line saying, um, where did the where did the other uh, where where did the vehicle stop or something like that? Um let's see, power failure. Uh do 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 uh okay, so they're they're driving. Grant and, and Malcolm are talking. Dr. Sadler, she's not available, is she? <laughs> <laughs> that line, that's so good. Why? Why? Oh, uh, and then he realizes, yeah, I'm sorry, you two are? Yeah, yeah, we're together, right? Then the car stops. Yeah. And I love how Grant's like, what did I touch? Because he yes. he's the non-techie yep. guy, and he always thinks he breaks something by touching it. <laughs> oh, you didn't touch anything, we stopped. <laughs> uh, we stopped. Right? And so we go back in, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell? What now? Fences are failing all over the park. Find yeah. Nedry. Check the vending machines. <laughs> Check the vending machines. So good. <laughs> but once again, where he, where his prediction was that Dennis would be, Dennis nope. was not there because nope. he is detached from things. He's too detached, right? Whereas Ellie Sattler is digging her hands into the poop of a triceratops to yeah. find out what's going wrong. Yeah. John Hammond's just standing behind the computer yep. guy telling him work faster. Yeah. Right? right. And expecting that he's the one in charge of everything. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. And Dennis is being a freaking snake, of course. Yep. Uh, also, but in that conversation ian ian has three kids yes he has three kids always looking and he for was the saying, next yes. x malcolm right <laughs> always looking for an x ex- miss malcolm x miss malcolm yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh what a jerk <laughs> what a despicable guy yep. <laughs> but like not completely it's just his yeah. personality yeah, but yeah, yeah. the way to word it that way yeah. is like dude you're a you get, get out of here man. uh and then arnold at at his, nedry's workstation look at this workstation what a complete slob just like throwing <laughs> stuff off yeah. the desk and then Muldoon, he what he's concerned about, the raptor fences aren't out, are they? Yep, the walls. Oh, no, 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 they're still on. 
Hammond, why the hell would he turn the other ones off? Why right? would he turn? Yeah, because they're finally realizing, I think he did this on purpose. Yeah, yeah. it's because it, he can't be found at the vending machine. Something He, d- he yeah. did this on purpose. So he's and trying course, to access the security, access main program. Access main program. Access, access yeah. main program. <laughs> and he's got like the cigarette in his mouth. It's I like love barely hanging out of yeah. his mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like real short. The cigarette yeah. is almost totally Because he's like, smoked it all the way to the end. Yeah, because he's, I mean, this is a stressful situation. Yeah. It's just like barely hanging in his mouth. It's a great shot. Though. I love it. Um, um, and then you didn't say the magic word, call uh, Nedry's uh, people at, in Cambridge. And then, uh, let's see, the phones are out too. So we can't call anybody to get help. And then Hammond turns and says, where did the vehicle stop? And then we just go back to the goat. Yeah. It's the most brilliant transition. You just go back to the goat. And you know, and yeah, you yeah. know, oh no, oh like, gosh. no, <laughs> that's where, like, it's, it's, it's just brilliant filmmaking. Yeah. Like it's a, a brilliant filmmaking yeah. to make that cut on that question. And you know exactly where it's going and just start the tension just starts really rising here. It's just phenomenally well edited. Um, so radios are out. Are the kids okay? I didn't ask, why wouldn't they be? <laughs> kids yeah. get scared, says well, Malcolm. <laughs> What's scary? It's just a hiccup in the power. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I didn't say you were scared. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good conversation. That's such because a real that's how people real talk conversation. to each other. Oh that's what gosh. I'm saying. Like yeah, all the funny. acting. I, th- there's part of me that is so curious whether they were allowed to do a lot of like um, yeah. sort of uh, freestyling and and uh, what's the impromptu sort of lines yeah. back and forth, or whether they it was written this way in the original script? Because well, you mentioned the word "um" is in the script. Yeah, but I don't think it was in the script. I think it was put in later because be. that's what ended up happening. Yeah, this I, this what I'm reading is probably just transcripted straight okay, from like okay. the uh, the from, from the subtitles. Yeah, okay. But what I'm curious about is how close is this yeah. to the script they read and then memorized, and how much did they? add to it it feels to me like the kind of thing where the actors were given a lot of freedom to work with it and because it's so natural it feels so real when they're talking to each other it's crazy and this is another great example of that 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 interaction right there are the kids okay i didn't ask why wouldn't they be well kids get scared well, what's scary? It's just a little hiccup in the power. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I didn't say you were scared. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just letting you know. What, so the, that whole conversation was basically to say that Ian Malcolm, Ian Malcolm is scared. Yes. At least a little bit. A little because bit. he knows that something could go wrong. Well, because chaos theory is happening yes. right now. <laughs> and what I love too is that both Ian Malcolm and Alan Grant don't, or sorry, both John Hammond and Alan Grant don't love Ian Malcolm. Yep. But for totally different reasons. Totally different reasons, yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. so good. And then also, of course, the world is beginning to flood, right? So you're just seeing the floods yep. with Dennis Nedry and with, mm. at this moment, everything's, the floods are coming up. And also, did you notice this? Dennis Nedry had a photo of somebody on his desk. Oh, yes. It was a black and white photo of Robert Oppenheimer. Oh, I didn't cre- see that. creator of the atomic bomb. Yeah. Really? Uh, he has a famous quote that I am become death. Well, the quote is from the Bhagavad Gita, I think, but he said it after he had succeeded after the first A-bomb test. He was mm. like... I have become death, the destroyer of worlds or the ruler of worlds, something like that. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's on Dennis Nedry's wow. desk. So yeah. as far as what, who does Dennis Nedry look up to? It's the person who causes chaos. Yes. Right. The person who destroys and is, is become death. That's crazy. So I didn't see that. That's crazy. And that's, that's something really maybe John Hammond should have, should have had, seen. <laughs> had he been a little more omniscient, like a real God, he'd have been like, 
oh, that picture, that's Oppenheimer. <laughs> you idolize Oppenheimer? Maybe you're not the right guy for the yeah, job. Right, right. <laughs> now, some people still think he, he was a great scientist, right? He's, his, his work was just used. But yeah. unlike Einstein, Oppenheimer knew what he was doing. Yeah. Einstein was upset that his work was used to make the A-bomb, but Oppenheimer made the A-bomb. Yeah. So I, anyway, well, that, that movie is coming out this summer. It's the next um, Oh yeah. Next film from uh, Christopher Nolan. Oh, from Nolan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. I might watch that one then. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Killian, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy? He's is, in a lot of Nolan's movies. Yeah, oh, in the cool. movie. Looks pretty oh, that's good. That's fun. Um, <clears throat> okay, so then we go back into the other car. Gennaro's telling Timmy to put the... Night goggles the away. Night goggles away. Are they heavy? Yeah. Then <laughs> they're expensive. Put they're them expensive. back. They're expensive. Put them back. I know. This <laughs> lawyer is trying to deal with these kids. Like, he, he's out of his depth. He can't do that. But I love, again, from a filmmaking aspect, the yeah. reveal of the T-Rex is concealed for so long. For a long time. Uh, and a lot of it is in these POV of just these night vision goggles. He's looking around. That's right. You don't know, we're literally entering into a POV that is like horse blinders. It's like there's so much of the world we can't see right now. That's right. Something's out there. Look over there. (laughs) It's (laughs) coming from over there. (laughs) He looks and sees where the goat should be. Yes. And it's like, where's the goat? Where's the goat? Yep. And then, of course, the iconic... The earth leg. shaking with the the water, yeah, that's just right. On the on the dashboard, yeah. I mean, that is just iconic. One of the most iconic shots in the whole movie for yep, sure. Yep. Anytime um, I see that in a puddle or in a cup or yeah, anything, I'm like, Jurassic that's what Park. you think of. I just think of Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah, it's an amazing way of slowly just delaying the reveal of this, yeah. you know, impending doom and chaos that is coming and you know it's we know it's coming but they don't it's like you know mm-hmm. look over there oh my gosh it's that tyrannosaur you don't yep. know that the power the fences are off run away you know you're just panicking and anyway and then again where's the goat but then it's just the leg lands on the top on top it's a <sighs> nice jump scare and it's bloody and, yeah that's right <laughs> and then you see the reveal of the T-Rex swallowing. But little by little, first you just yep. see its head. And yep. their first reveal of the T-Rex was not CG. I think this was very smart. No, this was, The yeah. very first shot of the T-Rex, you see its head. Yep. Right? And you it's and it's an animatronic, right? Yep. So they sell you on that first before. It could be that Spielberg didn't know how good the CG was going to be. <laughs> uh, because I don't think he did at, well, the, at the time. In right? the documentary, because they were going to go the route of stop Climation, animation. Yeah. And then there was somebody on the team who was like, hey, let me give you some uh, screen tests. Um, I think we can do this in CGI. And they just basically went and did some lighting tests and just some yeah. stuff. So, so the, it's the, um, the, the, the Gallimimus Oh, yeah, that running. one. That's right. They put all the golf balls down so they could pull yeah. off the moving match move shot, yes. which is hard to do. And so yeah. they, they did some test shots, and they, and they were just blown away. They were like, holy crap. It, it, basically, that ended any discussion on yeah, stop animation. On it was like, okay. We're doing this. So instead. he knew it would be good. Yes. But I feel like the rain was meant to obfuscate yes, a little bit. I think that's true. That they showed the animatronic first to yes. sell you on it before the CG. There were several things that they did that kind of obscured their tricks. Like we know this. Yes. They, they're VFX tricks to, to cover up some potential. Yeah. You to know, blend it in with the scene. <clears throat> yes, and, and, to blend and it and a lot of rain and atmosphere really helps to do it that. It does, because yeah. you can't see as perfectly. into. Yeah. But later on, when they show the T-Rex, it still looks amazing. So yeah. I don't know if they needed to do it. But it was perfect for this scene to have it be night, raining, yeah. some obstructions, the fence, the the leaves, and all of that stuff. And then just showing the head first. As it swallows the goat, too. That and shot And then turns and looks so at good. them. Oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> it just kills me. It was so good. It's super good. And then Ian, boy, do I hate being right, right all, all the time. time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 
so funny because what is he right about? He's right about the fact that everyone else is always wrong. Like his whole mm. thing is that chaos will show up and will ruin your plans. So he's not right in that he predicted this. Yeah. He's only right in that he told everyone else who predicted their own things that they were going to be wrong. Yes. And that's what was right. Yes. <laughs> chaos theory wins again. Life found a way, dude. Yes. Um, Life always finds But a way. I guess before Nature they saw the, the before they saw the dinosaur, Gennaro runs to the freaking like bathroom. Yeah. Just soon, abandons the kids. Yeah. Oh, and he leaves the door open, I think, yep. right? Like what a total. Uh, he, left us, yeah. he left us. He left us super traumatic, right? Yeah. And, and then Grant's like, where does he think he's going? Going. And Malcolm, when you gotta go, you gotta go. Because <laughs> they don't realize. <laughs> they don't yeah. realize because they haven't seen the it yet. The fence has not yet snapped, right? No. But it happens very quickly. Yeah, it's, it's basically they turn and that's what starts happening. The 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 T Rex starts pulling the wires out and, yeah. and starts stepping through. And Lex gets a light for some reason. I don't know. It starts oh, like good. shining. Because you can't out. predict people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You can't predict it. It's like turn the light turn off. The turn light the light. Off. You're but Alan's the it only over one that knows. Yeah. So once again, had Alan been in the car with the kids, things yes, would have gone a lot gone better for everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, lawyer, That's such a good lawyer point. still would have died. That's a good point. But he's the only one who knew, and he couldn't talk to them. Yeah. Had Grant just given in and gone with the kids yeah this might not have gone as badly as it did yes well Gennaro probably yeah Gennaro was gonna leave either way so the dinosaur would have seen him yeah that guy was gonna die the rest of them might not have moved and might not that's a good point I didn't even think of that yeah I didn't either it's not in my notes (laughs) so Tim is telling her turn the light off turn the light off you know and then you get that great shot where the pupil the head comes down, down yeah. and she shines the light in its eye and the people that that yeah. sells it right so talk great. about selling an effect like yeah. having a pupil dilate having that attention to yeah. that minute of details it's because i wouldn't have noticed if it didn't dilate i yeah. wouldn't have but it did and that just sells it all the more Goes, so good yeah even further to selling this yeah so then thing. of course the t-rex is making a total mess of that car and this is where alan grant and uh, decides to get out and he lights a flare yeah right? and he's like i'm gonna distract it but there's a key difference between when Alan does it yep. and when um, Chaos Mal- Theory Man Malcolm Actually, does it. Actually, I had a thought about this. Okay. Because it, it comes across as if, oh, he doesn't realize that vision's based on movement. Right. And therefore, I, if I run with it, he's going to chase me. There, that's, that, that's, that's what I wrote. That's, but I think he might have done it on purpose to get the dinosaur to chase him. Oh, interesting. So that okay. he would get away from the kids. Because he's yeah. the whole time he's shouting, get the kids, get yes, the kids. That's no, right. throw it away, stop running, get the kids. Yeah. And he's running with the flare right. in order to save them. That's what I think he's doing. Very which interesting. Is, which is a, another aspect of his character again yeah. that kind of shows who he is as a person. I think sure. he was willing to die there To sacrifice himself. To save the children. Yeah. Which, which is, is so really funny. great. The guy who's always looking for a future ex-Miss <laughs> Malcolm yeah. is, is Mrs. Malcolm, I guess. Yeah. Ex-Mrs. Malcolm? Ex-Miss um, Malcolm, yeah. I don't know. I, how would you put Whatever that? Whatever he says. Um, is... This really good-hearted person who yeah. will, who will sacrifice like you can't just judge somebody just because right. they sleep with a lot of girls. It's like okay, maybe that's not like the best thing for people to do, but it doesn't mean you're a bad person. That yeah. person might is willing to die for yeah. kids. He doesn't even know these yeah. kids. It's just their kids. I will die. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. And uh, that's a well, good reason. We see in the second movie like how much he loves his own daughter and everything like that, right? So yeah, oh, that's um, true. In the second yeah. movie, that's a so big, he's you know, a good dad. He's he just is. a terrible husband. <laughs> so now, given that, now I actually like I like your reading better, but I'm still going to read my note here because yeah, I had a different take on Alan specifically, right? So Alan sacrifices himself to help the kids. Ian does too, but there's a big difference. Alan was chosen by John. John playing God. 
John chose Alan due to his understanding of dinosaurs, whereas Ian was picked by the lawyer for a very different reason. Yeah, right. Because he's a famous mathematician who has a lot of clout, you know, on yeah. the uh, in the entertainment world, I guess, or something. Yeah. Um, so while Ian is also willing to sacrifice himself, it isn't the right kind of sacrifice. It, it gets the lawyer killed, first of all, and he ends up very injured afterwards because of it. But Alan, however, knows how to properly distract the dinosaur. So he gives of himself, but he does so in accordance with the laws, what you can consider the laws of nature, mm-hmm. which is to do it to do it properly, not just his own will, which is what yeah. Ian Malcolm was going right. on. Um, now, that being said, I, it, it, if, if, even if Ian Malcolm, because I'm sure that Ian Malcolm did get, even if he didn't know right away, he intuited, oh, this will distract the dinosaur. The dinosaur yeah. will look at this. He intuited based on what Alan was doing that the vision was based on movement to some yeah, extent. Right. He just didn't stop moving because yes. I think he also wondered, I, he might have wondered if Alan was sacrificing himself too. And he yeah. was like, no, I'm going to save Alan. Well, right? he, he also does As well. eventually throw the flare. He does. But and he's running was. at that point. And, yeah. You know, so he, he clearly didn't know. He didn't know everything. That moving is... Yeah. But he was trying to get that flare as far yes. away from the kids as possible. Yes, which Alan's <clears throat> method maybe wasn't going to be enough. Maybe yeah. it was a little too, because he threw it, but yeah. T-Rex was still only going to be like 40 feet away, right? Right. Like that's only a temporary fix. Right. Ian was going for a longer... Yeah. Anyways, very good. I like that reading. I like that so, reading. and then Gennaro gets eaten on the toilet, which is yep. so satisfying. He's <laughs> praying the... He's praying the... He's saying yeah, the Hail Mary prayer. Hail Mary prayer, yep. yeah. Uh, and he gets the, uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord be... <laughs> Dinosaur comes through. Well, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, that shot too, just picking him up and swinging his body. That was good. Yeah. The ragdoll physics. I mean, this is before. So this convincing. is before like physics Still, engines. Right? I know. It's unbelievable. And so they That's probably animated, animated that hand. Yeah. That's hand animation. It looks so amazing. For sure. Now, Crazy. they did have a little setup though where they had connected the nodes to the joint. Um, yeah, sure. Of the T Rex, and so the claymators were still pretending they were claymating. Yes, they were. They but, were animating it as a claymator would yes, have animated. But yes. it gave the data to the computer that yes. you know made it work in the CG world, it's um, awesome. which was an interesting medium between claymation and CG. Right. I, they don't do that anymore. They though. <laughs> uh, but they that rely could on be, physics simulations. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that could be how they were able to get that to look so good, though. Yep. And then. Uh, Lex is, you know, screaming, moving, and, and Grant, of course, trying to tell her, be quiet, don't move. He can't yep. see you if you don't move. And you get the whole turning the thing around. Yeah, but it g- blows his hat off <laughs> with, with his nose. Yep. Uh, I think uh, since the time this movie's come out, they've they've basically said T-Rex yeah. probably didn't well, have vision that was based on movement. Here's the thing, though. It, and it would have smelled you anyways. <laughs> exactly. It had a really good nose. Yeah. Um, even though, so there's a lot of things about this that aren't, probably true like the warm-blooded hypothesis is sure maybe true but most paleontologists don't think that yeah um the whole vision based on movement is kind of weird the velociraptor wasn't that tall like there's all sorts of like things where you can look at it and say okay the movie got this this and this wrong but each thing that they got wrong was done with a purpose it was done to contribute to the theme of the of the movie yes, right. even the warm-blooded hypothesis yes. they just go with it as fact here <clears throat> and it doesn't matter if it's really fact or not yes it within the confines of the story it's just telling you hey all the scientists got it wrong. Yes. And, which which and would happen in blood. real life too. Which exactly. If we exactly. did bring a dinosaur back to life right now, we would We'd, find out all the scientists this was were wrong. wrong too. This was wrong. <laughs> yes, that's we the would. Point. Yes. Um, and that's more the point of building towards the themes. Because if they kept it strictly 
you know, scientifically correct and accurate all the time, you would miss out on a few of the thematic elements, uh, such yeah. as that one. Right. right. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the, they go down on the wire, the car gets pushed off into the tree, yeah. they're swinging In around. That continuity or, error. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. Because like, where did that freaking fall? come from does not like, matter <laughs> the goat was right there it's you could there. see the ground plane you could see the goat on the ground yeah and yeah. then they step over and it's like this freaking huge oh. drop how did the dinosaur walk out of that <laughs> yes <laughs> and even in the movie they knew this yeah. editing the film they had they, to have known they had to have known I, but it's it, crazy you just don't really notice Doesn't it really matter when you first watch it yeah. and awesome even if you scene. do you don't care <laughs> yeah it's like i don't care You're this so, is sweet at this point nothing like this had ever been seen in a movie. You're just so scared out of your freaking mind yeah. that a real dinosaur is on, I know, on camera it's so right cool. now. It's like, holy crap. You're not thinking about anything other than you hope that they escape. <laughs> so then um, we go back. Uh, John Hammond uh, tells Robert Muldoon to take a car to go rescue his. He says, uh, mm -hmm. I hate to ask you this, but can you go rescue my grandchildren, basically? Mm -hmm. And Robert Muldoon's willing to do it. Yep. So that's where the car comes from. Yep. Because uh, because they're talking about how many lines of code there are to go through. Yeah, he says um, like just reboot the whole. System whatever it did, it did it all. But with the key checks off, the computer file the computer didn't file the keystrokes. So the only way to find them now is to go through the computer's lines of code one by one. Oof. How many lines of code are there? Says about Eddie. two million. About two million. <laughs> two million. Yeah. So they just have and to that's reboot when he the says, whole system. Yeah. Robert, I wonder if perhaps you'd be good enough to get a gas cheap and bring back my grandchildren. Yep. Sure. So relying on, once again, gas, old technology, yep. right? They were driving electric vehicles, yep. and now it's like, hey, this isn't working. Can you can you use the old world's work that I didn't create, yep. and can you use it to, to help me, you yep. know? So he's slowly starting to realize his mistakes, and uh, this his realizations will continue for the next hour of the movie. And so Ellie um, goes with him, and they go find yeah. the remains of the cars. Um, well, actually, first... There's the scene where Alan goes up in, in the, tree the tree. Yeah, to get I won't him. tell anyone you threw up. Yeah, yeah I won't tell anyone. You, I threw up. Like <laughs> Again, of all the things to care that's about. That's exactly what kids do, though. I know that's it so is. true it to really life. Is. Like the last thing an adult would be thinking in a situation, it's the like, kid oh, so is worried about. Yeah, yeah. I'm embarrassed. They threw up. I, I won't tell anyone. You or threw peed up. your pants or whatever. It's yeah, like, does not matter, dude. <laughs> just, it's fine. <laughs> just it's fine. fine, dude. And then even just that whole sequence is really cool. Like they're going the down and the, the down. car's coming down and now, it falls on top of them. And you, you could just like go around, around the tree. But the tree. you know, whatever. We're, we're not going to, you know. It's great. Be too picky because um, the way so it happened was cool. Grant is now basically in charge of the safety of these two kids and he's going to learn to really like them. Yeah, he's kind of cuddling and, up with them. They're huddling yeah, together. He's you up know, in the tree and they see the... Yeah. The brachiosaurus comes over. Oh, Just think yeah, of it that like that's a big cow. It's not a, a monster. Big cow. <laughs> it's not a monster. It's an animal. Lex. Yeah. This is a, this is a, what is she? A veggie saurus, right? Veggie saurus, right? It's not uh, a metasaurus, right? Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's no. And then she tries to touch it and it sneezes on her. And anyway. Well, once again, this, this is uh, another unpredictability with the sneeze, but like the animals are sick, right? Yes. Like, why is a brontosaurus sneezing at us? Well, yes. I don't know why, but something's wrong, right? With the like, dinosaurs, they're all sick. of them. They're sick. Yep. They're all sick. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, exactly. There's this other one too where they're saying, hey, they have this talk at night, you know, after the, the branch and all that. And the kids are saying, hey, what are you going to do now? Dinosaurs are back. Paleontologists yep. aren't important anymore. And he said, well, I guess I'll just have to evolve too. Yeah. Right? And he's holding that the claw, raptor claw. The raptor claw. Mm -hmm. And um, he's he moving. Th this is really good because yes. he's warming up to the kids. Yes. Which 
itself is moving him towards a more generative future, right? Yes. To be afraid of children is to be afraid of the future, right? Yeah. If you hate kids, you hate the future <laughs> because that's and, and crotchety old men, you know that they exist, right? And yeah. they and that they hate kids. They well, hate they, the future. They hate the present. Once you get old enough, the kids are running things, and you're you just hate yeah. everything, <laughs> right? But hating children is hating the future. As he gets closer to the children, he gets closer to the idea of him having children, and then the the concept of a generative future, a future that that can continue, you know, even through him. Uh, becomes more and more closer to being realized, right? Yeah. More of a possibility in his well, mind. Well, it's also the process of evolution is passing yes, to exactly. the next generation. Yeah. And that's what he's trying to do. He's, he's, he's going to evolve now. Exactly. And he, and he will then, um, you know, create or be, be part of creating the next future. Yeah. Uh, but he's also, at the same time, he's letting go, go of his of old past. self. Yeah, he's letting go Drops of the past. the raptor claw. That's Loved so good. It. Yeah, me too. Loved he's that. changing. He's becoming better. He's not worrying about the past anymore. He's looking ahead towards the future, and children are the future. I can't. Whenever movies, you know, whenever children are in movies in a way like this, it's like they're, they're, what, they're, what is being referenced here symbolically is the future. That's what yes. children represent. That's great. So then um, we got who better? Early. Yes. Oh, well, one, one other line just here. This is from John. Hammond, I guess. Oh, yes, yes. Well, who, who else? Who better to get the children through Jurassic Park than a dinosaur expert? Expert, right? yep. So while everything went wrong, fate is smiling on John Hammond in, in a few specific ways that were completely out of his control. Yes. Right? So now that he's accepted that he's lost control, he's starting to see little rays of light, basically. Little ways that, um, that you know... How, how do you even put that? How do you even put that? He's starting to see the ways that when you let go and let life just happen, that the things you were worried about will, or there, that there's still a way, that you don't have to yeah. control everything. Life finds a way. That life finds a way. Life That's a good a way, way to put it. Yeah. You don't have to control everything, that if you just let things go as they will, and if you put the right pieces in place, that it will go. It won't do what you want it to do, but it will find its own way, yeah. right? And that's what's happening here. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. So then we get the scene where Ellie and Muldoon find the wreckage. Oh my gosh, where are they? They're looking around trying to find the other car. They don't even know where the second car is at. It's crazy. They find Ian Malcolm uh, badly wounded, yeah. uh, his leg broken, you know, and they're like, just like desperately looking, looking. That's looking. right. Um, uh, where's the other car? Uh, and then they find it. They go down there and they find the, you know, the footprints where they had left off. So they know that he's- That's right. That yeah. The children- That they lived. And that Alan are okay. Yeah. Um, but also there's some funny lines with Malcolm, right? So, uh, you know, I think it's ahead of us. They hear the T-Rex in, in the distance. Right. Muldoon says it could be anywhere with the fences down. It can wander in and out of any paddock it likes. And Ellie says, uh, he's put a tourniquet on Ian, Ian, uh, cause he's his leg or whatever. Right. Remind me to thank John for a lovely weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you hear the That's roar funny. again. Can we chance moving him? Yes, please chance it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so then, then it, and then it gets he, close. He sees the water thing. He, this is another example of him being alone, talking to yes. himself. Because <laughs> they all went to check out the wreckage of the other car, yeah. and he's just sitting in the back of the Jeep, and you just see the puddle of rent, like the like, rain puddle. Uh, guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's just like, um, what does he say? It's so funny. Anybody hear that? He's talking to himself. Anybody no one's there. That? You know what that is? It's an impact tremor is what it is. I'm fairly alarmed here. <laughs> that's my, I think that was oh, my hilarious. favorite line in the whole movie. I'm fairly alarmed I'm here. I'm fairly alarmed here. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is hysterical, man. That is so funny. <laughs> Just oh talking to gosh. himself. Yeah, he's hilarious. So they so, come running back. 
Do they do they go back to John Hammond pretty soon after this? Yeah, so the, you know, this is the okay. chase where it must go faster because, and that's another iconic shot from this movie is the in, in all the rearview mirrors it says objects may be closer. That's than right. And yes. the T Rex's face is like right on top right. of it. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh! And he's like. Malcolm is like leaning back and he like That's gets right. onto the stick. Get off the stick! Like. I know, but yeah, he's freaking out. He can't. Uh... Oh, that's right because it's a stick shift car so yeah. you need to go back in order yes, to gear it up right. and he can't do it yeah. and anyway they, they do eventually outrun it and they go back to uh, you know yeah. kind of the main and this scene was filmed where... in Universal Studios back lot there's a there's a place I've been there but there's a little trail where they, this chase oh, took place yeah, right. and it's in LA yeah. um, it's just right there in the back lot right there in LA it's crazy yep. Okay, so we talked about the tree scene. Uh, this is, I well, think, my next favorite scene. The restaurants, restaurants where Hammond and Ellie are talking. Perfect. That's for me. I'm, that's what I got. This was the best scene in the movie. Oh, hold on, on hold watch. on, hold on. I just thought of something. When the Brachiosaurus sneezed, mm -hmm. Tim shouts, "God bless you." Yes, God bless you. <laughs> I never cared about that. The yeah. specific where it's just what you say, yes, right? Right. But to say God bless you in the context of this movie is uh, very interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay. But Let's this was going. my this was my favorite scene. Of the I love it. Too. This, I've got a lot of notes. This here. is where the theme of the story is like is the the the, the nail is hit on the head. It's yeah. driven all the way in. Yeah, it's become it's like too clear. We've made the point. Yep. Like the, now, you, there's no denying it anymore. Hammond. Yeah. Well, Hammond's trying right. to. He's right? trying to. He's yeah. still trying to deny it. So he's talking about his life and how he's, his first theme park he ever made was a flea circus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, it's all animatronics, basically. It's just all the things are designed to move and you can't yeah. really see the fleas. That's but, right, yeah. You know, oh, can't you see the fleas, mommy? Oh, I can mommy, see the fleas. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the little, like a circus, but like all of the attractions are moving on their own. It's yeah. supposed to be these tiny fleas that are- That are making it, giving it magic. That was fairies, his first right? ever attraction, right? When I came down from Scotland, first attraction I built was a flea circus. Petticoat Lane, really quite wonderful. We had a wee trapeze and a merry-go-round carousel and a seesaw. They all moved, motorized, of course, but people would say they could see the fleas. Um, I can see the fleas, mommy. Can't you see the fleas? Clown fleas, high wire fleas, fleas on parade. But with this place, I wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion, something that was real, something they could see and touch. Hmm. An aim not devoid of merit. He's still trying to yeah. justify He's himself. He's saying, I had the right intention. It didn't work out, but I had the, I was right in the intention, right? Yeah. He, he's trying to justify it. Yeah. But you can't think through this one, John. You have to feel it. You're Ooh. right. You're absolutely right. Hiring Nedry was a mistake. That's obvious. We're over-dependent yeah. on automation. I can see that now. Now, the next time, everything's correctable. She's just like, John, oh, John, creation is an act of sheer will. Next time, it'll be flawless. It's still the flea circus. It's all an illusion. Yeah. But when we have control again, you never had control. That's, That's so good. the illusion. <laughs> yep. I, that is the best line in the movie, even that though my is. favorite line was, I'm fairly alarmed here. Yeah. But <laughs> the best control line in the movie is, is you never had control. That's the illusion. There you go. We had Boom. our moral question. Yep, yep. Here's the answer to the moral question. You never had control. That's the illusion. Yeah. Bow tie on that. Yeah. Slap it. Perfect freaking line. Now, and, I was yeah. overwhelmed by the power of this place. Oh, totally. Well, I made a mistake too. I didn't have enough respect for that power, and it's out now. The yeah. only thing that matters now are the people we love, Alan, Lex, and Tim, and John. They're all out there where people are dying. And this is what finally wakes him up. 
Yeah. Right. Because he even has the line later where he's asking Arnold to reset the system. And he's like, oh, well, the, all these things he brings up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, people are dying. People are dying. Will you please reset the system? Yeah. Like it's, there's no more, he's finally accepted it. Yeah. And, and then she's the one that drives it home for him in the scene. Yeah. And it's just so well delivered, so well acted. They're like eating ice cream because it's all melting because all the freezers are. Yeah, the are, freezers are broken. <laughs> so just eat it on the uh, It's and, and, and I love that line. And she says uh, where people are dying and he just looks at her and she's like, so, and she's crying and she's eating she the ice cream. She takes some ice cream too. Like we said yeah. earlier, this is so funny because there's this tension between the two of them. She's yeah. not eating with him. Yes. They aren't eating together. And yes. that is a huge symbol there, which is when you eat together, you're communing together. You're, yeah. you're, you're joining, you're, be, you're both made of the same stuff because you are mm. what you eat. How right. about that? There you go. And well, by not partaking, you're refusing to be made of the same stuff that the other person's made of. But as their conversation continues, as she gets the point, as he finally understands, then she reaches forward. And she starts eating with him. Yep. And she and she's like, it's good, you know. Yep. And so finally, she's she has reproached him with an iron rod, yep. and now she is um, oh, what's the word? Now she is um, like being gentle. Yeah. In afterwards, she made range. her point, and yeah. now she is, you know, communing with him properly by eating by them eating together. Yeah. Um, even though it's just frozen, like melting ice cream. Yes. Um, and I love how it leaves off. It's this wide shot. It makes him small. The ah, whole yes. movie, he has He's had this big. gun complex, yeah. and now she well, has just while everyone made was sitting, him small. Yes, while everyone yeah. was sitting, Dennis Nedry and Arnold, and he yeah. was standing. Yes. So he was always above everyone. Yes. And and she has finally yes. made him realize he's a just but a man. He's and, a small man. And so we get this super wide shot yeah. of the table. They're That's really so far good. away. And he's just tiny in the frame. And he says... Spared no expense. Spared no expense. Oh, because she said the food was good. Because the ice cream was yeah, good. Yeah, and he said spared no expense. Oh, it's man. so and, But that's pitiful, good. though. That's like just a little it's pitiful. so sad. Because he did, and he knows it now. He spared, he he spared he several did. expenses. He did. Spared ah, that poor, I feel bad for him. I know. And that's what's ah. so great about this version of the story. Yeah, yeah. Is that it's you don't just bucket. hate him the whole time. Yeah. It's, it was way more obvious, black and white, on the nose. You feel bad for him. But you know that he deserves the consequences that are coming. Yes, totally. but he's he does have some power to yeah. try to help them get out of the situation. Right. So he's 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 turned now. He's fully off of the. We'll get control again. She she snapped it out of yep. him. Right. And my note for this scene is that uh, reverence for power is not one of humans' abilities. I think <laughs> <laughs> I don't think humans are able to to rever revere power. It just it's something that ends up controlling us in the end. Yep. Okay, so, so the next we, scene is that they're breeding, right? Yes, they find the eggs. The eggshells and what yeah, in the world? Yeah, what is going on? Uh, this yeah. is the, I'm a hacker. That's what I said, you're a nerd. I'm not a computer <laughs> nerd. I prefer to be called a hacker. And think and, about this, in the early 90s. Yes, this like, was true. This was a big deal. <laughs> uh, like, who was a hacker in 1993? You know, like, yeah. I'm not saying they didn't exist. I actually knew my uncle was one. Well, my Riley's dad mm -hmm. um, was a hacker. He was he was crazy, um, for in a lot of ways. Um, but he that that was this was an uncommon profession back yes. then. The internet basically was available to the public in basically something like ninety three. Yeah. So if you're a hacker in ninety three, yeah. like you're you're, you're way, way ahead, ahead of the curve. Of the, oh, absolutely, yeah. and yeah. you are probably absolutely a nerd. <laughs> yes. Back then, for sure. Yeah, but Grant had stopped along the way. Do you know what this is? It's a dinosaur egg. The dinosaurs are breeding. Tim, but my grandpa said all the dinosaurs were girls. 
And he says amphibian DNA. And you're like, what? There's some African, yeah, you know, on the tree tour, frogs that can. Yeah, the film DNA. said that frog DNA was used to fill the gene sequence gaps. They muted. Uh, mutated the dinosaur's genetic code and blended it with that of frogs. Some species of West African frog are known to spontaneously change sex from male to female in a Depending single sex environment. Population, yeah, yeah. Right? Malcolm was right. Look. And then they see all the prints of the little dinosaurs yeah. running away. Life found a way. Life and I love how they play this way. off. They, they could have easily played this off like it's sort of like a horror moment. Like, yeah. holy crap, it just got worse. Yeah. But it's played off as a beautiful thing. Yes, absolutely. Like, life yeah. is amazing. Like, wow. This is incredible well, stand, that this happened. Stand in awe. Yeah. And, and reverence Respect at the it. power of nature, yeah. basically. It's amazing. It is, yeah. And as a, as a scientist, that's what he's feeling. He's just like, yeah. this is amazing. Even though yeah. their lives are in danger and like, yeah. he, he can't help but just be like in awe at how incredible life and unpredictable yeah. life is. And once again, if this isn't scientifically possible, that's not <laughs> the relevant. Point, yes. The movie is yes. making a really good point that transcends whatever the uh, rational scientific knowledge will suggest, right? There's a, as we talked about the theme, the overarching theme that is, that sits on top of science or that sits on top of the story itself dictates that certain things fit you know, in a certain way. And right. that's what they did. They changed some facts, right? So that it would fit their story. Every movie does this. Yes, All movies do. Sure. The reason they do it is because they they think the facts are subservient to the greater yes. thematic, ethical um, what question. Call it? framework yeah. within which the story is nested. Yeah. yeah. Or the question. That's a good yeah. way to put it. Okay, this is where the so Gallimimus show up. Our next scene is the shutdown, where oh, they're okay. going to shut down all the computers, and uh, Arnold's really against it. Ellie's like, wait a minute, what, what does this mean? What are you guys talking about? We're talking about a calculated risk, my dear, which is about the only option left to us. We will never find the command that Nedry used, because they got to go through two million lines of code to find it. Two million. He yeah. covered his tracks far too well. I think it's obvious now he's not coming back. So shutting down the system, yeah. I won't do it. You have to get somebody else because I will not. Yep. Shutting down the system is the only way to wipe out everything that he did. Yep. Now, as I understand it, all the systems will then come back on in their original startup mode, correct? Theoretically, yes. Theoretically, but yes. But we've never shut down the entire system before. It, it may not, may come, not back, come back on at all. Come back on at all. Uh, would we get the phones back? Yes. Again, in theory. What about the lysine contingency, says Maldoon or Muldoon? We could put that into effect. Now, what is that, by the so way? So she's asked, what's that? And, and Hammond, absolutely out of the question, does not want that. The lysine contingencies intended to prevent the spread of the animals in case they ever get off the island. Okay. Dr. Wu inserted a gene them, right? that creates a single faulty enzyme and protein metabolism. Mm. The animals can't manufacture the amino acid lysine unless they're completely supplied, or unless they're completely supplied with lysine by us. So they're in their diet, basically. So unless they get a very specific diet from them, a measure of control, they slip into a coma and die. Mm, right. That's right. Yeah. And Hammond saying people that. are dying. People are dying. So essentially this is a plan in which it would take time. They would just have to wait long enough and the dinosaurs would just die on their own. And, and basically they wouldn't have to shut off the system. They'd be safe in their little compound where they and are right now. And just wait it out. And yeah. just wait it out. And Hammond's like, no, there are people out there yeah, who are dying right now. Yeah. Turn off the system. Shut it yeah. down. Right? And then Arnold shuts it down. And this is the hold on to your butts. Yeah. Shuts it off. I noticed for some reason, Google Docs, man, my notes are a jumbled <laughs> I don't know what happened. This has happened once before. Oh, is it my just notes all got filtered in with each other? They're oh, all that sucks. all over the place. That's crazy. 
Yeah. That's never happened but to me before. That sucks. It hasn't. It's mm-hmm. uh, very strange. Anyways, I think I'm good. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, at first, it seems like they didn't come back on. None of the lights come back on. Yeah. And it's like, uh-oh, did it not, not work? And he's like, oh, 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 no, wait. That's okay. Look at that. See? It worked. Because like the, the command prompt saying like, had a cursor. Yeah. It's like, it's like uh, ready for whatever. Yeah. You know. And then you can start. So the system is yeah. ready to input information. Yeah, Malcolm's is like, what do, you, what do you, wait a minute, what do you mean it worked? Everything's still off. So like yeah. maybe the shutdown tripped the circuit breakers. All we have to do is turn those back on, reboot a few systems, phone security, half a dozen others, but it worked. The system's ready. So where are the breakers? Maintenance shed, other end of the compound. Three minutes, I can have the power back on the entire park. So he's just going to walk across the compound, yeah. turn the circuit breakers back on, and we'll be good. And it'll be good. And <laughs> but in doing this, in resetting the whole thing, because remember before they yep. said, oh, the velociraptors were still. That was the one fence yeah. that was not shut down. And now it is shut down. And yes. the velociraptors know immediately yes. that it is not This shut is down. so great because this yeah. is, again, it's set up so well. John Hammond, I bless his heart. <laughs> he's trying to control things, even been shutting everything down. He's trying to control it. Yes. And he just can't. He can't. He set himself up for failure and he cannot yep. get a break. So Hammond says, just to be safe, I want everyone in the emergency bunker until Mr. Arnold returns and the whole system's up and running again. And then we get to the stampede scene and with the Gallimimus, right? They're out kind of in the open. Yeah, and this is that this mo- match move, the tracking shot yes. that we talked about. Really good shot. Um, it, so... I don't know if this is common knowledge now, but moving shots with CG are very difficult. They're really hard. So most of these shots you'll notice in this movie, most of these shots are locked down, are locked down camera, maybe mm-hmm. a pan, maybe a tilt, just yep. a little bit. But there isn't much pushing, pulling, tracking, like There's no lateral movement. movement. Yeah. And because when you do that, how do you make sure that you're um, – that your on-screen element stays, acts as though it's in position in, in the, the real world. Position, yeah. And uh, the way that you do that is through what's called a match move. Yeah. Um, and what they did for this one is they spaced golf balls exactly apart. They measured them. You don't have to do it this much anymore. But back yeah. then, they had never really done shots like this before. And so what you do is you put these tracking points that a camera can pick up, and you space them exactly the right distance apart. So each golf ball was... I don't know. Let's two, call it two yards two apart. Two, three or, yards, yeah. yeah. And then they were in a perfect grid. So they set up this perfect grid of, uh, well, at least the hinge points would be a grid of those. And that way, when they brought it into CG, they could just overlay those exact measurements over onto a scene right. and then pull back at the rate that the car was moving. It would track the whole scene and just make sure that your grid lines up with those points, right? Yep. And then you can pull off the shot. Right. And this is what Spielberg was skeptical of. Yes. Like, are you sure we can How do that? How can we do a that moving sound shot right. with this? Yeah. Yes. Because and it had never been done before. They had the theory in mind, oh, if we overlay the grid on the on the golf balls, and then I'm sure explaining it to him, he'd have rolled his eyes and been like, <laughs> show me the product, right? Yeah, right? So they had to go show it to him. And the fact that they could do it is something else. I think yeah. it's a miracle shot, it's especially incredible. in 1993. Yeah, because the shot is they're running, and the camera is tracking with them as they're running. Yeah, and exactly. the, the dinosaurs are running all, all around, around them. them. It's a very complicated yeah. special effects shot. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. It's much easier to do today. And it's kind of bumpy. You're driving on grass you, and the you truck. Can, you can track shots now Pretty without easily. putting anything in the scene no, at all. It's actually like, really the easy The computer now. can just like <laughs> track it on its own and yeah. it's really good at it now. Oh, so but, like think of Instagram filters or Snapchat, like yeah. the way it tracks your face now. Yeah. But that's the same idea. It's just way, way advanced. It's just automated at yeah. this point. But back then they couldn't no, do that. Dude. And so they had to put physical objects and measure them perfectly. Yeah. And uh, it, they pulled it off. It, it's 
totally seamless. Yeah, so good, so good. So the, there's a whole flock of these Gallimimus dinosaurs. They're running away from a Tyrannosaurus rex, and they come Kay. flocking so this way. <laughs> tell me, they're, they're flocking this way? I love that line. <laughs> yep. Tell me why this note is here. Okay. Yeah, but John, if Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat that's, the tourists. That's when he said um, everything was broken uh, yes, so that was first. like well, 30 minutes ago. I think ago, I right? said that 30 minutes ago, but I think he says that oh, good. Okay. after they went and got Ian Malcolm back and they brought him back. Actually, okay. no, no, you're right. They say this when they're inside of the, um, when they're inside of the, the emergency bunker. Oh, really? So they're down there in the emergency bunker, and this is when he says- Ah, uh, okay, so my note is correct then. It's yeah, well placed. Everything, uh, now John, like, or no, sorry- Everything at Disneyland didn't work when they first opened yeah. it. Like everything went wrong. And he's like, yeah, but the difference is <laughs> so Pirates good. of Caribbean breaks down. The pirates don't eat the tourists. Yeah. <laughs> I love that line. That's yeah, such a genius he's, analogy. He's great. Um, yeah, anyways, yeah, the T-Rex eats the Gallimimus. Yeah, and it, again. <laughs> thrashes him. Really well convincing shot. Yeah. And this is in broad daylight. Broad daylight. There's no atmosphere. Yeah. This was probably from a from like a compositing standpoint oh, an even yeah. harder shot to pull yep, off to sell, than yeah. the the rain scene um and it just i mean i'm looking at a gif like a low resolution gif looks really good <laughs> looks so freaking good i can't believe it's it it's unbelievable man. it's crazy but they the T-Rex does not see them so they're able to hide behind a log and get out yeah and then okay. they make it up to the fence that they're not sure if it's on or off right <sighs> And he, uh, the joke that Alan Gotta pulls on the it. kids. Oh, that was he so He throws mean. the stick. <laughs> but I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's on. <laughs> He's joking, right? They climb over. I remember as a kid being like, why did he do that? I know, right? <laughs> what a like, mean guy. That's so mean. <laughs> He's trying um, to lighten the mood. It's such a heavy, heavy atmosphere. But in, well, I guess before that scene is when Muldoon they're, and they're, they're realizing something's not right because it's yeah, been Ray way more than three back. minutes and he's yeah. not back yet. Something's wrong. Something happened. Um, and this is the line. Yeah. Uh, it's just a delay. All major theme parks have delays. Why? When they opened Disneyland in 1956, nothing <laughs> oh, worked. Good. Yeah. But John at the Pirates, anyway, we were talking about that. <laughs> I can't wait anymore, says Ellie. Something went wrong. I'm going to go yep. out there and turn the power back on. You can't stroll down the block, you know, says Muldoon. Like, <laughs> it's not that easy. Let's not be too hasty. He's only been gone. He checks his watch like he trails off. <laughs> He's been gone. It a was long supposed time. to be three minutes. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then Muldoon says, I'm going with you. So Muldoon and Ellie are going. Now, here is the one thing I, I, I talked about this, I think, in an earlier episode. But this is yeah, yeah. one thing I wish in another universe, another version of Jurassic Park, they could have done something with this. But mm. Ellie's going and Hammond is objecting to that, saying, like, I should be going. It ought to be me that's going. And yeah. she's like, why? Well, because, because I'm, I'm a, uh, and you're, and you're uh, uh, you know, the sexist angle. Yeah. And she goes, you know, look, uh, we, we can discuss sexism in survival situations when I get back. <laughs> Just take me through this step-by-step step on channel two. Yeah. Now, it shouldn't have been that he's saying I should go because I'm a man and you're a woman. Yeah. It should have been I should be going because I was there at the birth of these animals and they imprinted on me. That's right. And they I'm in control. Might not eat they me. won't That's eat me. Right. I'm their yeah. father. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right? And then And he, then he and gets then eaten. he would get eaten. <laughs> that would which have in, been which the books that have him die. I think thematically would have been perfect. Yeah. I think I agree with this you. version of Hammond which is more lovable and warm yeah. and he doesn't die. Yeah. In this type of uh, blockbuster meant for wider audiences, it might not have been as satisfying for Hammond to die. 
yeah. people probably wanted to see him survive, generally speaking. Yep. But thematically, it would have been way more interesting if he tested his theory that the dinosaurs would not harm him because- Because he was their he god. imprinted on them and he's yeah. in control. Yeah. And he finds out he's not when they and tear him apart. When it's, and then, and then that's, that's his last memory. That's how it should have gone. Oof. But they that didn't do that. would have been brutal. Would have been brutal. Anyway, she's going back to turn the power back on. At the same time, that they've arrived at this fence. So they're climbing the fence. Alan gets the other side. Ellie gets the other side. Or sorry, Lex gets the other side. Tim is kind of slow and he's up top and he's scared. Yeah, he can't move well. And as he's, soon yeah. as Ellie switches the breakers on, you, you, you're, she's starting to turn it on. They get yeah. the warning. Like the power's coming back on. Okay, yeah. jump, jump. You have to jump now. I'm going to yep. count to three. One, two. Then he won't jump, He right? can't jump. Yeah. Now- this is another continuity error yes. here because <laughs> so funny. if you look at the wide shot oh of where gosh. Tim is way up high, yes. Alan is, I don't know, 50 feet back. He's way <laughs> back. He's so, and he's like, jump, Tim, I'll catch you. And, and he's, he's, he's so way far away. <laughs> Tim would have died, dude. Now they probably did that because- Well, he gets in the, blown back, as in, you see. In the framing of the shot, too, to see like him, the way yeah. it's framed, you need to be able to see Alan in the shot. Yeah. And so they probably had to push him back, cheat him backwards to yeah. get him into the frame. But just I use agree. a wider angle lens. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, when when Tim finally gets shocked, yeah, he, he does he, get blown he, back. He does. So yeah. he and possibly 40 feet or however <laughs> far, yeah. uh, maybe more like 20. Um, yeah. But he does get blown back. But Alan was telling him to jump and he would not have been blown back that if he far. jumped. Yeah. And it was not going to be a, a fun situation. That's true. <laughs> so. Also, but uh, electricity wouldn't, blow you back I like don't this think anyways. it would it usually you actually end up oh, getting like you attracted would. to it well, which is what you're, alan you're, did when yeah. he pretended to grab it yeah your, your muscle like. muscles tense up yeah, and you yeah. would actually grab onto it harder and you wouldn't be able to let go because all your muscles would be contracting that's how because all the electricity yeah. would just keep flowing i've yeah. been shocked a couple times that's basically it always makes you like you're trying yeah you're you try to pull that up but you're like you lose control of your muscles because all of the muscles contract yeah. So that's, he wouldn't get blown back either way. Nope. So that, you know, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, doesn't matter. Does doesn't not matter. matter. Okay. He yeah. gets shocked and he falls off and he catches him and, and he, he says does CPR. Three. Oh, yeah. yeah and uh, he ends up being okay, but his hand's really damaged. He, they wrap his hands wrap up. Wrap him in bandages, yeah. And his but hair they, is just a mess after at that. At that point, this group, who we've been separated from the other for the whole movie, have now made it back to the compound. Mm. So they're back, you know, where Hammond and everyone's supposed to be at but they don't yeah. know where they are. So he yeah, leaves no them there. there with the food. Yeah, he's like, he's, it's safe here, right? And yeah, I'm going to yeah. go look for Ellie. Stay here. You're safe now. Yeah. I'll go find the others. So that leaves us off with them. Yeah. But Ellie. With Robert Muldoon. Yes. They come to the uh, the little jungle place there. Yep. And all of a sudden, Robert Muldoon's like, stop, don't move, don't move. <laughs> he just realized something. Yep. He takes his hat off. <laughs> And she's like, why? What's wrong? He says, because we're being, we're being hunted. hunted. I love that Oh, line. man. He's the coolest character. He's man. so cool. He should have lived and John should have died. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> basically, he puts everything down. He gets his shotgun right. And I don't think John was happy about him bringing the shotgun, by the way. I, that could be me remembering from I the book. I think you're right. Or I think in the movie. Well, I was like, he, what do you need that for? And But yeah. I might be thinking of the book there. Maybe. Because John was a lot more protective of don't kill my animals in the book. Yeah. Um, but- he gets it all set up, you know. He's got the the stock out, and he shoulders the gun, and he tells her, "Run towards the shed." Towards the shed. <laughs> <clears throat> and so, I've got go, her. run now! Yeah, I've got her. So, <laughs> what's great about this is this is this is playing out the exact scene 
from the very beginning yep. when the kid is like, it looks like a turkey. And Alan Grant's like, all right, let me tell you a situation. You've got a velociraptor in your sight. You see it. You don't know if it sees you, mm -hmm. right? And as soon as you think that it's going to make a move, it doesn't attack you. It You get hit not from the front, but from the side. Because yep. while you were busy watching this velociraptor, the other two were mm -hmm. busy flanking you. Yep. And then, boom, you get knocked on the side. They're pack hunters. So, they communicate with each other and yeah. coordinate. Yeah, so, so they have a high level of intelligence. And Robert Muldoon knows this. But you can't, even if you know how velociraptors Maybe he are, didn't know. Oh, that's a good Maybe point. Maybe he didn't. Maybe Alan Grant knew yeah, more than he did right. at that point. Because he's not that's a dinosaur a expert and he's a hunter and he thinks... Yeah. Again, he thinks he's in his realm. Now. He thinks he's he shooting thinks a lion. He's in control. Or a zebra. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Maybe he doesn't know that. And so then it was a total surprise. Because it takes him, him by surprise and he turns on and goes, Clever. Clever girl. girl. I did not know yeah. that you would do that. You are smarter than I yeah. thought. Which is funny because he was never one to underestimate their intelligence. But yep. in this moment, he does. He, he underestimates it yep. to, his own, to his own demise. Um, but yeah, that line, clever girl. So he gets killed from the side. Of course, the Velociraptor waits a second, doesn't attack right away. Because yeah, it's, it's a movie. Builds the tension. <laughs> you just see its and face come he out. dies. And the camera kind of like shows a snake slithering around yes. as he's being eaten. Yes. I always wondered what that meant. I, I That's actually a good know question. know that I have an answer Because this movie's so intentional with everything. Yeah, That's it probably means to something. Be something. Well, th it was like a poisonous snake, but I don't know if it, because there's a certain type of snake that has that pattern on its back, but- uh, if if the pattern's one way, it's poisonous, but if the pattern's a different way, it's not poisonous or yeah. something, but you don't know. Um, it also could be saying that while he was there in nature, I just now thought of this, while he was there, it's like, yeah, the Velociraptor killed you, but if the Velociraptor wasn't there, the snake would have bitten you because it was right there and you also didn't notice it either, right? Mm. As you're walking through nature, you're not aware of the ways that it can kill you. And that was another way. I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing. I, I, I just but it probably means something. What I used to think as a kid, because it's actually a, a rack focus shot. So you got the, yeah, the, the right. snake in the foreground and then they rack focus to the eye of the velociraptor that was the uh, distraction behind yeah. it. And it's like craw crawling down. And my thought was always, oh, he didn't get to eat. The guy, so he's going to have to eat that snake. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> like oh like uh, the, the raptor that attacked Muldoon yeah. got that meal, and this one's not moving the other still. One. So he's like, uh, I'm going to have to settle on oh, eating man. this snake. <laughs> that was my thought as a child. I, was I don't like, think that's I what I felt bad for that velociraptor. He didn't get to eat the, like, the big meal. You're right. Dang it, man. Dang it. <laughs> he has to eat the snake instead. That's have to funny. take turns who gets to eat the... the <laughs> uh, that was my oh, seven-year-old, eight-year-old thought on what was going on there. Okay, uh, Ellie in the okay. in the compound ah, turning everything back on. And then, of course, John on. is telling Ellie he's leading him through. Yes, it. he won't look at the map because me, Malcolm's like, just tell him, tell him to follow the big wire. Yes, right. And John's like, no, I know this park. I know what's happening. I know how here. to read a schematic. He's looking at it and he's like, I built this park, right? I know what's going on. And then he's like, Oh, where are you now? What do you see? Uh, okay, turn left. And he's like, totally screwing it up. It's like, dude, you don't know your own creation, man. Mm -hmm. You made this thing, and it's even he just gets, something as basic yeah. as the floor schematics of the he bunker. Doesn't have any like idea he doesn't know it. what's going he on here. He has no control. He thinks he does, though. That's the whole point. <laughs> I know. He thinks he does, He's and he so does incompetent. not. Anyways, uh, that ends up being Malcolm getting on the radio and telling her where to go. Yeah, say, so, hey, follows, find the thing, follow. Follows yeah. the pipe to the place, turns them all back on, and, uh, and oh, Mr. Ray, Hammond, we're back in business. Yep. All the lights are coming on. And Ray Arnold's hand falls on her shoulder. Yeah, the, the Velociraptor comes right behind her. That's right. Oh that's right. Yeah. Gosh. 
he closes the gate and he's tearing the <laughs> he's gate apart. He's tearing the gate apart. And oh, then, that freaks me out. And then the out. arm comes down. Oh, Mr. Arnold. She pulls it and just like the whole arm's dismembered. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And she runs away. And uh, this is around the time Ellie runs into Grant, who's now out looking for her. So now we're yeah. kind of reuniting the two separated groups. Yep. She runs and grabs him. And and she, but she's like limping though. She's yeah, like she's, not... And the, the flashlight's yeah. like dragging behind her because yeah. it's got a cord on it, yeah. you know? Mm. And she's just like, run, get yeah. out of here. So now Ellie and Grant are back together. Yeah, my next thing is Tim and Lex getting yes. away from the raptors. The food, because this again, is so scary, man. The jello. She's at the yes, jello and she and starts shaking. Shrink. And the, of course, and she's eating the, the vegetarian food. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, see the Tim's shadow eating. of the. Oh, that was so scary, man. Of the, of the raptor. They go into the. Kitchen, kitchen area and that's uh, like you yeah. know tracking them through there i remember this really so really brilliant tense, tense yeah really action good. and all of these shots the yeah. only part that i can criticize the animatronics is in the is in that kitchen yeah right where there. the legs are running yeah where the legs are running and maybe possibly after the velociraptor hits the stove thinking because it was a mirror it didn't know oh, right. and then it falls over and it's like legs and arms are moving that i thought that was cgi didn't in that look perfect well when it hit it was it was cgi but oh. when she then runs around Maybe it might have been CGI. Um, when she then escapes after it has fallen over, yeah. you just see the legs and arms, and they're just kind of like like a turtle on its back. They're just yeah, kind of like, right, right. and I just didn't sell it to me. <laughs> uh, maybe it was CG, but either way, I didn't think it looked like perfect. Yeah, and so um, the result, so there's three raptors, and they yeah. she ends up locking one of them she in the freezer. She locks one, the so other two. So they're able to get that one yeah. out of the way, but now That's there are two probably left. the one... There, uh, there's the two are the, the one that killed Robert Mulvin. Well, the ones well, that killed Ellie, Ellie believed that she locked one inside of the room where she turned on all the lights. She closed yes. that door. Yeah. And so she's like, well, that one's locked in there. So unless they've figured out how to open doors. That's right. And that's when you that's see right. a door opening. Yep. So even though there's yeah. two in the kitchen that she locks away and this one's still chasing them, the one that was in the paddock that she locked, yeah. though not locked, but closed, got Comes out. back. That's and, right. And they meet up kind of at the end with the T-Rex. The, the two yeah. of them are there or whatever. Um. Anyways. They go into the room where- This is where Lex hacks into yes, the computer system. Yes, hacks the system. I love it. The Unix operating system is all 3D. It's like yeah, 3D so blocks. I was looking that up. <laughs> yeah. Because she's like, I know this system. It's a Unix system. So I, I looked it up. I think it's supposed to be Linux. I was like, like, I was Linux. like Unix. It, Unix is a thing. Oh, really? But I don't think it had an OS that looked that, like that. That was definitely a custom OS, I, for it, sure. It felt like it. Like I, I was <laughs> yeah. looking up- like videos of Unix and it's a real thing. What? Like oh, Unix yeah. is a family of multitasking, oh, multi-user operating systems. So it was a thing, but it, wow. I don't think they had like that 3D, like, like folder system, like zooming in. To uh, the, I don't think it operated like no, that. I think that was just um, for the movie. I'm seeing on the chat here, um, Sig says that Unix is the base for Linux. Okay, there you go. Which yeah. I, I assumed Unix and Linux had something to do with each other, but I just didn't know how. So Unix is older than Linux. And uh, would, would be the base. Yeah. That's interesting. So Unix definitely. So whatever OS they were actually using wasn't Linux for sure. No. <laughs> it w or sorry, wasn't Unix for sure. It was, a, it was a skin overlaid on top of Unix, which is just the underlying yeah. architecture. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's made to look fancy and cool. Yeah. But yeah. I was thinking the whole Super time, especially with like how um, 
UI design has changed yeah. over the years. It's That's like, that, not good UI. That is such a bad. And it was so slow. Inefficient. Yeah. Sort of like UI, yeah. like actually physically moving through space to like click on folders and stuff. It's like, <laughs> yeah. that's a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Just give me like a list and, you know. Exactly. Like, it's just not efficient at all. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, she, she gets the, the locks to come back yep, on. And then they all engage. reunite. But then uh, the, the Raptor's coming through the window and he's like shooting out the window. Yes. And this is when they're on John the phone Hammond's with like, Grant. No, with Hammond. It's like, because no. Grant calls him and he's like, uh, Dr. Hammond, the power's back on, or, or Mr. Hammond, the phones, the pa- the phones, the phones are, are working. On, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause he's calling yeah. on the phone. The phones are working. <laughs> Mr. Nice. Hammond, the phones are working. Phones are, are the working. children all right? The children are fine. Call the mainland. Tell them to send the damn helicopters. <laughs> 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 it's going to cut through the glass. And, and they didn't actually write it down here. It, it was, a, it was, um, some, a, a line I was confused about since Me I was too. a child. Me too. Actually. Cause when John says no, you can no. hear the yeah. gunshots yeah. and, and, Hammond just screams, don't, don't, don't. on the phone. Now, I I, didn't know if he was talking to Grant, don't shoot the dinosaurs. I thought he was saying don't shoot. And that would be reinforced by the book. Yes. Which is, these are my babies. Don't, don't, don't kill them. Don't shoot them. But it could also mean like, he could be not saying no, he could be saying, or he could not be saying don't, he could be saying no. Or he could no! be saying he could which, be saying don't to the like, dinosaur, don't kill my grandchildren. Either way, either I just, way, yeah. I, I couldn't tell what he was, who he was yelling at, yeah. <laughs> and they don't even have that line in here. It's really weird. In the subtitles that I saw, he, it said no, but I remember oh, it as really? don't. Yeah, but it N, like don't. the letter N and the letter D when enunciated That's in true. you know an emergency situation, it, they kind of sound the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned that while studying Korean. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, I always wonder. I always thought it was don't shoot. Yes. But I thought so it too. It was probably not, but yeah. it could have been. Who knows? Who knows? I don't so, think it would have. I don't think it was. We're pretty much at the end of the movie here. Yeah. It wraps up with a big action sequence. In the, the museum with in the bones. In the museum with the bones. Yeah. They jump onto it. The, the two raptors are after them. The T-Rex comes at the last minute and grabs the grabs the velociraptor, yeah. kills him. The other one attacks it. They escape in the chaos. The T-Rex kills the other one and he's yep. the king and he's and then the only it roars, one left. Yeah, yeah, and, and the roar. Jurassic Park banner comes floating down. With cool the music, shot. so triumphant. And um, how did it get in there? What are the, like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Don't <laughs> think cool. about that. It's just cool. And then Grant now, pulls up in a, or sorry, Hammond pulls up in a gas Jeep. Yep. Grant pulls up. Mr. Hammond, after careful consideration, <laughs> I've, decided. I've decided not to endorse your park. And Hammond says, oh, so, so have good. I. <laughs> yep, so have I. And they take off to the, the helicopters and they, you know, fly off into the sunset. They see some birds okay. flying. I'm few... sure there's some symbolism here. Yeah, oh, there is, there is rich, rich symbolism here. <laughs> sunset. Okay. So um, the kids are with Alan Grant. He's finally completely opened up to the idea of being around children, maybe even having his own one day. The future looks bright. Um, Alan is watching the birds fly. Now, this is so good. Dinosaurs are still real. They are alive today. Yes, they're birds. They're just birds. Now, a paleontologist would say, no, no, no. That's like calling humans fish, you know? Because like, <laughs> <laughs> it was separated by 100, 200 million years. Like, okay. But, but you can appreciate the life that's here. Yeah. that descended from the dinosaurs. Yeah. You don't have to bring back the yes, dinosaurs, right? <laughs> right? So as he's sitting around, as he's watching these birds flying, he's admiring the beauty of them, right? Mm. And 
what I wrote here is that we should enjoy the life that currently exists on earth instead of trying to resurrect the long dead past using tools beyond our comprehension. The shots of the birds flying are beautiful and coupled with the music make you kind of just want to appreciate the life on earth as we have it now. And it's so cool because he's a paleontologist and as a kid, I was like, what's up, what's up with these birds? Like cranes, storks, whatever it is. Like, what are they, what's the point? But it's like understanding that at least the way the beginning of the movie starts with the the velociraptor looks like a turkey that it turns mm-hmm. into a bird and oh look at this this is how it turned into a bird and then him seeing the bird with this new appreciation right yeah. the the synthesis of of the paleo of the studying dead dinosaurs and then seeing live dinosaurs and then realizing that they are synthesized in the in the bird yeah which birds can freaking fly so how well, amazing is that it, it, life found a way the the, it's yes, not, the dinosaurs exactly. didn't die out they didn't really go extinct it, the way you think of they, it the life evolved in a way in which it found yeah. a way to survive and turned into the current Exactly. form of life we have today. Now, that being said, yes, most dinosaurs died and their lines ended. <laughs> but but still, yeah. some form of them were able to evolve into into what we see now. And yes. that's that's just that's as cool as anything. Yes. Like life itself is so cool. Worrying about which type of life and I like I get it. I would love to see a real life dinosaur. I really would. And yeah. hu- and there one day it will happen and I, we'll see <laughs> how that goes when it happens. Um but you know, uh, life in itself is is like a miracle in and of itself. Like mm-hmm. looking beyond the miracle that's already in front of you to try to make something more of it than is readily present yeah. is is it's just it's usually a mistake. We'll just yeah. put it that way. Okay, so then I've got. Um, this was also a message about evolution. Life changes in the hardest of situations. Life finds a way. They found a way. They mm-hmm. made it out against yeah. all odds. And then, as an archaeologist, he was always looking to the past. <clears throat> he didn't like kids. He didn't seem to believe in or care much about the future. But by the end, he sees the future. He sees the value in things and he lives in the present. That's once again, the synthesis of the future and the past is yeah. just the present. Right. It's now, you know, and he's surrounded by kids looking forward towards the future, not the past, but living in the present. That's so good. And then um, now they head off to a new world, the modern world, leaving this new past behind them. Right? Yeah. So Great stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I have one other. One One other line. One more. And this is good because you mentioned that George Lucas talked about dialogue being just background noise, basically. That it's just sounds that you sort of get what they're saying, but it's just meant to add to like the soundtrack of the movie. Yes. It's not meant to be like read as a script and like, ooh, that's stupid, you know? Yeah. So Joseph Goebbels, um, he was a Nazi and he was the chief propagandist for the Nazi party. And there's a quote from him specifically saying, I do not talk to say something but only to attain a certain effect. Mm. This 1930s, wow. Germany, Hitler's like chief propagandist, right? He would like the speechwriter kind of guy. He felt the same way that George Lucas does. He, yep. he, he cracked a code about the world. He realized that it doesn't matter that much what you say. What really matters is how you say it or the effect that your words generate. Yes. That's what matters. Yes. And especially when you're speaking live. And of course, Hitler came to prominence as radio had become a big thing. And right. it was, you got to actually hear your leader talking every day. Like that was crazy. And that gave Hitler this, um, we, uh, the ability to wield power and influence at a level that was previously not, mm. you know, well understood. Um, and Goebbels, of course, was the guy who was like, he what he wrote for the Nazi propaganda was only to attain an effect. It didn't matter what was said. And so he may have said all sorts of horrible things. The whole point was to attain an, to elicit an emotion, to attain an effect. Mm. So that goes to, um, of course that gets carried into movies now 
And well, so does like Lenny Riefenstahl, right? She oh, was the sure. chief propaganda yeah. creator she, for she images. She made the films, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she pioneered all sorts of image techniques that are used to this day now, right? And that's yeah. just because the Nazis did it first doesn't mean that like it's, that it's bad for anyone well, it, to do it's ever. Effective, yes, which is it's, why it works. <laughs> they exploited something. They discovered like a a, a fact about a reality, which is that this is how you manipulate people. This is yeah. how you get people to think and feel a certain way. Um, and that's how they did it. So anyways, I came across that just that's like a crazy. month ago after you had told me about Lucas, I came so across that quote. So what you're saying is I was like, oh my gosh. George Lucas is a propagandist. <laughs> I don't, he learned from them. He learned from the propagandists. Yeah, they made a, he is a propagandist. He, if you he, think about he it. He kind though. of is. I mean, he made the, he made the I Indiana mean, Jones is. movies, which were all there you go. about the Nazis and stuff. That's right. Negatively, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, there we go. That's the end, finally, of our Jurassic Park analysis. We My hope you gosh, guys we easily it. could have done another episode. But I think so. I think we tried to be. It, it was. Here. It was time. It, it was time. time. We need because to I want to watch Lord else. of the Rings, so I'm going to put that on the next one. <laughs> Sweet. I'm going to put oh that on the next vote, dude. That's going to take more than three episodes. Oh, <laughs> because we're <laughs> gonna, we're going to have to do movie. the whole trilogy, and oh, so that'll take a whole year. That'll take many, many months, <laughs> but uh, it'll be good. Uh, the first movie will probably be. Four episodes. At least. The second movie will might be three. The last movie might be it might be one or two. <laughs> no, I'm You're you probably know, right. They're still they're great movies. I'm just saying one, the, the first, first one has is clearly, a lot more to talk about in the first movie. A lot more to talk about, yeah. Because there's a lot more setup there. There's a lot more and you know. <laughs> what, what if the poll is Fellowship Two Towers? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, we could do no, Lord do of the Rings don't trilogy that, films, do Lord of the Rings trilogy books, Silmarillion. There you go. Oh my gosh. That's the next <laughs> the four Hobbit. years. The next four years, go The Hobbit. That'll be just one episode, all three movies. <laughs> well, oh, I've, I, I've had on my computer for a long time, a cut of The Hobbit that's just uh, one movie. Remember, I was making one of those yes. and then I, I kind of And I have up. not watched it yet. You haven't? I oh, have damn. not actually watched it yet. I mm. should do that sometime soon. But anyway- I'll put a new poll up. We won't just make it Lord of the Rings. We'll make it Lord of the Rings and some other things that you guys have suggested. But yeah, but Lord of the Rings better win. Uh, just kidding. We hope that you joke. guys have enjoyed this because this has been my favorite one we've ever this done. This is so far. really fun. I'll dude. be honest. Like really of all fun. the game public ones we've done, of all the yeah. all the this has been my favorite analysis we've ever done. I love this movie, and this yeah. this is probably the best movie ever made. I'm it not, really and I'm not is. saying that. At no. all facetiously. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> it's probably the best movie of all time. <laughs> it's, it's just incredibly well made. It film. really is. It makes me want to go back to all the other 90s and 80s movies from our childhood yeah, and see and if- reevaluate. Are they anywhere like this you yeah. know, This depth, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know what I'll put on the poll. We'll put Lord of the Rings and we'll put The Dark Crystal. You ever seen The Dark Crystal? I- Movie is have movie not. is so no I have dope. but it's been like 20 dude I'm years, gonna put a bunch of I'm years? gonna put a bunch of really old fantasy movies Sick. against the Lord of the Rings so Ooh. Fellowship of the Ring give them those Never Ending Story oh Never Ending Story uh, Dark Crystal okay and maybe something else like that mm, what's, what's a, an old, old fantasy, fantasy film that's that's good. like really good gosh don't say a, Willow because it's not that <laughs> a Ghibli something or other like um uh, like uh, what's that one I know I knew someone was gonna say Willow I knew someone was gonna say Willow. I'm not a fan of Willow. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, say. That would be a Princess Bride. How about that? Princess okay, Bride. there we go. That's one. There's that, another one that might yes, be a perfect film. Because that one rides the line between comedy and yes. like seriousness, yes. like in a just incredible way. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. Oh, I like Harry, that. Harry Potter, Star Wars. Princess yeah. Bride. No, nah, not Harry Potter or Star Wars. Princess Bride. <laughs> That'll be a different one. <laughs> Princess Bride, The Fellowship of the Ring. The Dark Crystal and the Neverending Story. Gosh, I hope we do all four of those. Those are fantastic. <laughs> At some point, and and three of them were from my 
childhood childhood. And yeah. then one of them was from my teenage years childhood. So they're all kind of revisiting childhood okay, movies. Nice. I feel like the the Fellowship of the Ring and then after that, The Last Samurai were kind of the last movies That's right, to be Samurai. made in the style of the Hollywood movies of my childhood. Sure. And then after that, Hollywood movies changed with the whole MCU stuff. Yeah, MCU is starting with what, Hulk and well, Iron the, the Man? Well, the first Iron Man. Uh, 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. So Movies really change around then. Labyrinth is good, too. Oh, Labyrinth. I do like that movie. Labyrinth is wonderful. If we're talking about Princess Bride, Labyrinth is a very good comparison. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're done. Okay. We'll see you guys next oh, time. Oh, real quick. Also, <laughs> Richard Kiley. Did we talk about him? How he was like an actual yes, voice guy? Okay, good. Yes. All right, we're done. Then. We're done. Okay, see you guys later. All right, everybody, peace. Peace out. <laughs>